Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining me this week, I have none other than Jonathan Landeros, who you probably know better as Zyger. How you doing, Zyger? I'm doing great. Yay, I'm on the show finally. Yay. I have to ask you five questions every week. Yeah, I mean, you still will. It just won't be this week. You, you'll you just ask five questions every other week. So um, I was debating on answer, asking five questions. I'm like, now nah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Well, uh, Nate did it last week. Nathan Swisher had asked questions on his own episode last week. So I was like, all right, whatever. It's, it's no big deal. So I was actually expecting to, to maybe see something come through from you. Uh, so I for... wrote questions down, just for the record. I wrote them down. I just never tweeted them. Nice. Excellent. So for the one person who stumbles upon this video that doesn't know who you are from our circle of friends and the kind of funny community, go ahead and, uh, and give the rundown of Zyger. I'm just a kid who has a lot of free time. There's nothing else to it. <laughs> that's that's very true. Uh, yeah. Mod extraordinaire, admin extraordinaire for the kind of funny community and like a million other Twitch channels. Yeah, so... Is that the Twitch uh, hoodie you're wearing? Yeah, it's the uh, Twitch hoodie that uh, our friend Frank Pisani gave me at uh, PAX West. Yeah, did you end up going to TwitchCon or did you just like, did that ticket okay. just go to waste? We, uh, my little sister, when I came home that weekend, saw me with the Twitch hoodie and she's like, I want a hoodie exactly like that. I'm like, well, we have to go to TwitchCon. And I told her, like, oh, I got this Friday ticket. She's like, we're going to go. And that Friday, we went to San Diego. But uh, I guess, like, I lost the email that had the TwitchCon ticket. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is awkward. I mean, I feel like you'd, you'd have, to, you have to actively lose an email there, Zyger. You had to actually delete it. I get a lot of emails. So do I. I never delete any of them. They just sit in my inbox, and I can go and search for them later. Yeah, that's a problem. It's a problem for me because uh, for whatever reason, I didn't like flag this email as soon as I got it. So you couldn't just like, and uh, I was, do a Google search of TwitchCon email or whatever, or whatever your your email that, search is. That's the thing, though. I wasn't sure if it sent to because uh, I have multiple different emails. And the email I always tell everyone is zyger137 at gmail.com. Everyone can send an email. I don't care. But, like, I wasn't sure if I told that to Frank or not. So I was looking through, like, three different emails. I'm like, I just can't find this goddamn email. And, like, I know it was from Pax West. So the date had to have been September something. And I'm just looking through all the emails, and it's not there. So there's a chance that I may have deleted it with other Twitch spam I get. Yeah, that's fair. I guess you probably do get quite a bit in terms of Twitch spam. Uh yeah. Awesome. Well, Frank, uh, apparently uh, your gift meant nothing to Zyger. The so, gift was the hoodie. It was amazing, and I love it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, cool. Uh, so for those that don't know about the show who are just stumbling in because they're Zyger fanatics, um, which I'm sure are out there. Uh, I don't think so, but all right. <laughs> the, uh, the, the premise of Trove Talk is we, uh, it's kind of a four-part show. Uh, we, uh, as I said at the top, a gaming and getting to know you show. So we'll go through Zyger's gaming history in part one. Part two, we'll uh, break out into his favorite game. Uh, part three, we will talk about something outside of the gaming sphere, a getting to know you topic, if you will. And then part four, we will uh, hit it up with community questions uh, and answer some trove topics. So without further ado, topic one, Zyger, tell me about your gaming history and how you just, you know, started... Your prob what your your first game was probably like five years ago. Yeah, so the first game was actually Watch Dogs Two. 
My first console <laughs> ever was the Xbox One PS4. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're like little indie things. You little child, you. Nah, but uh, serious note, a lot of people don't expect this, but my first console ever was actually the Super NES. Okay. And like, I got it at the early Nintendo 64 age. I had no idea what the Nintendo 64 was, but it was around that time frame, so the Super NES was cheap. Yeah. So when my mom bought it, uh, she came home one day with the NES and two controllers along with a copy of, I believe it was like Super Mario World or something. Probably that was the standard pack, pack yeah, in with, this, with the SNES. So yeah, she came home with that and it was like, it was the first video game that me and my brother, my older brother Eric uh, ever had. Like we would always watch cartoons and everything. So uh, we just played things on the television, but we never had a video game before. We only like heard of them. And then what, what, what did you, what does you played things on the television okay, so, mean? <laughs> so there's these like weird TV games. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but like back in the early days, there's this weird thing you can just put on the TV and you can play with your TV remote. And it's like Frogger or not Frogger, it's like Leapfrog or something. And it's just, it's not even oh. a video game. It's like okay. one of those educational things. Yeah, yeah, okay. Leapfrog, I know. I, I, yeah, okay. I, I get, I'm, I'm, be, I'm with you on the Leapfrog educational gaming. Okay, that, that makes more sense. I thought you were like, yeah, no, like we played Dora the Explorer and like I was pointing and, and she knew what I was saying. To be fair, I did do that. <laughs> of course you did. But no, like those weren't like really video games. It was more just like, videos that played and then like you would make a one or two input like every now and then and it would just teach you things so we never consider that a video game because it's not really uh but yeah we are, oh we watch cartoons and everything so it's like oh we spent time on the television but we never played a video game so when my mom came home with the uh, nes it's like oh how do we use this and like we're not tech savvy at this point we're like i think like i was maybe three or four, and my brother was four or five. So when she came out with the NS and gave it to us, it's like, how do we get this to work? She's like, oh, well, you got to connect that to the television. It's like, how? I was like, okay, well, my mom looked at the thing. She's like, she had no idea. But she got my dad. My dad's like, oh, it's just like a VHS thing. Uh, you put the red in the red, the white in the white, the yellow in the yellow. We're like, what is this? This is science. And it's like, okay, so after like a day or two, we finally get it set up and we're playing Mario and it was one of those times where you're just like, I let my older brother play first because he's older and I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like I'm going to break this thing. So I'm watching him play Mario for the first time ever. And it's like, this is something else. It's not like baseball. I don't have to go outside and deal with anything. I can just do this. So uh, my older brother played and beat Mario and I watched him do it after he beat it. Then I played it. Like, because most of the time whenever we played the NES, it was always me watching him play because I didn't want to play because I didn't think I was going to be good at it. So I watched it be all of Mario. After that, uh, I played Mario and I wasn't bad at it. I was nowhere near as good as he was at it, but I was like, okay, I'm getting used to it. Then we played um, the Donkey Kong Country games. Like Mm -hmm. the NES had all like three of them. And again, this is the time during the Nintendo 64, so all three were out. So my mom got this bundle that had all three of them in it. It's like, okay, we'll just play through all these. And like, we would take turns every level. It's like, okay, you play one level, I'll play one level. And as a kid, I didn't realize this. But when you play video games, they get progressively harder. Yeah, it tends to, it tends to be the, the level design. Yeah, so uh, 
after a certain point, I just kept dying on levels. And like the rule was, okay, you play a level until you either beat it or you die. Once you die, you give it to that person. You take turns that way. So it ended up with uh, my brother pretty much beating the entire trilogy while I played through parts of the level. You played like the early, every other early level. Yeah. And then, and then at some point, he just took over. Pretty much. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't really remember the, any of those games because I mostly played through the beginning parts of those games. Again, not great. But uh, after the whole Donkey Kong thing, it's like, we... Uh, like I said, this is the first Nintendo thing, so we didn't know about uh, Mario and Donkey Kong, or I guess Mario back then was called Jetman, so we didn't know they had this whole history thing. So uh, when we well, okay, like let's let's go back. The Super Nintendo was not the first Nintendo thing. It was not. He, he was Mario before that, and then he was Jumpman before that. Yes. Exactly, but we we didn't know about anything about that. We didn't know the origin story of Mario or Donkey Kong, who was actually the Donkey Kong Junior. I guess, because technically Jumpman and Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong turned out to be Cranky Kong. Yeah, Cranky Kong. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. So we had no idea of this magical origin story. We just knew, like, oh, these two video games have their own separate universes. Then we played uh, Super Mario Kart, and Donkey Kong was in it, if I remember right. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was in it. it. Like, it blew our mind. Like, yo, this game has a crossover with Donkey Kong. And, like, we played Mario, then we played Donkey Kong, we played this game. It was like, it has both of them together. This is insane. And then, like, we're playing through that. We're, uh, Mario Kart was the first game that we actually played with both controllers because Mario and Donkey Kong are both single-player games. Mm. So uh, we finally got to use the second controller. I mean, my brother would race each other all the time playing through the several different courses. Uh, we would always not play Rainbow Road because uh, Rainbow Road sucked, especially as a little kid. <laughs> when, when all you want to do is go fast and not worry about, like, steering and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, like, I don't remember those games that well but i don't think drifting was a thing until like the 64 version so turning was hard yeah i mean I, I there may have been like light drifting in in the original i don't remember now yeah i, I don't remember either like it's been forever since i played the uh, super mario kart game i think i played like a rom of it like three years ago but again that was forever ago yes uh, then uh you were only 10 back then little 13 year old zyger yeah <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but like uh, one of my favorite memories of the NES is the one and only game I've ever beaten on the NES. It was uh, and, Kirby. And, and by NES, you mean Super Nintendo. Yeah, Super Nintendo. Super NES. That's like, you keep saying yeah, NES. So, I'm like, that's not even, no, that's not the right thing. See, the thing is, uh, my mom always called it the NES. And like when we read it, we saw NES on there. It's like, okay, so this is the NES. For the longest time, I didn't know that the Super NES and the NES are two different things. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the Super NES does not play NES games. Fun and fact. I knew this was going to be a test of my, my patience <laughs> to yep. bringing you on the show. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but like I was saying, one of my favorite memories of that was me beating my first and the only game I ever beat on the uh, Super NES, uh, Kirby Superstar. Okay. Because Kirby games, super easy. Yeah, yep. And like as a little kid, I was like, oh, uh, we, I got it from, I think, like a Swamit or something. Like we got it super cheap. So I'm just playing through that while my brother was at like, his friend's house or something. And it's like, this is the first game that I've ever played with my older brother wasn't with me and where he didn't beat the level for me. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? 
And, like, the learning curve of that game, super simple. Like, the first level, super easy. I think the first boss is the tree thing, like, as it is in most of Kirby games. You just have to throw the apples at the tree. But, yeah, Kirby uh, Superstar was, like, fun. Because it was, again, super easy. I was a little kid. I was stupid. Playing that game and beating it, I felt like a sense of accomplishment. Like, hey, I did something with my life. And, again, being, like, six probably at this time. I was like, I finally can say I did something with my life. I beat Kirby Superstar. I told my mom, I was like, can I get something put on the fridge or something? Because I beat this game like a sticker or something. She's like, no, you can't. You, you play a video game. Good job. I'm like, damn right, good job. Damn right. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, it's all downhill. And then the only <laughs> other NES game that I played, like we had a few different NES games or Super NES games, but I just didn't play through them. The only other one was Tetris. Mm-hmm. Tetris is a lot of fun. And like, I didn't realize it at the time but I probably play Tetris more than anything else because it's just super simple. Like after you lose, cause I lost a lot, it just restarted and you just kept going and going and going. And I didn't realize at that time that I really loved Tetris until later with the game of color, but that's later. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, if I recall correctly, you were like a Tetris master at, uh, at RTX, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a little kid, I played Tetris for fun because I liked all the shapes and just dropping the puzzles up to make a tower. When I was playing Tetris on the Super NES, I thought the game was to build the tower as quick as you can. That's uh, that's that's becoming a common thread in uh, in these gaming histories. I don't remember who else it was. I don't think it was Cameron who talked about Tetris as his favorite game, but Pretty somebody sure else was, I was talking about. What was it, Kaylee? Yeah, because <laughs> she played it for mom a lot. Okay. And I don't know if she talked about it on your podcast or not. I just know that she told me like offhand that she played Tetris with her mom a lot as a kid. So I'm assuming it's her, but it could have been someone else. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, definitely somebody recently was uh, was telling me, and it may not even been on the show, but somebody else was like, "Oh yeah, like I love playing Tetris growing up, but like I didn't realize you were supposed to make the blocks disappear yep. for a long time." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, so you just like you played through for like 10 seconds and then you, you just played through again? Okay, interesting. No, the thing is like, at first I did that whole thing where you play through as fast as you can so you can lose in 10 seconds. But then I thought I was like, oh, maybe this is like a sandcastle building game. So <laughs> I tried to make elaborate sandcastles as I played through Tetris and lost. That's, now, now I'm curious as to what a sandcastle building game would look like. <laughs> No, but that's the thing. Whenever I did clear a line, at the time I didn't know why sometimes uh, lines would disappear. I was like, I that I thought that like, oh, that's with the game telling you that you're losing when you're getting rid of lines for you. I was like, I gotta stop doing this. I don't know why it's happening, but like every now and then, lines of my castle just disappear, and it's like, this is ruining it. I can't get a high enough score. I didn't look at the score at all, but like in my head, I thought I was. This is very, it's it's just fascinating because I never, like there was never a point in my life where I was like, oh yeah, you're supposed to build as tall as you can in Tetris. It was always like, we, we just always knew that it was, you were supposed to be clearing out the lines and keeping it as like, uh, and just, yeah, getting a high score. Maybe that, maybe because we actually read instructions back in my day. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I was like a little kid. I didn't like reading at this time. So I just mashed the A button through any dialogue or whatever. As long as I can get to the game part, I was like, okay, I'll have fun with this. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and like with uh, Super Mario World, that didn't really have many instructions. It was just go. Yeah, just go and, and beat all the Koopalings. So I, so I was used to games just dropping you off in the middle of the thing with no context whatsoever. And you just figure it out on your own. 
So I thought Tetris was like that sandcastle builder one on one. Turns out it was not. Yeah, very true. Any other um, Super Nintendo highlights? No, like those are the only five or so games that like I remember playing. Like I spent probably an hour looking through all the NES games that were available at the time. Like, okay, did I play this? Did I play this? I know we owned this, but I never touched it. Because mm-hmm. like my brother, older brother Eric, he was the one who played with the Super Nintendo. I was just there watching him play through games. And like these are the only games that I remember playing: Mario, Donkey Kong's one through three, uh, Mario Kart, Kirby, and Tetris. Okay, so moving on then from the Super Nintendo, did you end up moving on to an N sixty four? Did you? Yes. Did you go handheld next, or uh, well, yeah? What's what's your journey? I went to the sixty four first. I didn't get the Game Boy Color until roughly a few, probably months after the N sixty four. Like like I said, we got the NES at the beginning of the sixty four era, so like we had no idea this was out. So uh, when my mom finally came home with a Nintendo 64, it was during Christmas. Like, we were getting presents and everything. We were sitting by the tree. All our family was over. We were having a great time. And, like, one of my presents was a giant Charmander plush thing that was bigger than I was at that, at that time. I was like, oh, my God, Charmander. Because I, I loved the, watching the Pokemon anime. Mm-hmm. Like, Charmander's the best one out of all the starters. Yeah. And then my mom was like, oh, wait till you get your next present. And she's like, you're going to save it until... Uh, we had this family tradition where uh, we actually don't open presents Christmas morning. We stay up till midnight, like the entire family, and then we open presents at midnight. Like, so, like, so, so you're opening presents on the 26th? No, no, no. Uh, on Christmas Eve on the 24th up till oh, okay. midnight. So as okay. soon as it hits Christmas, okay, everyone get your presents now. And Got like, it. It's been a thing that we've done forever. It's like me, my entire family, like my extended family would come over or we would all meet at our grandmother's house or whatever. And then we would all do this. All the kids, if they wanted their presents, they had to stay up till midnight. And it was a challenge. Like if you fell asleep, you don't get your presents until the morning. Ooh. Yeah, it's like later in the morning. It's like not as soon as you wake up, you get it like in the afternoon or something really. <laughs> you get it whenever the parents decide to wake up. Exactly. Yeah. Because they always hide the presents because... We were asshole kids. If the present was under the tree, it was fair game. Whatever day it was, it wasn't Christmas. Who cares? The present's right here, opening it right now. The parents got smart. They hid the presents pretty well. So uh, we got uh, our last present we opened. It was the uh, super, I think it was like the Hey You Pikachu version of the Nintendo 64 with the mm-hmm. Pikachu on it. Yeah. And the reason button was his foot. I was like, oh my God, Pokemon. And, like, the game included was Hey You Pikachu, and it also came with the mic. I'm pretty sure that might have been the first N64 game I had at that time. So I mean, probably if, if you got that no, package, yeah. Like, I remember she gave us another game, but it was a game we never played, because I don't know why. I think we, like, lost it immediately after we got it. And I don't even remember what the title for that game was. I just know that, like, she bought us the Hey You Pikachu N64 along with a game with it, like, off to the side. I have no recollection of this game whatsoever. But my mom was like, no, you had a second game and you never played it. She never told me why. I assume we lost it. So playing through the I, game... I would, have just, I would just assume because it wasn't Pokemon. I mean, you're not wrong. It, it wasn't Pokemon. I can tell you that. So yeah, we played Hey You Pikachu. And I don't know if you remember Hey You Pikachu, but it was the game that came with a microphone mm-hmm. that you plug into one of the uh, controller slots. And yeah, basically, talk to Pikachu. basically a precursor to the Kinect. <laughs> Pretty much. But, it, but the thing is, it worked. 
So we're playing Hey You Pikachu and we're calling out Pikachu like, Pikachu, come here, come here. And then like Pikachu would just run up on screen and like the game, not really all that fun because it didn't really do a whole lot, but it was fun playing with Pikachu. Mm-hmm. And like, I think there was like certain mini games you could do with him or you could watch him do certain things like go to the train station. I remember at one point he gets weed, not really weed, but like he, he's playing with this grass. And at the time it was labeled weed, like weeds in the garden. Okay. So yeah, we're playing through Hey Pikachu. That's okay. But then the next game we get is the best game ever, Pokemon Stadium. Okay. And I don't know if you know Pokemon Stadium, but it's pretty much like a Pokemon battling game. Yep. And when we bought it, it came with the little uh, dongle thing that connects to the back of the Nintendo 64 controller that allows you to play Game Boy games on the N64. You could only... Uh, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that, that little exactly. uh, accessory. <laughs> That the thing with that thing is though is only really applies to Pokemon because there's only like one other game that uses it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly meant for Pokemon. So when you bought Pokemon Stadium, it came with that, and we're like, wait, there's other Pokemon games out there. So that will jump into the Game Boy Color, but we're gonna skip that for now. So we're playing through Pokemon Stadium, and like it has all these different mini games and modes and battles. And like at the start of the game, it gives you all 150 Pokemon. It's like, here, you can make whatever team you want. These are the moves that each of the Pokemon know. Just have fun, play, and battle, whatnot. So when we, uh, when my mom got us the game, it came with the thing, and it also came with a second controller. So we're playing through that, and me and my brother would battle all the time. Like, at, we would go into a match, uh, one of the modes was, like, battle or whatever, and we would pick six Pokemon, and then, like, uh, we would battle each other every now and then. We'd just do random battles, so we just set the randomizer on it, and they would pick the teams for us. And we we're like, okay, these are the teams that we don't pick, but we gotta battle them anyway and see who's better at the game. Mm-hmm. And like, there was a Pokemon League in that, and going through that was the hardest thing in the game because it's like, okay, you got a team of six Pokemon that you can't change after you pick your team, and you have to battle ten or so people. It's like, oh my god, this is impossible because you can't predict what they they have. I mean, at the time, you couldn't predict that. But I mean, being... if you, if you'd bought the guide, you you could. <laughs> no, the thing is, like, we didn't realize it at the time that all the people were the uh, gym leaders in the anime. So yeah. first one was Brock, then Misty, then uh, Surge, all through eight of them, and then the Pokemon League. It was like we had no idea. So it's like we have no idea what Pokemon they're gonna have. We we finally beat Brock. It's like, oh my god, Misty has water Pokemon. I got my Charizard out there. First one out. He's going to die if I don't switch him out. We've got to get Pikachu in there. Because for whatever reason, we believe Pikachu is better than Raichu. Even though Raichu is 10 times better than Pikachu in a battle. Like, we got to get I, Pikachu I, I, out there. It here. was marketing. Marketing was why you thought Pikachu. Exactly. <laughs> we played Hey You Pikachu. We just knew that we can't leave Pikachu out of the team. So uh, we got worked a whole lot while playing through that. But then uh, after Pokemon Stadium, we got... Uh, Pokemon Snap. We, we we played a lot of Pokemon games on the 64 thing. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good system for it. Yeah, so uh, we played through Pokemon Snap, and uh, as you know, it's the camera game. Super simple. It was uh, easy. We beat that game like an afternoon. The end of the game, we found out Mew was a Pokemon. It's like, what is a Mew? So we go back to Pokemon Snap, like, where's Mew in this game? And it turns out, uh, in order to unlock Mew, you had to beat that Pokemon League thing. Mm-hmm. Because we found out through one of our friends on the playground, because that's how we got information back then. We went to the playground, like, hey, how do you get Mew in Pokemon Stadium? And we had to, like, trade a guy, like, I think, three Starburst or whatever. 
<laughs> that way he would tell us how to get Mew. He's like, oh, you have to beat the Pokemon League. So we do that. We beat the Pokemon League. We unlock Mew. And then uh, I think it was my little brother Christian at the time. He hit the reset button on the, the N64 and reset it right before like it unlocked Mew permanently. Because like the way the game was supposed to work is it unlocks Mew and then it saves memory onto the cartridge. Yeah. To let you know, like, oh, Mew was unlocked. So when you start the game, Mew's there. He reset it before it saved that data. So he had to unlock Mew again. We just gave up. <laughs> so after... Heart- heartbreaking. Right? So we're playing through uh, that. And one of the next games we get, uh, we were given the option to get uh, Mario 64, Super Mario 64, or Mario Kart 64. And, like, we played through Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. It's like, okay, it's basically run left, run left. Mario 64, probably the same thing. We don't give a shit. We actually never played Super Mario 64 until, like, way later. So we get Mario Kart 64 because we had the two controllers anyway. And at this point, our little brother Christian is getting into video games too, and he wants to play with us. So we buy the uh, special version that came with an additional controller. It was like that purple one that was clear. Mm-hmm. So we get that with Mario Kart 64, and it's just the three of us playing. It's like, oh my god, this game is amazing. Because like as you know, Super NES only had two players. This one had four players. So after we got the third controller, uh, we were playing it. We are playing it with me, my older brother Eric, my little brother Christian, and our little sister Annabelle, who just like to watch every now and then. And like for her birthday or whatever, my mom got her like princess toys and whatnot. But one of the things that she got was like a pink N sixty four controller, so that way she can play with us. And <laughs> she was like, okay. So she she starts playing with us, and she plays only uh, exclusively girl characters. And at that time, the only one was Peach. Like, okay, she'll play Peach. I usually played Luigi. Eric would play uh, Mario, and then Christian would play Yoshi, I think. I don't know. Yoshi was always my go-to. I always went with Luigi because uh, my brother, because he's always player one. He's Mario. I'm always player two, so I'm Luigi. Yep. And we just go through that the entire time. So we played through Mario Kart Seeds 4. It's a lot of fun. Then the next game we get is Super Smash Bros. Now... As you know, Super Smash Bros. has a bunch of different Nintendo characters in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of which I had no idea who they were. I didn't know who Samus was. I didn't know who Fox was. Uh, I think the Ice Climbers were in the first game. No, Ice Climbers. Uh, no, I don't think the Ice Climbers were. Uh, really? I know Ness was. Ness, Ness was, yeah. But even even Ness was like one of the unlockable characters in that first one, I think. Yeah. Like, so like. Like Ness, do- Luigi. Uh, Jigglypuff was unlockable, I think, and one other, maybe? Captain Falcon. Was it? No, I, think, I, I think he was default unlocked. I know there was only four unlockable characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I just don't remember which four. But yeah, I don't, I don't think the Ice Climbers came in yet. Because if if the the 3DS can't run the Ice Climbers, I'm pretty sure the, the uh, N64 version wasn't running the Ice Climbers. I mean, you're not wrong. But anyway... Uh, a lot of those characters made their start on the NES and Super NES. We had no idea who any of them were. So we were playing Super Smash Bros. Our default would be go to Mario, go to Lu- uh, Luigi after we unlocked him, go to Pikachu. And then, like, for whatever reason, I was drawn to the character Link because I was like, oh, this guy has a sword? That's pretty badass. So I would play Link instead of uh, Pikachu. And just, like, playing through Super Smash Bros., uh, we start to learn about all the other characters. 
uh, we never, uh, just for the record, I've never played a Metroid game. So playing as Samus in I don't, Super I don't think I have either. <laughs> yeah, playing through as Samus in Super Smash Bros. is like, whoa, this guy has a gun. He's so badass. It wasn't until I was much older that I realized, oh, she's not a dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I would always play as Link. Uh, Smash Bros. was a game we played up way past until we got the next Smash on GameCube. But we played that all the time. And then like when I was walking through a store or whatever, I saw a game called uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I was like, what the hell is this? I look at the back of the box. I'm like, that's the guy with the sword. That's in Smash Bros. <laughs> he has his own game? What? I thought, they was, I thought all of those were made up characters. But I was like, he has his own game? What is this? We didn't understand at the time that Smash Bros. was a little mash of all the Nintendo games and stuff. Yep. So I'm playing through Ocarina of Time, and I kept dying because Ocarina of Time... No, that, no, Majora's Mask was the one with the moon. Yes. What? Hmm. I don't remember Ocarina of Time then. I know that was the first Zelda game I had. And Also, I, this this week's, uh, as we're recording this, this that was Nate's uh, favorite game. Was it? Uh, yeah, so yeah, we just, it, it, was, it just got um, ample time yesterday as we're, as we're sitting here talking about it. We talked about it for like half an hour. So yeah, I just for the record, I'd never beaten Ocarina of Time until after it came out on 3DS. But like, as playing it through a kid, it was like, this is so cool. I didn't know the Nintendo 64 can do this. Because it was like, yeah, we talked about like, the world. world is so big. Oh my god. Right? And like, uh, Nintendo games early on didn't typically hold your hand. So it was like, hey, you have to figure out what you're doing. And with Zelda, it's just, just one giant puzzle game. And like every now and then, whenever me and my brothers would figure out the next thing we had to do, it was like this huge thing. Like, oh my god, we finally unlocked this door. Now we can go through here and see what's in there. We would go through a dungeon. We would get an item. It's like we have this item that will now allow us to open that door way over there. We just gotta find a way to get there again because we were kids. We didn't remember things. We don't know what the map layout was. Mm-hmm. We would go to one place and then like, oh, we need a key for this. Play another five or so hours find the key that we need, but forget where that door was. So we would spend another five or so hours looking for the door, and by the time we find the door, we forgot we had the key, so it's like, oh, we can't open this door yet. <laughs> nice. And then uh, after that, we got Majora's Mask, because we're like, oh, dude with the green sword, we didn't beat Ocarina of Time, but we liked that playing that game. Then we got Majora's Mask, and I was like, oh, this game has this uh, cool character with a creepy mask, we're going to play as that dude. We never play as that, do we? Play as the uh, kid with the sword. It's like, okay, that's fine. We're gonna fight that guy. And I don't know if you know this, but like with uh, Majora's Mask, the art, the Ocarina, you can just play the songs. We didn't know this at the time either. But if you just play the songs that you would have unlocked in the game, it unlocks the song immediately. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, so, I, I never got into Majora's Mask myself, so. So like we didn't know this because like. The way that the game is supposed to be is you're supposed to go through the dungeons and during each dungeon or whatever, after you beat it, you would learn the next song. And then that's when you input the buttons onto the uh, controller. And that's how you can play the song. At the start of uh, Majora's Mask, we get the Ocarina. And we're like, what does this do? So we spend like three hours just playing random things on that song. And like every now and then we would unlock a song. It was like, oh, now we can summon a horse that we've never met before. Now we can travel to this location. And like one of the songs we unlocked, it was like this longer song. And for whatever reason, it didn't do anything. It was like, this is weird, whatever. And like 
as you as you might know, the game counts down from seventy two hours because the moon's gonna crash and everyone's yeah. gonna die. And the idea is, oh, you're supposed to reset. And when we got to that point, uh, we didn't go to any of the dungeons. We just fussed around for the three days, doing random side quests, doing whatever. And then, like, once we get to the point where the moon crashes down, we don't go to where we're supposed to be, which is the, the tower. We just end up dying, resetting, blah, blah, blah. Once we realize we had to go to this tower after the 72 days, and that's where you fight uh, Skull Kid, kind of. It's like, okay, how do you beat this kid? Whatever. We play through that. We have no idea what we're doing. We keep losing. And then one day, uh, my older brother, Eric, is like, play that stupid song. And I'm like, which one? The one that doesn't do anything. So we play the stupid song, that long one that doesn't do anything at that boss fight. And then like these bunch of giant people come up and they hold the moon and they prevent the world from being destroyed. It's like, oh, that's how you beat this game. You just have to play the song at the end. The song that we had no idea what it did, but apparently it was the thing that stops the moon. And then it goes to this whole thing where you're in a garden. There's a bunch of kids everywhere. You have to fight Skull Kid for real. So we pretty much just skipped the entire game and made it to the end because we knew what the song was by just playing with the controller forever at the beginning of the game. So yeah, I've never, I've never, to this day, never played Majora's Mask from beginning to end because I always just sort of skipped all of it. <laughs> because, I, because, again, we learned the song at the beginning of the game just because we just mashed the buttons for like two hours just playing with it because we thought, oh, this has a little nice tune to it because we wanted to make music with the ocarina. We were just fucking around having fun. Then occasionally it would just give us a song. Because we just so happen to hit the exact right buttons at the exact right time to unlock it. That seems that seems like one of those stories that isn't true, <laughs> and it's just like how you remember it. But I also am like, eh, maybe they like maybe maybe they wouldn't have thought to like lock those things away until you reach a certain point in the story. Eh, who knows? <laughs> like I can guarantee you that it's probably fixed in the 3DS version because they remastered that game uh, two years ago, I think. So it probably is not the same. I probably can't play the songs whatsoever. But like when we did it on the Nintendo 64, that was the first thing we did as soon as we got the organet. We we're just playing with it. And like at the beginning, when you get the organet, it teaches you one song. Uh, I don't remember what song it was, but they they introduced the mechanic. Oh, you can play the Sakurina. Here's a song that you can play with it. And I think that I think I think the first song is the one that summons the horse. But mm-hmm. Uh, we just kept playing with that ocarina and then eventually we unlocked all of what we thought was all of the songs. We only got like six of them. I think there's like eight songs in total, so we probably missed two. But again, we skipped to the end of the game anyway. Yep. Uh, then uh, you probably know 007 Goldeneye? Yep. We, I never played through that personally, and my bro- older brother Eric, who played it the most, actually never beat that game. We mostly played that game for the multiplayer. Because four-player uh, co-op, or not co-op, but like multiplayer, we all got our own screens. It's like, oh, we're going to go to this map. We have this gun, and we're going to try to kill each other. And like, this was our first more violent video game that my mom didn't know that we had. Because uh, when we bought the game, uh, the guy who sold it to us was like, hey, does your mom know you're buying this? And we're like, no. Why would she? Does it matter? He's like, well, I can't actually sell this game unless she knows. And be like, oh yeah, she definitely knows. She's so totally okay with this. She loves this guy. And at that time when we were buying it, we just heard like on the playground, like, oh, this 007 game is amazing. If you have it, you gotta play it. And that's how we found out about 007. And, like I, I had no idea who James Bond was. I didn't realize 007's name was James Bond, because again, I never played through that campaign. We just played it from the multiplayer. 
but uh, when did, we were so back, did like one of your older brothers play it through play through the campaign, or were no. you stuck with like only the the basic levels that you got from the from scratch? Uh, my older brother Eric tried to play through the campaign, but like after the first two or so messages, like this is boring. So we went back to multiplayer. So we just stick with all the basic stuff and all the basic modes, all the basic maps, guns, and everything. We, I don't remember anyone ever telling us like, oh, if you beat the campaign, you unlock more stuff. So we just thought like, oh, this stupid mode, single player mode, not fun. We don't need to do it. We're just going to keep playing against each other with our rocket launchers and everything, just having fun in multiplayer. And like I said, none of us knew who James Bond was. We had no idea like he was this big movie thing. There was at that time like six movies, maybe I don't even know. I don't know the history of James Bond. Oh, James Bond. No, there were there were there were a little a few a few more than than six movies by the time Gold and I came around. I think like I feel like he was probably the fourth or fifth Bond. Maybe. Like, like I said, we didn't know anything about James Bond. We just knew oh this game is apparently really fun, and we had a great time playing it. So we just played through, uh, not played through, but we had fun with that. And then the uh, only other game besides uh, Pokemon Stadium 2 that we had was Mario Party. And okay. if you know Mario Party and Friendships, Mario Party, uh, on the N64, we played Mario Parties 2 and 3. Okay. And that game fucking ruined us. <laughs> we always got mad at each other. Uh, I think Mario Party was the first game that made my older brother swear because like, we were, quote, good kids. We never swore before. But like after we stole a star from our older brother Eric, uh, I think at the time he said, "God damn it!" And my mom heard, and she was furious. She was like, "What did you say?" And my older brother was like, "Nothing. I didn't say anything. He stole my star. Ma hit him." And then uh, my mom, like, she would always threaten us with like, "Oh, if you ever say a bad word, I'm gonna wash your mouth out with soap." Uh-huh. And like, we never really took it seriously. After my brother said, God damn it, out loud, she was furious. She gets a bar of soap and shows it into his mouth. And she says, go wash that out. And it was like, damn. Yeah, like, we were saying, we thought it, but like, wow. And then like Mario Party, again, gained everyone's friendships. Uh, my little sister stopped playing that game with us because she always got mad at us. And we always get mad at her because surprisingly, she was, quote, better at the game. But really, she was just more lucky than us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just fought <laughs> over Mario Party a lot. Um, we played three more than we played two because uh, we borrowed two from another friend of mine, or I think it was a friend of my brother's. But we had three. We played through mostly that one. And we would stay up way past our bedtime at like 9 o'clock at night because, you know, we were rebels at that point. Crazy. Right? It's like, we can't stay up this late. It's like, it's okay. As long as mom doesn't know, we're okay. And we just played the TV muted. So she wouldn't hear us. But like at the time, we didn't realize like, oh, the TV light will go through the bottom of the door. And if she's walking down the hallway, she'll notice. And we always wonder like, how does she catch us? How does she find out? We, we were dumb kids. Yep. Sounds like it. Yeah, we played through Mario Party until 9 at night. We're supposed to be at bed at 7, but, you know, it was just so much fun. We ended up hating each other. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's really probably what it was more so. It was, it was you guys, like, whisper yelling at each other or something that, like, also gave it away, apart from the light under the door. It, it might have. I mean, 
There were probably fights that you've since forgotten, but they were probably loud, and your mom was like, what are they doing? <laughs> we only broke one thing, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. At, at, when, one time we were playing Mario Party 3, uh, we were playing, it was near the end of the game, and my little brother was going to win. And then, uh, my older brother did something that took two stars from him, and he threw the controller, and it knocked over like a glass cup. Oops. And after it shattered, like we had a hard uh, tile floor. So when it shattered, it made this loud sound. And we're like, oh! and everyone was just quiet. And then we realized like our mom's not home right now because she's at work. It's like, she's going to flip out if she comes home with this broken glass everywhere. So we have to clean this up somehow and make sure she never realizes there's a missing cup. So after uh, like, we completely forgot about the game. We left that going on, and we're just we went to the kitchen to grab like a, a dustpan and a broom thing or whatever to sweep up all the broken glass. And my older brother, because he was the oldest one, he was the one doing it because broken glass is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, he accidentally cuts himself. Of course. Like, on, on his hand, and he starts bleeding everywhere. And we're like, oh no, we have to call mom, get Ben in. We have to tell mom. She's going to get mad, but she's going to be more mad when she finds out we try to hide this. And then, like, eventually, uh, my little sister, for whatever reason, she's like, I have band aids. Because, like, she knew where my mom put the band aids. Like, we can still get away with this. (laughs) So we go to our little sister and we, like, fake her, like, he's bleeding. He's going to die if we don't give him a band aid right now. Because, like, we're, we're dumb kids. We don't know. So we wash my brother's hand in the sink. We put like seven band-aids on it. And we're like, okay, maybe mom won't notice. Just wear gloves. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like summer. So warm gloves in Southern California, probably kind of a dead giveaway that something's wrong. But like at the time it's like, oh, just wear gloves and say that's your thing now, you wear gloves. So we get rid of all the glass and we're not smart with the glass. We just like throw it in the trash can that we had in the kitchen. It's like, she'll never know. So then we continue playing Mario Party. Later that night, my mom comes home. Uh, she, throw, uh, she starts cooking in the kitchen whatnot. She's throwing something away. And then like she starts yelling for us. And we come down to the kitchen like, what's up, mom? She's like, is there anything you guys want to tell me? And we're like, no. No, we, nothing's going on. And then she notices my brother Eric wearing gloves over one hand because for whatever reason, he didn't decide to put it on the second hand. She's like, why do you have a single glove on? He's like, what? Oh, you know, I lost the other one. Just uh, my, my Michael Jackson impersonation. <laughs> like he, he said, oh, I lost the other one. And like these were new gloves that we took from a drawer that was in the kitchen. So she opens the drawer. She's like, oh, you mean this glove right here? He's like, yeah, that's mine. And then he tries to take her. He's like, nope, I haven't given these to you yet. These are still new. Why did you steal a glove? I was like, okay, now we're in trouble for stealing a glove. But she doesn't know about the glass. She's like, here. And she like rips off the tag or whatever off the glove. She just says, here, throw this away. And she gives it to my older brother, Eric. He goes to the trash can, like hits a little lid thing to pop it up. He's going to throw it away. And then we realize the only thing in there is broken glass. And we're like, maybe she won't notice. And then she's like, is there anything you want to tell me? Now is the time to do it. And we're like, all of us were like, nope, nope, we have no idea what's going on. She takes my older brother's arm and like takes off the glove. And like we, she sees all the band-aids. And she's like, what did you do? And we're like, <laughs> we need to do it. Crush it through the controller. He broke the glass. 
And then Chris was like, yeah, but you're the one who cut yourself. And then uh, Ed was like, you're all in trouble. You're all in trouble. And then uh, I was like, you're the one who gave us the band-aids that you stole from mom. And he's like, no, I didn't. You guys stole the band-aids. I had no idea where they were. You, you, I mean, you probably don't even get this reference, but you went all Lord of the Rings on each other, Lord of the Flies on each other, rather. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Okay, I never read that book, but I like I know what happens in that book. And okay. yeah, 100% agree. We pretty much all went Lord of the Flies, blaming all one another. We all got in trouble. We got the Nintendo 64 taken away for like uh, a week. Like our mom told us a month, but uh, she gave it back to us after a week. But yeah, that was the only time we broke something because we were playing Mario Party. Yep. That'll do it. <laughs> I mean, my brother got his hand just fine. Like, after two weeks, it was perfectly fine. There was, a, like, a small scar that healed up. And I, for, for our punishment, besides the NC4 taking away, we had to do the dishes. And on the first night we did the dishes, we actually broke another glass. Of course, yeah. That's... And then I was like, okay, I have to think of new punishment for you guys because I don't trust you anywhere in the kitchen. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so then uh, me and my older brother, since for whatever reason we were the one being punished, we had to do our little siblings' homework. That was our punishment. Then our little siblings had to do other stuff for our mom. So it was like, okay, our punishment is to do more homework. Their punishment is to do like chores, I guess, for our mom. That's while a she very weird punishment. <laughs> She didn't trust us to, to uh, wash dishes, and I don't. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I get that, but like doing somebody doing doing somebody else's homework. No, we had to do our homework and then their homework. Right, but like, so like, so your your little brother just isn't having to do homework now. <laughs> well, see, the thing was, he wasn't going to do it anyway. And our mom, like, our mom knew this. She's like, I need this kid to pass, so you're going to do the homework anyway for that week. And I was like, okay, I guess this is my punishment now. And like we had designated homework times. So it was like, okay, you have to do homework for three hours a day. That way I make sure you guys do it all. And of course, we get the homework done in like the first hour or two. For, for the next two hours that we're there, our mom just having us sitting at a table, just looking down at the homework and redoing it to make sure we did it right the first time. It was this whole thing. But yeah, the uh, only other game that we had at the Nintendo 64 that is worth mentioning is Pokemon Stadium 2 which is the sequel to Pokemon Stadium that had all the Johto Pokemon now. Mm -hmm. Because during the Nintendo 64 era, that's when they start rolling out Pokemon uh, Johto, the anime, along with the second gen games. So we're playing Pokemon Stadium 2. And like at this point, I've already started playing Pokemon Crystal version, which I'll mention the game or the Game Boy Color. But like I know a lot of these Johto Pokemon and which ones are good, which ones are bad. And like Pokemon Stadium 2 also had that GP, uh, GBA C thing where you can connect it back to the Nintendo 64 and play Game Boy Color games. And uh, I'll mention this again, the Game Boy Color segment, which is coming up next. But uh, red, blue, and yellow, not Game Boy Color games, original Game Boy games. Uh, gold, crystal, silver, all Game Boy Color games. And uh, Pokemon Stadium 2, for whatever, for whatever reason, wouldn't play red, blue, or yellow. At least we couldn't ever get it to work. And we didn't understand why. It wasn't until much later that we realized, oh, for whatever reason, Pokemon Stadium 2 only read Game Boy Color games. Hmm. Super weird. Don't I, I don't know why they did it that way, but I was like, we just kept playing anyway. But Pokemon Stadium 2, pretty much the same thing as Pokemon Stadium, just new Pokemon. Yeah. Then cool. uh, next would be Game Boy Color. 
yeah, let's uh, let's dive into the handheld realm. Uh, one day, my mom uh, hears from a friend of hers that like, oh, there's this Nintendo handheld that you can give your kids and. Uh, our, my mom's friend was telling her like, "Oh, this is a great gift for your kids and whatnot." So one day, uh, she takes me home from school and we go to a Toys R Us. She's like, "We're gonna get you a Game Boy Color. You can pick any color you want in one game." So I'm looking through the Toys R Us aisles and I see all the Game Boy Colors. They had the clear purple one, they had a purple one, they had a blue one, they had a red one, they had like this neon green one. And I was like, "You can pick any of them except the neon green one." And like for whatever reason, I didn't know understand why she didn't like the neon green one. So I said, "I want the neon green one." Then she's like, "No, you can't have that one." I'm like, why not? She's like, "Because I don't like that one. You can get any other one. Look, look at this nice purple one. There's a good blue one." She's like, "No, I want the neon green one." She said, "My mom's just not a fan of that color, and she just didn't want me having it." And because <laughs> she didn't want me to have it, made me want it even more. I was like, "I want the green one. I'm not gonna sell it for anything less." She's like. <sighs> Fine, I'll get you the green one. So I get the green one, and my first Game Boy uh, game is Pokemon Crystal version. Because Pokemon's the only franchise that I know of, so Pokemon Crystal is the first Pokemon game, like main series Pokemon game that I played. I never played Red, Blue, or Yellow at that time. Because mm-hmm. I got I got the Game Boy early on in the 64 version, like while we're playing Pokemon Stadium 1. Yeah. Pokemon Stadium 1 would not play Pokemon Crystal, so we didn't know what that doohickey on the back was until a few uh, years later. So I'm playing through Pokemon Crystal, and it's the same time that the anime is coming out. So when I'm going through the game, I have no idea like who all the Pokemon were, because the, ga- uh, the game came out at the beginning of the anime, and you can get through the game much faster than the anime is, because the anime is like one episode a week, and it's super slow, blah, blah, blah. So I'm pretty much going through this game blind. And I, of course, pick the Fire Cider, going through uh, all the gyms, trying to, like, navigate. Like, this was the first game that made me, like, read everything. <laughs> and it's like, okay, in order to get to this point, I need to talk to this person, give them this item, meet these series of events. And it was, like, it was the first time, like, I played through a game. I was like, this is actually really fun. And I actually know what I'm doing, kind of. Welcome was, to RPGs. Yep, I was exactly baby's first RPG, Pokemon. But uh, I only ever got stuck at a certain point, like after you beat Jasmine, the sixth gym leader. You're supposed to go surf down to the seventh gym leader, but there's all those whirlpool areas. That was the only part of the game where I got stuck for a week. And by like a week, I meant I played the game for five hours every day of that week, trying to figure out how to navigate through all these whirlpools and these four islands. When really, it's super simple when you really look at it. But like, I was a dumb kid. It's like I have no idea where I'm going. There's water Pokemon everywhere. I have a fire starter. This isn't good. I don't have my Pikachu. I don't have my Mareep. and I can't go back because I'm lost. And I don't want to die because if you die, you lose like half your money. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, so I was stuck in that ocean for like a week, and then eventually, <laughs> eventually, I found the next island I'm supposed to get to. And after you beat that island, you get Fly. I was like. Oh, thank God. I can get out of here. I don't need to go through this hellhole ocean anymore. Too much water, as they yeah, say. Too much water. Hold on. So I get crystal version. Uh, you probably know this, but like Pokemon games come out in sets of two. One version, second version. Then later down the line, the third version, I didn't realize this, I had crystal version first. This was the one of Suicune in it. 
So uh, at some point in the game, you get to choose between uh, Ho-Oh and uh, Lugia. And I always pick Lugia, but like later down the line, uh, I picked up Silver Version, which had Lugia on the cover. Mm-hmm. So I played through that, and then I think to myself, well, I already have Lugia in Crystal Version. I'll just pick Ho-Ho this time. So I'm playing up to that point in the game, and then they don't give me that option. I'm like, this is weird. Why wouldn't they give me the option? And like, it was early on to where I didn't know that each game had version exclusives. Okay. And that uh, if you played uh, the silver one, you only got Lugia. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand what's going on. And in Crystal Version, you encounter Suicune throughout the entire game. Like, it will show up at locations, and then it would run, and then at the end of the game, you can battle Suicune. In Silver, you go to the Burnt Tower, and it's Suicune, Raikou, Entei, and then they all just disappear. It's like, okay, this game is completely different. Suicune's not around anymore. I can't find Suicune. I go to where Suicune's supposed to be. He's not there anymore. He's just another roaming one. I don't understand what's going on. Then I played the Gold Version. They finally gave me the option to do Ho-Oh!, but same thing as Suka's not around. Like, this is so confusing. And it wasn't until later we went to the playground because, again, we got all information from the playground at that point. Like, oh, uh, these two versions are completely different. They came out first. And then Crystal version's the middle one. And then when we found that out, it was like, okay. So we went back and we got red, blue, and yellow. I'm like, okay. Red came out first. And uh, red and blue came out first. And then yellow came out second. So yellow is the middle one where you get all the options or whatever. So I played through red first. <laughs> Go through that. It's like, okay, Charizard's badass. You get your entire team. You have fun. Then I played through yellow version. At the beginning of yellow, you get Pikachu. I'm like, oh, shit. They gave you Pikachu? What? And you probably heard this from someone else, but I wanted to do it similar to the anime. Mm-hmm. So where when I got to Brock, I only beat him with Pikachu. You probably yeah. heard it from someone else. I'm I'm pretty sure that was Kaylee's strategy as well. <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, I also had other Pokemon. Like Kaylee only used Pikachu. When I went to Battle Park, I was thinking like, okay, I'll only use Pikachu. Pikachu died immediately. I'm like, okay, this is a bad plan. And like, I've already played through uh, Silver, Crystal, and whatnot, and I understood the whole type advantage thing. I'm like, okay, so Onyx can clearly beat Pikachu. This is a bad idea from the start. Probably shouldn't do this. So then I sent out my Butterfree out there and killed Onyx, killed Pikachu. I'm like, okay. And then, like, I've known the anime up to a certain point. So I knew who all the next gym leaders was. Like, I knew Misty was next. I'm like, okay, so Pikachu will kill, kill this one. Lieutenant Surge was next. I'm like, okay, he's going to have a Raichu. Then I'll get a bonus out and I can evolve Pikachu. In Pokemon Yellow version, they don't let you evolve Pikachu. If you tried to give Pikachu the Thunderstone to evolve him, Pikachu would slap it out. And it's like, you can't use this. You can't ever put Pikachu in the PC box. You can't do anything to Pikachu. I'm like, okay, so Pikachu's forever on my team. And this is later in the NC4 version when I realized that Raichu was better. Like, but I can't evolve Pikachu anymore? This is stupid. <laughs> and it's like, you can't get rid of Pikachu because if you put him in the PC and you take him out, he starts yelling at you. He, he ignores orders when you try to give it to him. And it's like, okay, I can't do anything to upset Pikachu because then I'm fucked. And I can't fucking evolve him, so he's going to have weak stats forever. So I played through Yellow up until until the Pokemon League. I never beat the Pokemon League in Yellow version. And I go back to Crystal. And then in Crystal version, after you beat the Pokemon League, there is the option to go to the Kanto region. 
So I go, uh, I meet the Pokemon League, have fun, and I didn't know about this whole Kanto thing until I heard from the playground. So after just beating Red and Yellow, I found out you can play through Kanto on Silver and Crystal. So I bust out Crystal version, and I go over to where you can start the whole Kanto journey. It's like, oh shit, I literally just played this game, so this is going to be easy. Turns out uh, the game is much harder. Like yeah. They level them up to like 50 or whatever. I was like, oh, Brock is so much stronger in this game than he was in the other game. What the hell? Yep, but you've already beaten the other game by that point. So. Exactly, but I, at that point, my Pokemon are like level 50, 40s or whatever. I was like, okay, this is going to be a new challenge. It's going to be great. You get all 16 badges, and then at the end of Crystal, you could battle Red. And when I got to that point, because I was looking for a uh, Lavitar, because I wanted to evolve it into a Trinidar, you can only get that Pokemon where you battle Red. So mm-hmm. that's the reason I went to Mount Silver in the first place to battle Levi or to, to catch Lavitar, when I encountered Ray, I'm like, wait a second. You're the dude from the first game. I'm battling myself. And like, I wasn't prepared for it, so I didn't save. So I lost, because I wasn't at all prepared for it. My Pokemon are weak. Didn't realize he was there. Got my ass kicked. Lost half my money. But then later, I... Yeah, later I trained, like... Uh, the way that Ash... Or not Ash, Red is, is always Pokemon level 80. And at that time, the Pokemon were like 70. So I was due from the start, but I finally beat him. That was my crowning achievement on the Game Boy Color. Then, that like was your, that was your Kirby Superstar moment. Yep, my Kirby Superstar moment in Game Boy Color. And then, like on the Game Boy Color, the only po- games I played were the sick Pokemon game, and then Pokemon Trading Card game, which I beat in like three or so days, because that game taught me how to play the Trading Card game. So. After I beat it, I started playing the actual trading card game, and I stopped mm-hmm. using my Game Boy Color much. But the only other game I played on my Game Boy Color was Tetris, and that's when I learned how to play Tetris right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so on the Super NES, I had no idea. I thought it was a sandcastle building thing. On the Game Boy Color, having experienced Pokemon and like learning to understand what the games were, I started playing Tetris more. Then I realized when the lines disappeared, your score went up. And then I finally put two two in together. I'm like, oh, this is how you play Tetris. You're not building a sandcastle. You're getting rid of a sandcastle. And then Zyger turned 17. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> so, so I played through all of Tetris, and okay. I start getting good at it. Like Tetris is the game that I can play nonstop for like hours. And like after a certain point, I start getting really good at it. I'm able to clear all 15 stages. Then there's like an endless mode. Like, my goal as a kid was to become a quote Tetris master. After I realized I was good at the game, turns out a Tetris master thing actually exists. But mm-hmm. you have to be like super good at the game. It's like never. Yeah, I like I've watched some of those videos. I'm like, that this is not a computer doing this. What? <laughs> right. Ugh. God, Tetris it's is insane. hard. Yeah. Um. Cool. Uh. So so you've got. You finally, you finally learned Tetris. Yeah. Kind of your your Pokemon back, uh, like the the all the Pokemon up to that date, um, kind of filling out your Game Boy catalog. Where do we go from there? Uh, after Game Boy Color, we get the uh, Nintendo GameCube. And Nintendo GameCube is where I really started picking up in video games, where I actually went out of my way to play them. Like, I may or may not have skipped school. To play video games? Allegedly. I mean, 
then I'll tell the story later. But like, yeah, Nintendo GameCube, uh, we got it on my older brother's birthday from my aunt. It was a purple GameCube, and it came with Smash Bros. And like, we knew what Smash Bros. from the uh, Nintendo 64. So we we boot up Smash Bros. We were expecting like, oh, the same uh, eight or so characters, and then the secret unlockable characters that we already knew. But then when we loaded up Melee, it was like, oh, here's like I think twenty characters, like eight unlockable character or yeah, unlockable characters. Like, oh my god, there's so many more characters. And we're like looking through the things. I think one of the characters was like uh, Zelda, who could transform into Sheik. And we're like, wait a second, wait a second. Zelda's the girl? I thought Zelda was the guy with the sword. You'd even played <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Yeah. I never finished Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I never finished it. But I, I, when I played Ocarina of Time, I never put two, two together that Princess Zelda and your character Zelda. Yeah, I just okay. didn't realize who Zelda was. But yeah, we found out, oh... Zelda's the girl, and the boy's name is Link. That's a stupid name. Why isn't it called Legend of Link then? But we, whatever. Um, by the way, it's just since uh, since as we're recording this, um, your question from last week's episode hasn't aired yet, where you asked what uh, what Smash Brothers character Nate and I think would end up in uh, in a Switch version of the game. Oh yeah, um, and uh, we had a we had a couple answers, um, and mine. Being the the most likely one is like Squid Boy and Squid Girl. It's gonna be in like that's like I'm taking that one to the bank. That you'll oh, see. Oh, from Splatoon. That, yeah, from Splatoon in uh in in the next Smash the whatever the next. I love Smash that. I oh my god. So I that's I just wanted to interject since you haven't actually heard that yet. <laughs> um, I usually wait until uh, Thursday to listen to the entire week. Because uh, whenever I listen to your podcast, uh, I know you put it up like every weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I don't like mm-hmm. having to pause for like a few hours to listen to the podcast. So mm-hmm. I just wait till Thursday and then do all four videos. Yep. So, That's yeah. cool. Yeah, but yeah, like we're recording on Wednesday, so even even that that video, the Thursday video, hasn't gone live yet. So you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have been able to to listen to that yet. So yeah, that was just a spoiler, a teaser for you for what's what's in uh, tomorrow's. Um, can't wait <laughs> tro- trove topics um but yeah i just while we're talking smash i wanted to to mention that over um cool so yeah you're playing smash uh you you finally learned that zelda is the girl congratulations yeah then we found out a bunch of other characters were in smash it was like smash bros introduced the characters marth and roy and when I played through the 64 version, I was like, oh, dude with the sword, he's pretty cool. When I saw these dudes with the sword, I'm like, oh, these guys are even more cool. They look so much more better than Link. So <laughs> I played through Marth, because Marth was the one that was unlocked. And then later in the game, you unlock Roy. It's like, oh my god, Roy's your boy. He's the one you want to play as. Because his B-special was a giant fire explosion that was badass, while Marth was just a little stab. It's like, nope, Roy's my boy. So I played mostly Roy and in Melee. But uh, one of my favorite memories while playing Melee was unlocking Mewtwo. Because we've heard on the playground that it, to unlock Mewtwo, you had to have a play time of like 100 hours. So we would set the game up to where it was endless, like there's no time limit. And we set it to one player and three level 9 computers. 
and we just had this game going forever. Like we would leave it on overnight while we were sleeping and just have the AI computers just beat the crap out of our controller. Like we had to put the controller on a pillow or whatever to prevent it from like uh, rumbling. <laughs> the, that yes, way our mom would the rumble pack from, from like yeah. going off. Okay. Yeah. So we, cause if our mom knew she would turn it off and if she turns it off, we would lose all of the progress that we made. So we had to do everything in our power to make sure that uh, she didn't know that the console was on. And like, she was this, she was very mad at us about the whole thing because again, they wasted electricity. They yeah. it on overnight for, we, we didn't realize like how long we had to have it on. So we had it on for five days straight on this endless mode. And then uh, our cousins came over. So they want to play a smash. They're like, okay, let's just end this game real quick. So we end that game. The Nintendo 64 is like blaring hot right now because it's been on forever. And we didn't necessarily keep it super ventilated. Yeah, I mean, especially if you've got like pil- pillows involved to stop from the rumbling. Yeah. So yeah, the Nintendo 64 was burning hot. I was like, huh, this is probably not great, but it's okay. So we end that game, and then after the, that game ends, it's like a challenger approaches Mewtwo. It's like, oh shit, we did it! We unlocked Mewtwo. We're gonna get this. So we tell our cousins just wait one moment while we beat up Mewtwo. And uh, the character we were playing as was Mario, because my older brother was better at the game than I was, and he played Mario. So after the game ended, it's player one. You have to fight Mewtwo, and you had to beat Mewtwo in order to unlock him. He's playing Mario, so we're uh, he's beating Mewtwo for us, and he's about to win. And then the game stops. And then Nintendo 64 turns off completely. It's like, uh-oh. And we, we kind of put the pieces together. It's like, oh, we had this thing on for five days, covered in pillows to make sure it doesn't make sounds. Because like when the Nintendo 64 fan went off, it made a loud zooming sound. Yeah. So we, we tried to like nerf it. That way our mom couldn't hear it. We may have damaged that console. Sounds like it. Yeah, a little bit. So when the game stopped right before we were about to unlock me too, it completely turns off and we're like, oh, fuck. And like, it burnt out our memory card. Like, our memory card wasn't working anymore. We had to get a new one. <laughs> so not only did we lose Mew 2, we lost all the progress that we had with every other character because everything was saved on that one memory card. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what you get for trying to, to, to game the system a little bit there. I mean, it, it would have worked if we realized you know, how long 100 hours was. I mean, yeah, that certainly also would have helped, you know, doing doing all that math. See, we, we played Smash Bros. for a long time, but we didn't know, like, how long we had played. We didn't know what the playtime was, so we didn't know, like, how much more we needed to do it. So we just thought, oh, five days, that'll be enough. <laughs> so, yeah, we may have fucked up the 64 for a little bit. Get it? We got it fixed up later, and then we played it, and then we eventually locked Mewtwo legitimately. Okay. But, uh... For me, there's mostly like I haven't like I told you before we started recording. I had this entire list of all the games that I played. I'm not gonna go through that thing because a lot of them aren't that important. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't we don't have to touch everything. But like the stories that you're telling are fun stories. So um, certainly, like, if you've got those, we can we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm only gonna mention like three or four more games, maybe probably just three. But like one time, I was sick from school, and I stayed home and. I think I like broke my arm or something, so I had a cast on. So <laughs> I think I, was, I broke my arm. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. It's. It was. It, it was so long ago. <laughs> the thing is, I only had the cast on for like three weeks, so I don't think that my arm is broken. Hold on one sec. Okay. 
What? What did I tell you? Get out. <laughs> Hi. Bye. Close the door. My dad has to take my car a lot. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like I said, I don't have the cast on for like three weeks. So I don't think my arm was broken. But like, that's what my mom told me. And she's like, you can't go outside. You can't mess around or anything. Or otherwise, I'm going to break it more. I'm like, okay, Ma, you're the boss. So I was messing around with the SC4. And like, one of the games that we got that I never touched was Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. And I didn't want to start it because I knew I never finished Ocarina of Time and I never finished uh, Majora's Mask. So when I look at this game, it's like, I know I'll play it. I know I'll have fun with it, but I'm never going to finish this game. But I'm like, fuck it, I'll start it. And I started playing uh, Wind Waker. And Wind Waker is the first Zelda game I ever finished from start to end. Because unlike uh, the other two games, I loved the way that Two Link looked. Yeah. Like aesthetically, it's like, oh, this game is more cartoon than the other ones. And like, it actually had a story I understood from the beginning. You wake up on the island, you have a little sister, it's your birthday, you get to wear this green outfit. So you were actually reading this one. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. I was actually reading this one. It didn't just drop me off in the middle of nowhere. Like, I actually understood the story, and knowing what the story was made me want to play the game more. And navigating through all of the islands, completing the map, doing all the dungeons and everything, I was like, oh, this game is super great. It's amazing. It was like, this is probably the best video game ever made. Little Zyger at the time. It's like, this is amazing. Like, I would... because I was sick and I didn't have to go to school, I would uh, play that game overnight till like until seven in the morning when my mom found out. Like, have you been playing this game all night? I'm like, no, I just woke up. She's like, are you sure? Because you look really tired right now. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've I've been asleep. I just woke up. Uh, my head hurts, so I just wanted to relax and play Legend of Zelda. She's like, I don't buy it. I'm like, really, Emma? Don't worry about it. So she goes off to work. Everyone else goes to school. Again, I'm sick at home. I'm like, I'm just going to keep playing this game. So I played this game for like roughly two and a half days straight from beginning to end, doing all the little quests, completing uh, everything, beating the story. I think Wind Waker, out of all these other games that I've played to finish, has the darkest ending because at the end of Wind Waker, you're too league, you get a little sword, and you stab Ganon right in the head. And it's like, mm. oh my God, this is the greatest moment in video games ever. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, end up killing uh, Ganon. It's like Wind Waker's my number one Zelda game out of all Zelda games possible, and was a game that I played. Uh, I didn't think I was gonna like when I started it because, I mean, I knew I was gonna like it, but I didn't think I was gonna like it that much to a point where I was actually gonna finish it. But uh, thinking back to like Orchid of Time and Majora's Mask, at that point we didn't have our Nintendo sixty four again, and when I was playing through Wind Waker, I was thinking like, oh man, I really want to go back and play those games. Because maybe I'll actually finish them this time. Mm-hmm. Did I you? Never got... No. Okay. Because I know, I... like, uh, like I was talking with Nathan last week, and I had I had it as well, like the promotional disc that had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on. I did it. And I existed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's 64 games. I'm never gonna get to play them again because I don't have our Pikachu Nintendo 64 anymore. Turns out it was actually in our closet, and we did have it. I just didn't know about it. Nice. Because our mom, it was one of the things that she told us that she took away and sold. Because she didn't want us messing with it. It turns out she forgot she had it. So she's like, oh, I guess I actually did sell that. Sorry. Okay. 
Yeah, we found cool. it a couple of years later. But yeah, playing through Wind Waker, it was like, man, I really love the whole Legend of Zelda thing. And eventually it made me get an A Game Boy Advance Legend of Zelda game that I'll talk about later. But uh, the next game on the GameCube that actually like has any importance whatsoever is Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Okay. It was a game that my little brother bought at a Swami for like five bucks. And like he took it home. He plays the first level or so. And then he just stops playing this game forever. I was like, why do you have this game? And he's like, oh, I bought it at Swami. It was super cheap, but uh, I don't like it that much. And I look at the cover and on the cover is the main character, Ike. And when I look at the cover, it reminds me of Smash Bros. And it's like, hey, I think this is the guy from Smash Bros. Not the same guy. In Smash Bros, it's Barth, and in uh, Path of Radiance, it's Ike. But they both have blue hair. So yeah. that's it. I was like, oh, this must be the guy from Smash Bros. He has his own game, too. Again, figuring out that all the characters have their own games. So I played through uh, Path of Radiance. Like, I wasn't sure what I was expecting. Like, at that time, I was watching more anime-type stuff. And when I see this cover, it's like, oh, this is an anime-type cover. And it's from Smash Bros. So I know these guys are badass and have swords and everything. One of these guys is going to make a fire explosion. It's going to be great. So I'm playing through this. And it's a uh, turn-based uh, strategy RPG thing. It's like, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. So I played through the first level. I was like, oh, I can actually like plan things out. I can be smarter than the other person. And uh, I played through the first few levels until the fifth person level when a character died. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. I didn't know I could die, but it makes sense. I'm playing a video game. Video game characters die. I'll just keep going. So I finished the level, and like one of the characters like acknowledges the fact that one of the characters died. I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. And then uh, I continue playing the game, and I get to the 10th level, and then I stop for a little bit. And then my older brother plays it, and he gets to the 5th level. I'm like, oh, when you get to this point in the game, this character is going to die, but it's going to be okay. You're going to keep going. So he plays through the level, but uh, the character doesn't die. I'm like, what? And then like, I watch him play the next level, and he, the character that I thought was supposed to be dead is still alive, and he has this whole story thing going on. It's like, wait a sec, wait a sec have I been playing this game wrong? Because I didn't remember at the time, but uh, one of the characters' name is Soren, and at the beginning of the game, I let him die by accident. But because he's main, like important enough to the story, when he died, he just went off to the back thing, and he's no longer a playable character, but he's still alive. Mm, okay. On the fifth level, when one of my other characters died, they were like more of a side character. So when they died, all the characters acknowledged, like, oh, he's dead now. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then, like, I realized that, like, oh, I thought if the character died, they just go off back screen. But then when I watched my brother play it and the character lived, I'm like, I can go back. So I'm 10 levels in, and I restart the entire thing for myself and play the game carefully. And it's like, okay, if a character dies, they're gone for good. Unless they're apparently super important to the story. At that point, I didn't know which characters were. So I'm like, okay, everyone can die, and I don't want anyone to die. Fire Emblem was one of those games where, like, if someone was going to die, I would reset the entire level and play through it again. It's like, okay, I had to plan things out. And, like, I played through the entire game just, like, picking up all the characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, early on, the game tells you, like, oh, you can recruit other characters. I'm like, oh, this is great. I can get the people who are trying to kill me and get them on my side. It's going to be awesome. So you're basically playing it as a Pokemon game, it sounds like. Kind of. But the thing <laughs> is, like, 
when you get to those points of the game, uh, I always I thought at first, oh, you had to get your main character Ike to go talk to that character because that's the way that's how they introduced this mechanic early on. Ike has to talk to someone and then they join your team. So I go to this guy with Ike. I'm like, okay, let me just do the talking, but the option isn't there. I'm like, well, that's weird. And then that character ends up fighting Ike, and Ike ends up killing him. I'm like, well, that's not supposed to work. That's not how this works. And that's when I find out, like, oh, other characters sometimes have to talk to that character. So I look through all the characters that I have. I'm like, okay, so maybe if I talk to him with one of these characters, with that guy, I can unlock him. So at the start of levels with certain characters, I would just, like, force all my characters to go to that one guy like one by one going next to him to see which one has a dialogue option until I found the one. After I found that one, I would reset the level and make sure that that one guy was on the team. It's like, okay, you need to talk to this guy specifically so he can join me. And if for whatever reason, like uh, I didn't have a character that could unlock that dialogue option, I'd be like stuck. And that's when I would go to the playground. I'm like, hey, have you played this game? Have you played this game? Have you played this game? No one on the playground played Fire Emblem. I'm like, fuck, how do I do this? Turns out this whole internet thing was going on. That's Yeah, it's, it's about time you've learned about this internet thing. See, I always got my information from the playground. So uh, I went online, and by me, I mean my older brother, because I wasn't allowed to use the computer. I was like, hey, I need you to look up how I unlock this character. Like, I wrote down the name of the character and the name of the level and everything, and the game, I'm like, I need you to look this up. I need to know how to unlock this character. And then, like, Riley looks it up, and it's like, oh, to unlock this character, he has to survive until turn 13. I'm like, okay. So, like, that opened up a whole new mechanic for me, like, I didn't know about, uh, that if a character lives a certain point in time for a story event to happen, then you unlock him. So, I was thinking back at it, I was thinking back on it, and it's like, oh, Three levels back, there was this dude who I thought could have joined my team, but he didn't, so I ended up killing him. I'm like, have I ever played the game wrong again? So I'm like, 40 levels in, I'm like, I missed that one guy, and I might have missed other guys. So I reset the entire game, started from the beginning, and went back through the entire thing, making sure no one died, and like, I would look up whenever a character came up, like, can I recruit this guy? Yes, no, maybe, I can? How? Then I played through the entire game. I unlocked all the characters and did a few of the social links and whatnot, beat the game. It was like Fire Emblem was like the strategy game that made me love strategy type games. Yeah. Like Pokemon was super simple. Uh, fire beats grass, grass beats water. But Fire Emblem was different. Mm-hmm. Fire Emblem, got to catch them all. <laughs> right. And then uh, it wasn't until after I beat Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, that I realized like, hey... Ike is in Marth. What am I thinking? Where's Marth? So I look up Fire Emblem on the computer to see, like, oh, where is Marth? Where is Roy? How do I unlock them in the game? They're not in the game. They're in different games. Like, there's more of these games out there? And that's when I found out that uh, there's two Game Boy Advance games that I later bought. But yeah, Path of Radiance was the first Fire Emblem game that I had. And to this day, Fire Emblem is probably like my number two uh, favorite video game franchise mm-hmm. because those games are just so much fun. 
Yeah, we talked we talked a little bit about uh, before or like going into the show. You uh, you mentioned that this would have maybe been your favorite game if yeah. Kaylee hadn't already taken a Fire Emblem game earlier on in the series. And and we joked because Kaylee was dumb for picking Fire Emblem Birthright or uh, no, I yeah, guess she should have picked Awakening. She picked Conquest or whatever. Yeah, the Fire Emblem Fates she picked. Yeah, and she picked Fire Emblem. Hasn't even finished it. Um, liked Awakening way better. So yeah, stupid Kaylee. You ruined uh, yeah, exactly. chance to talk about Path of Radiance as his favorite game, but we got it covered here in, in the gaming history, so it's all good. So you're forgiven, Kaylee. For now. But don't do it again. Yeah, don't do it again. And then uh, the only other game that I really want to mention would be the Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD Guild of Darkness games because Pokemon games, Pokemon yeah. love them. I love those because, like, you... It was. It's the closest thing we've had to like Pokemon An actual RPG on 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 console. Yeah, um, and like the fact that you could like uh, take your Pokemon from something like Gale of Darkness and like take them back into right. um, into the games. That was fun. And you, I mean, you could do that on on Coliseum too a little bit. Like you could take. Yeah. Um, like, could you do it? I feel like you could do it on Pokemon Stadium too. Like, if you won through all of the the gym battles, you'd get like awarded a Pokemon that you could then transfer back to your game isn't yeah, so, that where you could get like the pikachu with surf was way back on that game or was that coliseum i'm forgetting it. uh it was pokemon uh stadium but the way like the game was set up is after you beat the pokemon league the first time they would give you pokemon 001 which was bulbasaur right so if you wanted to keep going and get more of the pokemon you have to do it again and it'll go 002 003 so if you wanted to get the pikachu you would have to beat that pokemon league 25 times uh no i don't think it was that much because there were only there were only like it what it didn't give you ivysaur next it was that you could get like the starters you could get um basically you could get the ones that were like only like one of them could be grabbed in the game so it was like um uh, I want to say it was uh, the starters, Kabuto and Ammonite, and um, and maybe one other um, that was like maybe. were the available ones, and and probably and Surf Pikachu I think were the like were this. I, I want to say that you could only really get six in that first iteration, um, and it was like I think it was like randomly chosen. Again, I got my information for the playground. So after mm -hmm. we beat the Pokemon League, we got Bulbasaur because we it was the first one. None of us picked Bulbasaur, so. Uh, where the playground was, after you beat it a second time, you got Ivysaur. And we didn't want to beat it again. We just wanted to continue having fun. So I stopped at the first Pokemon I, they gave me. So, I mean... Yeah, I think the playground lied to you on that one. Maybe. I never looked into it after that because I never needed to. Because there's never going to be an opportunity where I play Pokemon Stadium again and I want to get a Pokemon from my Game of Color game that I don't have anymore. Yeah. So that's never going to come up again. So I never looked into it. But yeah, maybe the playground lied. <laughs> Well, cool. So, uh, so, for, so going on from Path of Radiance, you you find this love of strategy games. You go and find these other Fire Emblem games on on like the Game Boy Advance. Um, so yeah, where kind of where do we go next in your gaming history? Uh, I'll just go to the Game Boy Advance because uh, roughly around that time of the GameCube, I also got the Game Boy Advance, like the rectangular one. I had a clear purple one, and the first game I got on that was. I'm like 99% sure it was Pokemon Sapphire. Because again, okay. I've mostly played Nintendo for Pokemon. So I get Sapphire, my brother gets Ruby. We have this thing where if I buy one version, he buys the opposite version. Right. So uh, I had Sapphire, he had Ruby. We played through that. Uh, the next was uh, Emerald, which is the third one that was kind of a mix of both. 
we both had that. Uh, for Game Boy, after that, I think the next game was Legends of the Minish Cap. This was after I had beaten Wind Waker. And it's like, oh, this is my favorite Zelda game of all time. It was great. I'm going to go back and try to play other Zelda games. And this is when I found uh, Minish Cap. And when that one's got, like, the cartoony Link, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. When I saw the cover, I'm like, this is the same goddamn Link. It's going to be great. This game's already amazing. And, like, I didn't really know who Capcom was. But when I played through Minish Cap, the Capcom was the dev that made it. I was like, oh, Capcom, that's weird. I thought uh, this was Nintendo, but whatever. So I played through Minish Cap, and like in my head, I was thinking like, okay, I played Wind Waker first, therefore Minish Cap is obviously a sequel to it, right? So I played through Minish Cap, it's like, wow, they're not referencing Wind Waker at all. Where are the islands? Why is the world not flooded? What's going on? I was like, okay, maybe, possibly, this game came out first. And this is the prequel to Wind Waker. I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize like all these others were not connected whatsoever. Uh-huh. Because uh, Majora's Mask and Orchid of Time were so similar to each other that those were direct sequels. Right. So in my head, I was thinking, like, okay, this is a new Legend of Zelda trilogy or whatever, and Minish Cap has to be connected somehow. I was like, I, I just went with that. So I played the Minish Cap. It has the Toon Link. And very early on in the game, the hat talks to you. And I'm like... What? The hat never talked to me in the GameCube. It was the boat that talks. This game has no idea what it's doing. I'm like, why is that hat talking to me? And then, like, it's on your head. It starts yelling at you. It's like, hat, come on, stop this. Turns out the hat is like a little minish creature thing. And there's it's, tiny it's little a, it's people. It's a minish cap, you might say. Yeah. Yeah. It, it turns out he's actually a wizard. And Ooh. it's like, what? Turns out the bad guy, who's like this weird, fabulous purple dude, uh, he turns the princess, the princess to stone. Again, I was starting to realize, oh, the princess is Zelda, and you're not Zelda. So when I started this game, I didn't name myself Zelda. I named myself Link, because of the, the uh, Smash Bros. Good job. Yeah, and then like in hindsight, I, I didn't really think about this until now, but when I played the 64 uh, Smash Bros., at no point that I realized that Link's name wasn't Zelda. I don't know why I completely looked over that. Yep, I mean, because you were young. Because <laughs> you, you were Zyger. <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, uh, I played through Minish Cap, and it was the second Zelda I ever finished, but it took me longer to finish it because unlike uh, Wind Waker, Minish Cap has more puzzles. It has this map that's hidden from you. With Wind Waker, it's all oceans. Like, every square is laid out for you, and it's like, okay, every square has an island or something you can go to, so you have a general idea of what you're doing. Navigating through Wind Waker made more sense to me. In Minish Cap, like, areas would be locked off until you talk to a very specific person or do a very specific thing. Like, you would have to drop green water on this exact location in order to create a bean sprout, or, yeah, bean sprout to get to the next area. And it's like, it was more puzzle-solving. Mm-hmm. And you had to talk to certain people that had no idea what you had to do. And there was a lot of backtracking in that game. So it took me a lot longer to finish Minish Cap. But after I beat it, it was great. Uh, I had a lot of fun going through the dungeons in that game. A lot more than I did with uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker is still my favorite one. But, like, I loved Minish Cap. And I think if Capcom were given the opportunity to make a new Zelda game for, let's say, the Nintendo Switch after 
the Breath of the Wild game, I think that maybe they could be able to do it. They should probably make another uh, 3DS one, though, because they never made a console one. They've only made Minish Cap, and I don't know if they're the ones that did the Oracle of Sages or whatever, the Oracle games. The uh, uh, Time and Seasons, maybe? Yeah, Time and Seasons. Probably it. I think I don't... they are. I don't... It's, I feel like it's either that or, like, Phantom Hourglass or something like that, where it was... Where, yeah, like they definitely did another Capcom Zelda. I just don't remember which one it is because I, 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 apart from like Link's Awakening way back in the day on the original Game Boy, yeah, um, I never really got into the the Zeldas on handhelds. So fun fact: the Fat Hourglass is actually a direct sequel to Wind Waker. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't know that until I started playing uh, the DS. But that's but that might be yeah. I guess uh, so. Yeah, like while we were talking um, Ocarina of Time in uh, in this week's episode, Nate uh, was mentioning that he went through because he played all of the Zeldas in the timeline once they released the timeline. Oh, okay. And, like he played through them chronologically, um, uh, and and so yeah, I think I think he was saying that like that was the last one he played, and it was the like it was really tough for him because he hated it uh, so much that so it was really tough for him to get through. He hit it or credit of time or a Phantom Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass, I I believe. I, uh, I I think it was that one that was the the bane of his existence. Whichever one was the last one in the timeline, effectively. Which it seems like it would make sense if uh, if like Wind Waker is you know presumably near the end of the timeline where the world is flooded and everything, um, and that one came after it. Yeah, it seems like that one would have been the one that. But was Spirit Tracks is the direct sequel to Phantom uh, Hourglass. And that so yeah then yeah that was so it was probably that one then. <laughs> yeah. See, with the entire Zelda timeline, I don't understand what's going on. However, I know like with Wind Waker, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks, they actually have direct connections to it. Like they will reference the other games. Mm, like, okay. okay, this is the Zelda timeline that I give a shit about because it has Toon Link. It actually makes sense. I understand the story going on here. And of all the other Zelda games, as far as I'm concerned, they're their own small pocket universes. And Windbreaker is the only one that matters. And that's that's what they were for the longest time. And then they came up with this fan theory of like, oh no, they're all connected. And it's like, no, they really just were using reusing the same ideas. It's not like all the Final Fantasies are all connected just because chocobos exist in everyone. That's what I thought too. But, but like I said, with Windbreakers, uh, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks, they're actually really are yeah. connected. And it's like, I love that. But, and, uh, and like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask were as well, and were, were they like officially? Yeah, yeah. That's it's. I mean, it's it's the because yeah, it's it's the same. It's young Zelda, uh, young Link um, yeah. from from Ocarina of Time. Um, so it's basically another one of his adventures after he is, as I as I recall, it's after he's gone back and like fixed everything in Ocarina of Time. He at the end of that game, he goes back to being young Link. Um, and so this is like Majora's Mask was like sometime a year or two or something like later. So he's still young Link. Um, uh, and yeah, like the the world starts to end again. And so he... he See, uh, that's what I thought it was. But that's when, that's why I assumed Minish Cap was a sequel to Windmaker when I was playing through it. Right. And yeah. that's when I found out it wasn't. It's like, oh, I guess all the other games are their own little things. And for for the most part, they are. Like they're the it, they're very tangentially tied together. <laughs> yeah, it's also they're, they're tied together in the same way that like the Bioshocks are tied together. There's always a man. There's always a lighthouse. Okay, fine. 
See, if you told uh, Little Zyger at the time, like, oh, there are all their own separate universes just like Final Fantasy, I wouldn't know what you're talking about because I never played a Final Fantasy game. That's fine. And, like, at that time, I thought that all Final Fantasies were connected because it was the one, two, three, four, five, right. six, seven. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah, a lot of people that haven't played them think that. I mean, like, I thought I, that for the longest there, time. there are people that are genuinely out there asking, like, Final Fantasy 15, do I have to have played Final Fantasies 1 through 14? It's like, yep. <laughs> nope, that's, that's, that's not a thing with this series. I learned that at 13, okay? So I understand. There you go. Cool. Um, so we've made it through some Zeldas. Uh, uh, we haven't touched in. So it's it's all been Nintendo so far. So far, yeah. So did you? When did you? Like when did you get into? Because this is now around the time the eras of PlayStation obviously has been out for a little bit by now. This is when Xbox is kind of coming into its own in the in the GameCube era. Um, like when did you start branching out into some of these other uh, systems? Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know video game history or whatnot. Around the same time as the Nintendo 64, that's when they had the PS1, right? Around yeah. that time? Yep. Okay, so I know like during the GameCube, PS2 was a thing. Yeah, the GameCube, it was the GameCube and PlayStation 2, and then like halfway through that generation or, or like in it, Xbox kind of came in for the tail end of like the PlayStation 2's life cycle. And then we started kind of with... So yeah, that generation was... PS2, the GameCube, and the Xbox, uh, the original Xbox. So during the GameCube era, that's when we got an Xbox and PS2. When I looked at the PS2, I thought it was weird that they would call it the PS2 if there was never a PS1. But because the original was just called the PlayStation. No, exactly. But I didn't know there was an original one. I didn't know that there was other game consoles out there. I know during the whole beginning era of my gaming history, there was also Sega consoles uh-huh. or uh, other, like the Swan or whatever. There's like other consoles out there. Like for the longest time, I thought Sonic was a Nintendo character. Because <laughs> like, and the Game Boy Advance and the GameCube, those were that's where I played Sonic games. Yeah. Like, okay, Sonic's a Nintendo character. It makes sense. I didn't know until like when I looked more into the PS2 that it was like, oh, there's other consoles out there. That I've never even touched. Something called an Atari. I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's from that. That's from that's for us oldies. So uh, Xbox, PlayStation Two. I'm gonna talk about PS Two first because it's super short. For PS Two, it was my brother's PS Two. My brother Eric and my brother Christian both had a PS Two, and I only ever played games on their console. The only games that I've ever played on the PS Two were Spider Man Two. It's a good one. Yeah, it, it, it was fun because we liked Spider-Man because uh, he was, at that time, the only superhero I gave a shit about. My balloon! Right? <laughs> so, yeah, we played through Spider-Man 2. Uh, we played through uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Okay. No. Yeah, I think so. I think that was wrong. It was some Tony Hawk game. I'm pretty sure it was Pro Skater 2. But, yeah, we played through that, and that's a lot of fun. We'd make our own skaters. We would play, uh, we would invite our cousins over, or my brother would invite his neighbors, our neighbor's friends. They would all come over. We would all play Tony Hawk. The soundtrack for that game was a lot of fun listening to. But like both Spider Man and Tony Hawk were games that like, I played on casually. The only game I ever played hardcore on the PS2 was Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. And he had three different games on that system. Like a lot of people don't know who the character Ty is. Nope. Nope, you have no idea. The thing nope. is, like, 
he was like one of those mascot type characters, like Spyro the Dragon or uh, Crash Bandicoot. The thing is, didn't know who Spyro was, didn't know who Crash was, I didn't know who Ty was, but like my grandmother or someone in our, my family knew we had a PS2. So for one of our birthdays, gave us this PS2 game that they had called Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. And basically, it's like this Australian tiger character who had a boomerang. And like it was a t- sort of 3D platformer, like, sort of like Banjo Kazooie or uh, all the other games I mentioned. Yep, I've, I've pulled up the <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> the, cover, the cover for that game is amazing. I love it. That's definitely some banjo it's banjo inspired art there from EA Games. Exactly. And Titus Tasmanian Tiger had three different games. So we played through all of them. Like when we found out there was another tie game out there, we got super excited. Because like my brothers, they played a lot of other PS2s. I think my other brother played Spyro more. But like Tide the Tasmanian Tiger was my homie. And I was like, this is a character that will live on forever. Everyone will love Ty. Turns out that's completely wrong. But little Zagger didn't know about that at the time. He just knew that Ty was badass because his boomerangs caught on fire. And it was the only game that made me interested in the PS2. Enough hmm. to actually play it. Because like for the PS2, I didn't care about all of the other games that I saw on there. At that point, I didn't realize how many other games were there because we would only see small games at our Walmart or Target or Toys R Us. They didn't have a whole giant selection of games. So I didn't really care about it. And Ty was the only one that looked interesting. And when we played it, it was like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun. So uh, Ty was the or the reason I played PS2 at all. Before that, it was just a DVD player. Because yeah. DVDs are starting to become a thing. And uh, we never really used the VHSs that much. So when we were going to get a P- uh, DVD player, uh, my older mother knew, oh, the PS2 was a DVD player. And that's how we convinced our mom to buy it. Cool. So, so yeah, PS2 yeah. tie. You made a joke in the uh, in our Facebook admin chat the other day of like, wait, what's a VHS? Ah, yeah. Because of the Resident Evil game, I think. So I feel like that's what it was coming from. Yeah, it's for the Resident Evil thing. Turns out they don't actually give you an actual VHS. It's just a case. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed because I wasn't having actual VHS because I don't have any of those anymore. Yeah, very few people uh, like. I mean our age-ish do. So yeah, I looked into that. that They don't give you an actual VHS. Because I wanted to see, like, if they gave you a VHS, what would be on it? And I wanted to, like, play it. It, It's just a case, though, so, yeah. Mm. Also, Resident Evil came out around those this era of video games, GameCube, Xbox, PS2. Never touched a single Resident Evil. Yeah, I haven't either. Apparently, 4 is really good, and that came out on GameCube. And probably the other ones. The, yeah, the the so yeah, Resident Evil started back on the 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 PlayStation, uh, the first one. Um, but yeah, we yeah, so neither neither of us it sounds like can speak to the Resident Evil series. I'm sure I'll get nope. somebody on here eventually who's like, yeah, Resident Evil Four is my favorite game, and I'll be like, cool, go. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, so not too much experience with the PlayStation Two, mostly nope. DVD player and tie the Tasmanian Tiger thing thing um so what so was and and your older and younger brothers both had ps2s I, do i did you have the gamecube or did you have the xbox or like or okay both? so my older brother and little brother both had a ps2 me and my older brother shared the gamecube and then the xbox was the quote family console 
because uh, my little brother wanted the GameCube also, but I was like, no, we got it for our birthdays. You can't have it. So my mom bought it, the Xbox, and she bought it on our birthdays. But she's like, oh, no, you have to share it with your little brother and your little sister. And my little sister didn't give a shit about video games. Like, she didn't care. Mm-hmm. She played them casually, but she was never big into them. So when we get the Xbox, uh, we got the killer app known as Fusion Frenzy. Okay. Best game on the system. Uh, it was the game that came with the console. So we played through a lot of that, and it was like a party game. It reminded us of Mario Party. And unlike Mario Party, it didn't make us hate each other because we couldn't steal stars or anything. We would just knock each other off, get more points or whatever. But yeah, it was just a bunch of series of different mini games that they had. But like the number one game on the Xbox that like made me love the Xbox was Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Interesting, because I played that on PlayStation Two, I think. Yeah, I, uh, so when that game came out, it was I think around the time of the second or third movie. It was. Came it out came out. Theaters. It came out right before the third movie. The, yeah, because the first the first Lego game was the the prequel trilogy, and so it was, yeah, it was like you. I actually was looking into this um, when I was talking about Lego games on uh, on Trevor Trove last year, uh, and it came out like two or three weeks before the third movie came out. So it was this weird thing where like you could play through the events of the third movie before you've seen the third movie. Right. I, I just knew like uh, I would see each other's for this third movie, but then I would also see each other's for this video game. And like as a kid, I loved playing with Legos all the time. So I saw Lego Star Wars. I'm like. I don't need to spend money on watching the movie. I just play the video game. And like in my head, I was thinking like, okay, this game is just that third movie. I never saw the first movie. I never saw the second movie. I'm not going to see the third movie. I'll just play this Lego game and I understand the third movie. I put the game in and it's like, okay, you start off episode one. I'm like, what? This game has all three movies. What is this? And like, it was the first Lego game. And like watching the uh, little animation cutscenes and whatnot of the Lego pieces moving, it blew my mind. It's kind of like, how did they get Legos to do that? And like, I would mess up my Legos and be like, how do I get his arm to like not completely come off but still be on? It's like, I again wasn't the smartest kid ever, but like playing through that game, it was a lot of fun. And it was like the only game that like I hardcore played on the Xbox. The only other game was like probably Burnout 3, but like, Lego Star Wars was like my favorite game. And after I beat the game, all the other characters, you unlock Dark Vader after you collect all the gold bricks or whatever. It was the first Lego game that I like went out of my way to 100%. And then later, uh, I think like two or three later, they had a Lego Star Wars 2 that yeah. had the original trilogy. Didn't know that Star Wars had an original trilogy at that time. I just thought it was like, oh, one, two, three, that makes sense. And then when this game came out, I was like, oh, four, five, six. I'm like, when did these movies come out? <laughs> it's only been two years. Oh, Zyger. So so young and... And, like, during that time when that game was coming out, uh, Burger King had this special where if you get a kid's meal, they'd give you a cup with the movies, like, one, two, three, four, five, six. And, like, I would always go to my friends, like, when did these movies come out? And they're like, what are you talking about? Star Wars. Literally, two years ago, three came out. And now four, five, and six are already out. Are they like direct to home movies that suck? Should I even watch them? <laughs> and they're like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, 
yeah, I don't get it. How did these movies come out? And like, as a joke, they just wouldn't tell me. So for the longest time, I just thought like, oh, four, five, six, direct to home movies, just like uh, Mulan two or whatever Disney movie that was never in theaters, yeah. Aladdin three, Lion King <laughs> one, one and a half. Exactly, that movie was garbage. <laughs> But yeah, I played through Lego Star Wars 1, and then I played through uh, Lego Star Wars 2, but I think uh, Lego Star Wars 2, I played on GameCube, because you didn't need a chance for saves or anything, it was no no big deal, so played one <laughs> on one console, one on the other console. But then uh, Xbox is also where I got uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Okay. And even though, I know San Andreas came out a year ahead on PlayStation 2, that's when we heard about it. And then my brother eventually picked it up on Xbox, so we played through that. And it was the first game that, like, we got in trouble for owning. Like, when our mom found out we had this game, she broke the disc. But, Ooh. yeah. Okay. So when we bought this game, we brought it home. We got it from one of our friends on the playground. Because uh, he would get games from, I'm assuming, his older brother and sell them at school. Again, selling things at school wasn't a good idea because you can get suspended for that. But yeah. no one just no one just told on him or anything. So we came home with San Andreas and like in our minds, like we can get in trouble for owning this game because like this at that time, the news reports of this game was coming out and the school completely banned it. So if mm. you're talking about Grand Theft Auto at school, you would get in trouble. You'd be forced to sit on the bench, which is in elementary school was our detention. Okay. So it was like, we can't talk about this game. This game is bad for us to have, but we're going to play it anyway. I was, I was in college when San Andreas came out, and you're talking elementary school. I hate you so much sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so we take home this game, and like we've only ever heard, like, oh, it's this game you can walk around, you can shoot things with, uh, you can get... So, like At the time, I didn't know what they were talking about. It was like, you can do things with girls. as like, that's weird. Why would you want to do things with girls? Cooties, gross, right? Yeah, no. But, you and your you and your completely innocent history with with prostitutes. That's a different story for a different podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so San Andreas was a lot of fun for us, but we've only had it for like three or four days before our mom realized that we had it because like we would play the game on the TV and like eventually she started hearing gunshots she's like what is that i'm like nothing nothing we're playing smash bros and then like we just our, broke we just broke a, a glass again that's all don't worry my mom was never uh, smart with video games so when we told her we were playing smash bros she didn't think anything of it and then like after like an hour or two she remembered that we broke the gamecube playing smash bros and we we're playing on the xbox she's like what are you doing we're like we're playing smash bros like are you lying to me? And we're like, no. She's like, when she walked in, we turned off the TV that way she wouldn't see the screen. It's like, turn the TV back on. And we're like, we don't want to. We're, we're, we're done playing the game now. It's like, no, 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 no. She takes the controller out of her hand so we couldn't turn it off. It's like, turn on the TV right now or I'll turn it on. Are you lying to me? And we're like, yes. She found out we had San Andreas. She took the game out of the Xbox. Like, she didn't turn off the Xbox. She just ejected the game. So corrupt safe file and whatnot. She takes the disc and then she breaks it in half in front of us. She says, if I ever see you guys take home another one of these stupid Grand Theft Auto games, uh, she said a lot of bad things in Spanish, but we pretty much got the idea like, oh, never bring home another San Andreas game. So we bought another copy of San Andreas. 
However, we never took it home. We gave it to our neighbor, Tom, and we played it at his house. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a way around it. I'm also sitting here, like, thinking back, because you're, you're, you started that story off with, like, oh, yeah, we bought it from, like, this kid on the playground who was probably getting it from his older brother. I'm sitting here thinking, like, was that kid just stealing games from his older brother and making money off of selling his older brother's video games? Probably. We never looked too far into it. We just were like, oh, if we need a game, we just got to tell this dude and he'll get it for us in like a week or two. He was, he was your own little drug dealer. On, Pretty much. On the mean and streets like, of, of, and of your San elementary Andreas. school. San Andreas was illegal at our school. So getting that, we had to spend like an entire month's worth of allowance, which yeah. is a big deal. Yeah, that'll do it. Good good for that kid, little entrepreneur that he was. <laughs> then we had to buy it a second time. It took an entire month. <laughs> but then we get, uh, it was our game, but we left it at Tom's house. So we can play it over there. That way our mom didn't break the disc again. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's kind of, those are your, your Xbox, your GameCube, your, your PS2 memories. Um, Moving on, did you did you kind of continue on in all three? Like, did you have the Wii, the Xbox 360, the PS3, and the next generation? Okay, so uh, I didn't get the Xbox 360 and PS3 right away. I got a Wii. Technically, my little brother got the Wii. But uh, with the Wii, we didn't typically play a whole lot on it. The only games we ever played on the Wii were Smash Bros. Uh, Brawl? Yeah, Brawl. Yeah. And that's we that was the game, the game that we played on the Wii. Uh, we played through that forever. We got a launch console Wii, and the launch console Wii also played GameCube games. So we sold our GameCube and we played a lot of our old GameCube games on the Wii, connect the Nintendo 60 or not Nintendo 64, Nintendo GameCube controller. Yep. And it, Nintendo was the only one of the consoles that had backwards compatibility. So we thought like, oh, this is amazing. It's going to be a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. So we sold the GameCube and one of the PS2s in order to get the Wii. And it was my little brother's PS2. So te- that's technically why the Wii was his. Got it. Okay. So uh, we played Smash Bros. And then the other game uh, we played on it that was like Wii was Super Mario Strikers something. Like... Strikers was originally a GameCube game, but the sequel to that was on the Wii, and we played the Wii version. I don't know the exact title for that one, but yeah, it's the Mario soccer game. Yeah. And of course, I played as the homie Luigi and Waluigi, because they were both amazing. But uh, we also played... We bought Mario Kart Wii, but we ended up not playing that one because the whole Wiimote thing, uh-huh. it was not fun. And like yeah. we did, we played through the initial eight or so uh, tracks, courses or whatever, the Grand Prix or whatever thing, you d- we do all of those to unlock all the courses, but then we just stopped playing that game completely. And we went back to playing Double Dash on the 64 through the Wii emulator. You mean uh, the GameCube? Yeah, the, yeah, GameCube emulator. So we played through that and then... That's weird. Uh, the only other game... <laughs> we got is Pokemon Battle Revolution. And that was the one that could connect your DS and those Pokemon games to the Wii. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm aware, it's the only Nintendo Wii game that connected to the DS in any way whatsoever. And it it was insane. Cause like, I'm gonna talk about it later when I talk about Pokemon, but like 
Pokemon pretty much like made everything work for Nintendo. So when we got the DS's for Battle Revolution to play our Pokemon games, we were playing Pokemon Battles on the big screen. It was like, oh my god, it has it was like playing Pokemon Stadium again. And it was like with Pokemon Coliseum and actually Gala Darkness, uh, those were more RPG like actual console games. With Battle Revolution, it was just like Stadium. You had all the Pokemon unlocked already, you can make your own teams or whatever, or you can connect your DS versions of the game and play it on the big screen. It was like, oh my god, now we can use our own teams from our games. We didn't have to use any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Battle Revolution was a lot of fun. Uh, Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, those are pretty much the only ones that I played on Wii. Yeah. Uh, my brother ended up getting uh, Twilight Princess, Legend of Zelda. Didn't play through that because I didn't like the whole wolf thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my two link. So I was like, nope, this isn't the link I like. I'm not playing this one. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Um, so that that knocks out the Wii um, yep. and a little bit of the DS. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. What, what I guess? What are you doing? Let's go into the DS. Are you continuing on with the the Pokemon at this point? So you've got you're getting now uh, Diamond and Pearl and Platinum and Initial, Black and White. Yes, I do all of that. However, when I bought the DS, it was. Uh, around the time that Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Blue Rescue Team came out. So I bought the DS for that game. It was a spin-off Pokemon game, but it was also the last Game Boy Pokemon game I had and the last Game Boy game I bought. Because uh, for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, there was red version on the Game Boy Advance and the blue version on the DS. And as you know, with the original DS, it had the ports for both the GBA and the DS. Yeah. And it was the only game that connected the two. So you can send your team from red to blue and vice versa and help them out. So I bought both of those games for the DS and I played both of them. And like going through the whole thing of both games, uh, whenever one of my characters died in the dungeon and got lost, I would send the other team from my other game to that game. Like I, when I was doing that with the DS, like this is revolutionary. This is how gaming should be. I can't wait for the future for more games to do this. Turns out Pokemon was the only one that did it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much Nintendo for you. They t- they try like an idea once and then whoop, yep. <laughs> never again. It and only then, works yeah. with I mean it only works with Pokemon too for the most part. Exactly. Uh, then I got Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, and I played through all those. And that's the first time in Pokemon history where they said, "Hey, you know the Pokemon you got from the old games? You can bring them into the new games." Because before, uh, they got stuck. Like, at, at Gen 1 Pokemon could go to Gen 2, but can't go back. Uh, then right. after that, they couldn't go into the third gen. However, uh, after the fourth gen game came out, they said, they made a statement like, okay, from here on out, for the rest of the Pokemon series, you can bring Pokemon back from your past gen, starting with third gen. And I was like, okay, how are you going to do that? And they did the DS thing. You put the Game Boy game in the bottom, and then you can steal Pokemon from it. You can't go back, of course, but yeah. you can bring your Pokemon onward. Like, right now, I have a Pokemon I had from Pokemon Sapphire version in my current 3DS version of the game. It's like, it's insane. I can have a Pokemon from almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I get the DS Pokemon games. Then, uh, as far as the DS goes, the only uh, game of consequence besides Pokemon was Mario Kart. And the world ends with you. 
And I think yeah. Christian talked about the world ends with you. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we touched on world ends with you a little bit. So yeah, world ends with you. Fucking amazing game. Uh, it was one of the first JRPGs that I like got into that wasn't something I already knew. Uh, then I also got the Fire Emblem game Shadow Dragon because Fire Emblem was amazing. I had to play through all of them. Uh, that's also around the time where I bought the GBA ones that I didn't play, and I went back and played those ones. Uh, I think that's also when I started the whole Mario and Luigi RPG series. Uh, they had the Partners in Time and a few other ones. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones where I started doing those ones. And that's when I played the uh, new Super Mario DS game. No? Yes. New Super Mario Bros. And that was like the first Mario game that I have actually went back and played through since the uh, Game Boy Color one. Okay. Probably. Like, I've never typically beaten Mario game. I always stop after the third or fourth worlds. But, like, after the DS one, it's like, okay, I'm actually going to attempt to beat this one. Ended up doing that. That was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Turns out I'm not that great with Mario. He, I mean, he's, he's no Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. No, he's not. Yeah. And that's about it for a DS that he's I can a, remember. He's just a slacker plumber. Right? He is. He doesn't have fire boomerangs. He barely gets regular boomerangs. I mean, he gets fireballs. Ah, it's not the same thing. That's true. Boomerangs are so much more badass, and he can't yeah, be actually. They, they, they come back to you. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so what else do we have? 360, PS3? Okay, so I get the 360 before I get the PS3, but I get them late in. I buy my... I, I played the 360 because my brother's had one, but I didn't really start with the 360 until Halo 4 came out. I okay. bought the Halo 4 360 console. And like at that point, I had just finished playing Halo 3 and Halo Reach and Halo ODST on my brother's 360. So I have all of those games. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to play through all of them again. Because I never played Halo 1 or 2. But I was like, I played Halo 3. I was like, oh, I really like this game. So I bought the Halo 4 one. I played through Halo 3, ODST, then Reach. Then I start Halo 4. And the Halo series is a game I play with my little brother mostly. Like, we would co op the campaign and everything. We would go through all the Halo games. Like, we went through Halo 5 on the Xbox One, and we're going to go through Halo 6 when that comes out. But, like, whenever a new Halo game comes out, we just go through it together. Cool. So, when I got Halo 4, the Xbox console, it came with two controllers. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So, I played that with my little brother, and it's like the 360s where I go hardcore into buying my own video games. I'm no longer getting games from the uh, schoolyard or whatever. The playground, yeah. Yeah, playground. Yeah. I'm getting it from like actual stores and everything. And like I end up buying a lot more games, games that I don't typically need to own. And this is right around the time where I'm getting into uh, Versus Teeth and Achievement Hunter. And with Achievement Hunter, they do uh, achievements mostly. Yeah, and, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of what they hunt, as I understand it. More or less. So I start... Uh, buying video games that were super easy, that had uh, super easy achievements. Because on Xbox, uh, unlike PlayStation, it doesn't have a platinum. It has uh, achievement scores, and each game has 1,000 points. So to complete a game, you just have to get the 1,000. Right. And that's what we call it on Xbox. On PlayStation, it's called the platinum. Yep. So on Xbox, I'm looking through all of these games and I'm buying stupid games like Bolt or... Uh, 
the last airbender teenage mutant turtles i was gonna say the last airbender is the one where you just kind of basically have to push the it's basically the the my name is mayo of of the 360 isn't it (laughs) for for that that hot thousand point score so fucking airbender though that game costs like 30 dollars and it's sold so high because it's the easiest game to get the 1,000 points in. And like people know if you're buying this game, you're buying it for the achievements. You don't yeah. buy it because you're like the Last Airbender. And uh, for the record, I do love the Last Airbender animated series, but I never played that game. I only played the first 10 minutes, or not even 10 minutes, like three minutes to get the achievements. Then I took that game out and went on to the next easy 1,000, Terminator Salvation or something. So... Early on my Xbox 360 days, I've been buying pieces of shit games just so I can beat it and get the 1,000 points. And like my goal was to get 10,000 gamer score in a month, and I ended up doing it barely, but I did it. Okay. And then after that, I started buying like actual games like Fable, Fables One, Two, and Three. Uh, I played parts of Ninja Gaiden because I played the DS one. And I had a lot of other DS ones, so like, okay, I'll play the 360 one. Then I remembered on the DS one, I used cheat codes. That's why I was able to beat the game so easy. The 360 one didn't have cheat codes. Turns out Ninja Gaiden's super hard. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So ended up not beating Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Then I started playing through the Devil May Cry games on the 360. Because the new Devil May Cry uh, DMC, Devil May Cry, was coming out. I was like, okay. I like that way the protagonist is. Let me go back and play the other games uh, in order so I can get to this game. Play through all four of them, and then I get to DMC5 or just DMC. Play through that. Really love that. I think it's... I, I personally enjoy the DMC over Devil May Cry. You're, you're, on, the, you're on the train of DMC being better? Yeah. I think, I, I think I've seen that come up in on Twitter wars before. Yeah. A lot of people like old Dante more, but it's like, no, the new Dante is pretty badass, and that game is a lot more fun than all the other ones. Because like, I played them in order in the course of over two weeks, and I liked one, but it wasn't like the story for that. I got I thought it was kind of confusing. I played through two. Two is by far the easiest of all of them, but the story sucked. I played through three. Three had, I think, the best story out of the four, but it was a lot harder then I, I don't even remember for that well, but I played through it. And I was like, I enjoyed it a lot more than both one and two, but I'm pretty sure three was my favorite. But then I played DMs and I'm like, okay, this game outclasses all four of them on every level whatsoever. Yeah, I've, I've not played any of them, so I, I, I abstain from the conversation there. But yeah, it's, I mean, I, I know that it's enough of a, a, a sticking point for people, like fans of the, the original 10. ten. <coughs> tend to say DMC sucks and vice versa. So, yeah, when I w- I'm Switzerland. Yeah, when that game came out, I was saying like how great it was, and I would always get people arguing with me like, "No, you have a shit opinion. This game is awful. It's not original Dante. This guy's a pussy." Blah blah blah. I'm like, guys, chill. This Dante's badass. But cool. Yeah. And then any I just- other any other notable? Uh- game series of the of that era are you, like, are you looking are you looking at your collection there yeah all my uh 360 games are over there but uh there's not many other notable games however uh funny story i convinced someone no i ended up buying skyrim on the 360 i bought the uh 
game of the year edition that came with all the DLC and everything. And whenever my friends come over, they ask me if I played Skyrim yet. I'm like, no, I haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet. And like to this day, I still have that game like wrapped in sheet wrap over there. And my friend Joey, who comes over all the time, is like, when are you going to open this fucking game? I'm like, I'm never opening it. He's like, why not? Why did you buy this game? Because I bought it full price, $60 when it came out. And like, just to make it a point, I'm like, I'm never going to open this goddamn game. He's like, really? You bought this game. You're never going to open it. It's already remastered on Xbox One and PS4. And you're planning on buying it on the Xbox One. Why don't you just play the 360 version? I'm like, because I haven't done it yet. And I kind of don't want to just because it's just a small, stupid, funny inside joke that we have. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And enjoy never playing the, the Skyrim 360 version. Nope. It's, and, I, uh, I had a similar, uh, well, not, I mean, like, that reminds me of when I bought um, Fallout 3 for the PlayStation 3. Um, I bought the original game, like, when it was, like, on, on cheap for $20 or something. And that was, I played through that back before I was, like, connected to the internet. Um, so I play through it and I'm like, oh, and there's like, there's DLC for this. Oh, cool. I want to get that. And like every DLC pack was $10 still. So it was, it would have been $50 if I wanted to buy all of the DLC for, for Fallout. Um, and I went to Target and they had like a game of the year edition with all the DLC included for $20. And I was like, I'm just going to buy the, like the full version of the game again, uh, for, for $20 instead of buying all of the DLC for 50. So yeah, it was, that was, and that's where like, that was my first, like, and, and what I still think of a lot of times when I get, when I bristle about like DLC is the fact that like DLC never goes on sale unless it's like a yeah. flash sale or something like that. Like DLC doesn't drop in price over time. Like the, like the games themselves do. So I'm like, well, it's, it doesn't matter if I buy it, you know, at launch versus, you know, two years out. Cause I'm, pretty much going to be paying the same thing for it for the most part there there are sec exceptions but yeah i will never forget the fact that i bought fallout 3 a second time just because it was cheaper than buying the dlc <laughs> just, i hate it when i have to buy a game for the second time and i've done it a dozen times however the one game i will never get buying more than once is minecraft i own that game seven times no six times probably okay. I, how, where, so where do you like? Because Minecraft is one of those games that like that have that eluded me. It's it's like I feel like I was too old for it when it came out, kind of thing. Or it just it like it passed me by, and I'm not gonna dive into it. And it it doesn't it doesn't interest me. But I am fascinated by like the generation of people that are growing up with it as like their seminal gaming experience. So as as you are of a younger generation who has <laughs> like a a, a back uh, a back history with Minecraft. Like, where? When did you come to Minecraft? Where did you play it? Like, we haven't touched on in in our conversation. Like, PC gaming. Were you a PC gamer um, Never. through all of this, or no? Just just Minecraft. No, like not not even Minecraft. Do you just play Minecraft on like the Xbox? Yeah. So when I started getting into Minecraft, it was on the Xbox 360, and it was mostly because of Achievement Hunter. But like growing up as a kid. My mom would never let me use the computer unless it was for schoolwork. And, like, I knew that you could play video games on the computer, but I just never did it because I just couldn't use the computer. So I just always played games on consoles, handhelds, and whatnot. I never even thought about PC gaming until roughly around the time of the 360. 
So when I looked into it, it was all of this random things, uh, drivers, CPUs, graphics cards. I'm like, nope, that's a lot of work. I don't want to deal with any of that. So I own Minecraft on pretty much everything except PC, where it originally started from. Uh-huh. OK. So you have like the 360, the Xbox One, PS3, Vita, PS4. PS4. I got it on my, yeah, I got it on the Wii U. I got it on my phone. I okay. bought, like, for a week, I had an Android phone, and I bought Minecraft on that. <laughs> okay. And then I eventually got a different type of phone. And, like, I always joke about this, playing Minecraft on a toaster. However, my friend has this toaster with an, L- with an LCD screen, and he bought Minecraft on his PC, and he connected uh, some weird doohickey to his toaster, and I played Minecraft on a toaster. I had toast, go. and it was amazing. And, like... No, not a lot of people like when I say, "Oh, I play Minecraft on a toaster." They don't. They just sort of second guesses. Like, no, you didn't. Like, yeah, my friend has this fucking amazing toaster, and I think I have a picture of him playing Minecraft on the toaster. I gotta find it. But it's like my favorite thing because it's not like necessarily something you would ever need in life. Yeah, you would never need to play Minecraft all toasting toast. But it was just not, like something so stupid that my friend did. But the fact time. that you can means we've conquered exactly. technology. <laughs> exactly. 100%. I don't know why he rigged up his toaster to play Minecraft, but like to this day, it's like my favorite thing he's ever done because it's just something so stupid. Yeah. But, so what? So so you got into Minecraft then because of Achievement Hunter and, and their yeah. kind of experiences with it. Tower of Pimps or whatever. Yep, Tower of Pimps. Best thing ever. But uh, when I, I only know that because of Let's Play Live this year, really? <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't I don't follow Achievement Hunter. Makes sense, makes um, sense. But they came out uh, at the at the LA Let's Play Live, the first one this year. Um, they like as one of like the segments. I don't know if they did it the Chicago one that you went to, um, but it was like they just did the Tower of Pimps rap and like had video playing in the background. I was like, like I look over at Joey and I'm texting her because we're sitting like. 10 seats away from one another and i'm like i don't know what's happening what are we doing here and she's like i have no idea yeah, but, yeah at, like, it, at it, Let's Chicago, they did the camp camp rap instead of tower, tower pimps okay yeah it's, it was just like well this is a weird thing but they say tower of pimps a lot and so now i know this gold this four level gold tower thing is is a prize in in achievement hunter minecraft yeah, uh, like I said, I got into Minecraft because of Achievement Hunter. However, when I started playing Minecraft, I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. The whole dropping off into an open world and building whatever you want, it reminded me of Legos, mm-hmm. but with like physics, because like certain blocks like sand will drop no matter what. And I learned that because of watching Achievement Hunter. Like a- anything I knew about Minecraft, I learned from them. So when I went into the game and started playing through it, I would try to recreate things that they did, such as the Tower of Pimps. Uh, they made multiple different games. Like they made Pac-Man within Minecraft. They made uh, Dig Dug and a bunch of other old arcade games that I've never played. So I recreate them in Minecraft, show them off to my, like, my little brother and my cousins and everything. And like we would just spend hours just building something. And it's just this game that I can play mindlessly for hours on end, just like Tetris. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. It's definitely one of those games that, like, I, um, back before No Man's Sky kind of blew up in everybody's face earlier this year, that was kind of, I looked at No Man's Sky as a, maybe that'll be, like, a game I can just kind of hop in 
every now and then and it it can be like my minecraft um i thought there was going to be more to do so it would be more akin to a minecraft but it ended up you know, obviously not. Um, yeah. but I, I mean, it's still it's still that very much that like I could just kind of hop in and go, aim like wander around aimlessly on these worlds if I wanted to. Um, and I like I I wonder if the end goal of No Man's Sky is to be more Minecraft like, and it's just all eyes were on it back when like if all eyes had been on Minecraft back in its earliest betas and stuff. Um, you know, would it have gotten kind of the same kind of slamming as uh, as No Man's Sky did? But that's a that's a different conversation for for a different podcast, much like your your yeah, I prostitute think story, no which Sky which I wanted I do want to go back to real quick. Like your the the prostitute story, very innocent. You were very like a very young <laughs> child that didn't know what was happening, but it's a fun story to to hear Zyger tell if you ever get to hear him tell it. Uh, yeah, I told that like five times during KFL too. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure one of these times we'll get it on video and just it'll it'll go viral. And then, like I mentioned, the second hooker story, and I guess Greg heard it, and he's like, "Wait, you have a second hooker story?" And like he was busy doing something for I think Extra Life for I think it was during the Temple stream. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll tell you it later." I haven't told him him it yet, but I think he wants me to tell him at some point in the future. Because PSX is right around the corner, so yeah, because. I, when I was with Greg streaming for some game, that's when I told the first hooker story. And mm-hmm. that's when everyone found out, like, oh, this kid's an idiot. Because of what <laughs> happened, what the story is, me being a little kid trying to make mommy and daddy stop fighting. Yeah. It's we don't we don't need to we we don't need to go into the details here. It's it's a little bit tangential from gaming history. Just <laughs> a little bit. It, it is the game of life. Anyway, I mean, some could say I was playing Grand Theft Auto early. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, try, trying to use some cheat codes. Um, uh, so Minecraft. So what else are you playing? Like any other uh, standouts of of last generation before we move up to kind of current gen? Uh, anything on the PS3? Uh, I didn't play PS2 all that much, so I didn't look into PS3. However, I bought a PS3 for uh, The Last of Us, so I got my PS3 like two weeks before that. Okay. So played The Last of Us because that was the only game on the PS3 I was looking forward to. But then I uh, got into uh, JRPGs like uh, Disgaea, the Tell series, and basically my PS3 is a JRPG machine. I yeah. only use it to play Japanese games and The Last of Us. So right now I'm playing through Nino Kuni on it. Okay. But yeah. As far as PS3 goes, only Japanese games and The Last of Us. That's that's, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of people's PlayStation machines. Like, was were JRPG. Like, my first, uh, the my original PlayStation was that was like my f- Final Fantasy machine. So, like, I was that's where I was playing all those games and stuff. Yeah. So, basically, that's pretty much all from last gen. Okay. Yeah, that's all that I can remember. Cool. And then now we're up to Wii U, 3DS. Um, PS4 and, and Xbox One. What are what are some of the highlights of of recent days? And also, um, at some point, we'll kind of circle back to like. Obviously, you're now you know very much in the kind of funny community. Yeah. Like, how did you get in the kind of funny community? Like, when did you start kind of looking at gaming, like industry wise? Like, it's maybe maybe. Oh well, I just. I mean, probably it comes from RT, right? The your yep. rooster teeth and 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 your your involvement in that. That's how you kind of first saw Greg, right? 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, Greg was on the show called The Gauntlet, which is like this Rooster Teeth game show that they had going on. And in season two, uh, Greg was on it. Before that, I knew of Greg Miller, but I always thought of him as the loud asshole from IGN. And at that point, I wasn't like the biggest IGN fan. Like, I knew what they did, but I didn't care that much. And I was like, <laughs> it's super stupid, but I was mad at IGN because of the way they review Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> because Pokemon always got like a seven or an eight, but they give Call of Duty like nines and tens. I'm like, okay, so your criticism of Pokemon is that it's the same game every year, but fucking Call of Duty gets a nine and ten? IGN doesn't know what they're talking about, whatever, I don't care. And like, again, super stupid reason, but it was my reason. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I only knew of Greg as the loud asshole from IGN until Rooster Teeth came up. And that's when I started listening to more to what he was talking about. But yeah, that was, uh, as far as whole paying attention to the game industry thing, that was roughly around the same time as I bought the 360 and eventually the Wii U, waiting in anticipation for the next-gen consoles. Uh, I started listening to more podcasts after the whole uh, art receive thing with the gauntlet. I started listening to the Game Over Gregory show, which led me to Beyond, which led me to Unlocked and NBC. And mm-hmm. that's when I started paying more attention to what was going on in the entire industry. That's when I found out, like, oh, all of these whole common video game knowledge things like Final Fantasy being its own separate universe and never game. That's when I realized all of that stuff. I was like, okay, yo, Sega made consoles? What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why, don't they make, why don't they make consoles anymore? Oh, because they suck? Okay. Sonic wasn't a Nintendo character? What is this? I've only played Sonic on Nintendo games before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mind was blown as I started paying more attention into the gaming industry thing. Wait, Solid Snake from Smash has other games? Okay, so <laughs> I knew that Metal Gear existed, but I, I didn't understand why Snake was in Smash Bros. until later. I mean, even even at the time, very few people understood it. It's it's like yeah. why is Cloud in Smash Bros.? Cloud is in is in a total of two Nintendo games. Uh, yeah, like he was in. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, and he was in Theater Rhythm. Yep. <laughs> and, hey, he and was in the he... bad Kingdom Hearts, too. He was in Recoded. Yeah. That was yep. the worst one. <laughs> so it's like, well, why is he in there? Who knows? Whatever. Snake was pretty much the same thing. It was like, I mean, yeah, it started as a Nintendo series, but it's definitely not what people think of as a Nintendo series. <laughs> and that's why he's not in the Wii U version. Yeah. But yeah, like I was saying, that's when I started realizing all of these common video game things. But uh, out of the next or current gen consoles, the one I got first was the Wii U, and it was 100% because of the Wind Waker HD. Mm-hmm. When that game came out, they came out with a special edition Wii U that had the theme printed out on the gamepad, so I bought that. And then, really, the games that I started the Wii U with was Mario Kart, eventually Splatoon, uh, Bayonetta 2, which came with Bayonetta 1. And th- that was another game I bought twice because I knew Bayonetta 2 was going to come out on Wii U and it looked amazing. So I bought it on the 360 version. I was going to play it like a month before the Wii U version came out. And that's when they announced, oh, if you buy Bayonetta 2, you get Bayonetta 1 for free on Wii U. I'm like, God damn it. I spent like 20 bucks on Bayonetta 1. 
like brand new from like uh, GameStop or something, so I can have it to prepare for number two. But then the definitive edition came out on Wii U. I'm like, well, this is useless to me now. Yeah. So I played Bayonetta one and two on Wii U. That was a lot of fun. I, I have those. They're they're still wrapped like your copy of Skyrim. You see, the like thing at is, like most of my Wii U collection. The thing never, is, never touched. Unlike Skyrim, Bayonetta two is an actually good game. Oh. Like, I, Shots I, I, fired I, on a game yeah. that you actually haven't experienced, so... That's not true. I, I have played Skyrim. I just never opened my copy of Skyrim. Okay. I, I played it once. One time for like 10 minutes at a friend's house, and I did not enjoy it. So I wasn't looking forward to going back. But to be fair, he was like far into the game, and he was fighting a dragon, and I kept dying. So maybe if I started from the beginning, I would enjoy the game more. But Perhaps. like... At that time, I was too focused on all the other games I wanted to play that Skyrim could wait. And right now, it can continue waiting. But yeah. Okay. I, Bayonetta 2 was the big game because that came out right before Splatoon. Then after Splatoon came out, I played that nonstop. Oh, I, I recall. It, Splatoon was a game that a lot of people didn't give it enough credit when it came out. Like, they didn't think that it was going to be fun or anything. Like, there was a rumored that the uh, single-player campaign was super short and not at all fun or whatever. But then when the game came out, the single-player campaign was far better than anyone had anticipated it being. So when Splatoon eventually did come out, I played through that first. I didn't actually touch multiplayer until way after, like, probably two or three weeks after the fact. And, like, I play very few multiplayer games, but Splatoon was the one multiplayer experience that I can continue to enjoy no matter what. Like right now, if we decide to end the podcast, we're like hard cut right now and go play Splatoon, I will have an amazing time with Splatoon. It's the only multiplayer game to date that I can just jump in whenever and have a great time because it's just so much fun. Nice. I like I I picked up the Splatoon Wii U, like that was my bundle. Um and I played like the tutorial thing where you had to use the gamepad and yeah. like and I, and I hated that and I like I got to the point where you can change it and turn it off but I was so turned off by that initial experience I was like nope and didn't like it, like never went back to it after that so I didn't even like dive into the campaign itself I just played the tutorial and was like nope yeah I, uh, I didn't enjoy that they made you play it with the uh, whole motion control thing thought that was a bad move on Nintendo's part, but yeah. I dealt with it, and I switched it immediately as soon as I could to play it the way that I wanted to. Before Splatoon came out, I don't know if you remember this, but they had those timed betas for it, where the game would be live on the eShop free for you to download, but only between, like, 3 and 4 o'clock, and, like, one of the times was at 2 in the morning. And, like, this was probably, like, two weeks before the game came out, it's like, okay, here's a special uh, demo to test the service for it. It's going to be available at these times. And like two of the times I was in school, so I couldn't play it. One of the times I was busy with like my parents. The only other time was at two in the morning, like on a school day. I'm like, okay, I need to play Splatoon. I'm going to stay up until two in the morning so I can play Splatoon. But I have to play it with the TV completely muted. That way my mom doesn't find out that I'm staying up late to play video games because... Ever since I was a little kid, that's been a problem. Yep. It's late, playing games. And she would the time has just gotten later. Yeah. It, was, it was horrible when it was nine, and it's horrible now when it's two in the morning. <laughs> yep. 
yeah, she was not a fan of me staying up late and falling asleep in school. But uh, yeah, play Splatoon 2 in the morning, amazing experience. I don't care that I was like half awake. As soon as Splatoon started up, I was like wide awake. After the one or two hours that they gave and the game shut off, I was legit sad and I couldn't go to sleep because I was just thinking about Splatoon. It was a horrible day at school that next day. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's one that like maybe I'll try. You know, since the rumors are that it it will be one of the many titles that kind of get a a new life on the Switch, um, I might try I pick, so. picking it up again there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just I I got so turned off by that that like just initial hit of it that I was like, nope, this isn't. And I, I also wasn't in any kind of like shooter mindset, even a colorful paint shooter. Um, like I, I enjoy like seeing videos of it and I'm like, oh, that, yes, it looks fun, but it wasn't what I was looking for at that time. Um, and yeah, so it was just like, well, I don't want to hook up my, my Wii U just for this. So I, like I walked away from it. Um, so what else? Uh, uh, any, any other big, I mean, like you, you obviously Smash continues on. Yeah, or continue of course. On. Smash is probably the last big game. Uh, before that, it's probably Super Mario 3D World and Captain Toad. And uh, Captain Toad was just this really dumb mini game that came out in by yeah. 2014. And like, I would always say that it is my game of the year for 2014. And you know Alfredo Diaz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he would always do streams and like, I don't understand why I did this, but like he would ask people in the Twitch chat like, hey, name a game for me to stream. And I just kept saying Captain Toad, Captain Toad. And uh, it, became yeah, an, it, it became an inside joke. So that whenever Alfredo asked, oh, what should I play? Everyone in the chat would be like, Captain Toad. And then when uh, he did his whole Patreon thing, one of the goals was he would play Nintendo games, dot, dot, dot. Yes, that means fucking Captain Toad. Nice. And it was like, it was an achievement to force him to play Captain Toad. And when he eventually did play it, he actually enjoyed it. Yeah, he really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was like, Fuck yeah, I knew you would love this game. It was the best game of 2014. I don't care what other games came out in 2014. I think, like, Last of Us also came out in 2014. Uh, no, I think that was 2013. Probably. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. There, there, um, there yeah, was a lot like, of games that came out in 2014. In, 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 certainly. Uh, yeah, t- uh, Captain to- Toad was, like, the one of the games that I really wanted to play with the Wii U. Because, um, I like, yeah, I don't... I And I, I say this on, on the episode with uh, with Nathan... Um, like puzzle games, just there aren't enough of them out there. That's there what I think is like one of the underrated um, and under underproduced <clears throat> genres. And uh, and uh, Treasure Tracker was like, oh, that looks like a really fun um, puzzle game. And I uh, I picked it up with with my Wii U and I played through the first few levels of it, but then I just stopped playing my Wii U altogether. So it's it's uh, it's one that like yeah, if I if I had more time in the day. I'd absolutely like hop in and and go back to it and 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 revisit it because I, I had a good time with it, um, but it just isn't um, on my radar of of things I need to can be playing in the in the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of games coming out now, so it's hard to go back to other games. Like I want to go back to Captain Toad myself and just replay it again, but I'm never gonna have the time to do it. Yeah. And then after that, yeah, the last really big game for me would be Smash Bros. on Wii U. And I also bought that on 3DS. And Smash is probably my number one Wii U game. 
it's the game I spent by far the most money in because I bought every DLC pack that came out, mm-hmm. every character, every outfit set, every level course, whatever. I just spent far more, far more than I thought I would on Smash this generation. But like, it's worth it because the game is fun. Uh, early on, with kind of funny, when I go to events, I would bring my Wii U or someone would bring their Wii U, and we would play Smash in the hotel room. At uh, my first RTX, where uh, my first RTX was kind of funny, basically. I had the Wii U, I would play with uh, Sean Pitts and Louis Cha-Cha-Cha, and then like one of the nights we just had an open invitation like, hey, if you want to hang out, we'll play Smash in uh, Zagreb's hotel room. And at some point, uh, we had like 16 people in there, all like hanging around playing Smash and whatnot. Uh, Sean always complained that we played eight-player Smash because it was, quote, too crazy for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just an excuse because, you know, Sean Pitts not great at the game. He sucks. He's awful. He's he's Very never gonna listen. Easy. He's never gonna listen to this. That's I mean that's probably fair. He's a little busy these days. And he's busy doing this whole IGN thing. Don't know what that is, but you know, Sean Pitts yeah. awful at the game. He says he's good at the game, and when you play against him, he looks like he's good and it looks like he's winning. But nah, he sucks. All right, I I feel like you've given me a couple things here that I might just need to clip out, like you calling Greg an asshole. I'm just gonna clip that out as like a promo for this show. You calling out Sean? I might have to clip that that segment out. I uh, feel free. <laughs> it's it's okay. If, if for whatever reason Sean is listening to this, he knows that he's like that smash. <laughs> he knows. You can talk to Jack Rooney. Jack Rooney will let you know that Sean sucks. Uh, I'm pretty sure Greg has beaten Sean in Smash. Amy Gills probably has beaten Sean in Smash, even though she's never played with you. I'm sure she could, because you know she's the queen of Ireland. There you go. Here, here, Amy Gills. Yeah, uh, Amy Gills. And we'll we'll come we'll come back to that because there is a question later in the trove topics um, okay. about okay. about your Smash RTX adventures. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. I, so I, we can, I we can circle question. back. <laughs> um, uh, cool. Uh, any uh, so anything else? Um, PS4 wise or or uh, or Xbox One wise? Did you ever get into like Gears? That's a series I've just been like introducing myself to recently and. Um, Obviously, it didn't really come up in the Xbox 360 conversation. Okay, so during the whole 360 generation, my older brother picked up Gears 1, 2, and 3, and he played through them, but I was never into it. Like, okay. I was never around when he played it. And, like, when I did ever see him play it, he was, like, far into the story. And I just, like, oh, well, I don't really care that much, so I'm not going to go into it. I didn't get into Gears until uh, recently, when Gears of 4... Uh, when Gears of War 4 came out. Like, before that game came out, I had already owned all four Gears games on my 360 digitally. Mm-hmm. So when they became backwards compatible on Xbox One, I put it in my mind, like, okay, I want to play Gears of War 4, so I'll play through all four Gears games right before then. So uh, before Gears of War 4 came out, I booted up all four of the games, played through each one, and I didn't think that I was going to like that franchise as much as I did. Because, like, Early on, uh, Gears of War 1, it's very hard. Uh, you played through Gears of War 1. The Berserkers made me want to quit the game. <laughs> yeah, okay. I fucking hate those things. And you battled three of them in the first one. And yep. it's like, oh my god, these things are insane. Like, the first time you were introduced to the Berserker, when they kill off, uh, what's his name? Carmine? That's it. Uh-huh. They kill off Carmine, and you have to encounter this Berserker in this little dungeon area. And, like, I felt legitimately scared because this thing kept yelling. It was breaking through walls, and it will one-hit kill you. 
Yeah. Like, I didn't want any part of this. And, like, when you go through the dungeon, you had to, like, make the Berserker break a wall so you can continue on. Yep. Go to the outside. It was terrifying. Then in Gears of War 2, uh, you also fight a Berserker. And it's like, God damn it, I hate these goddamn things. When you, because uh, I, like, I've, I've, I started to do the same thing. Like, I, I, when I bought the remastered Gears of War, they gave you all of the, the other yeah. ones uh, through backwards compatibility. So I was like, oh, cool. Um, so, I'll, like, before Gears 4 comes out, I'll play through them all. So I played through one, I played through two. Um, and I don't remember a Berserker in, in two, um, but I could have also just, like, forgotten that. And then I was like, well, um, I want to do this whole shooter week thing, and so I'm not going to get through three in judgment. So I'll just skip ahead to four. <laughs> and so I played four, and I'm writing up um, this week as a recording, and I'm doing uh, a week of like shooter reviews. So yeah, didn't um, you just put up Battlefield One earlier? Uh, Battlefield One was Monday. Uh, Titanfall Two was yesterday, Tuesday. Today was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Tomorrow, um, which I just need to put some finishing touches on, is. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, so that'll be right, Thursday, right. Throwback Thursday, and then Friday is uh, is Gears of War Four. So, uh, so yeah, big old big old shooter week here on TrevorTrove.com, um, uh, and yeah, like I so I just don't I don't recall the Berserker in two, but I also like my biggest issues with two were that I just felt like it was just too long. Yeah, just, like two I, was, I, I was like, my wow, least favorite. Like, this one needed to be done like four hours ago. <laughs> As far as I remember, there was only one Berserker in Gears of War 2, and it was like during this whole garden segment, where at the end of this garden, there was like this little light patch through the glass ceiling, and you had to get the Berserker to stand there in order for you to use the Hammer of Dawn on it. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I didn't realize that was there. I feel like that was, I like, I think that was in the first one. Or at least like I, like, I remember a sequence like that in the first one, where, yeah, you're in like a, you're in like a, a, planet or not a planetarium like a, a a greenhouse kind of thing and yeah you've got like glass um up top that you can get the um the the hammer of dawn shooting through but yeah like i don't i just don't remember any berserkers in in my playthrough of two but i might have just like overlooked it or yeah. be, it just forgotten about it maybe i'm wrong but i just remember I remember the I mean, game yeah, berserkers suck. absolutely yeah exactly <laughs> whenever i encountered one i would pause the game and just like stop for like 10 minutes. And like, I would go online, be like, how do I beat this thing real quick? Because I know if I don't look it up, I'm just going to keep booking around, keep dying. It's going to be very frustrating. So whenever I encountered a Berserker, I would pause the game, just like calm down for a little bit, look up, how do I kill this thing? And like, am I supposed to take it to one point? At the end of Gears of War 1, as soon as the Berserker shows up, the idea is you're supposed to blow off the cart that it's on. Mm -hmm. And like, at the very beginning of that sequence, there is a gas tank right on the cart uh, yeah. right before the Berserker. And because I knew you had to blow up the cart, I just went over there, threw a grenade right at that cart. So when the Berserker walked onto that platform, it blew up, and I didn't have to encounter it. It was the best feeling in the world. But yeah. I didn't have to fight that fucking asshole. Because it was going <laughs> to one-shot me, and I hate the Berserkers. But then you encountered them again uh, later in the series. I'm not going to spoil, but yeah. Fuck Berserkers. Yep. That's that's fair, um, yeah. Any any time you're you like you come across something like uh, there were I don't remember what it was, but there were there were definitely those things in in four too. They weren't berserkers, but they they were like the one hit kills or whatever. Oh it's god, like, yeah. I, I, I'm like I, like this just pisses me off. Like a uh, 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 
a mechanic like that where it's just like super cheap. I'm like, no, like you've, you've, you've just made me mad. This isn't fun that I like, and I'm, I'm playing Bloodborne for my, for, uh, for my, my, uh, extra life stream this weekend. So that's, I'm bad at games. This is going to suck. <laughs> um, thanks. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, okay. So, uh, so gears, uh, a little bit, you came, you kind of came into it now in the Xbox yeah, one era. Xbox yeah. When, when, uh, one of the things that was most interesting to me, like when we started meeting and interacting digitally through the kind of funny community was that, yeah, like obviously kind of funny because of Greg and Colton's Colin's heritage is much more of a, a PlayStation centric, uh, group and you were much more Xbox centric, yeah. um, in, uh, in, in, in that sense. So, um, so yeah, what else do we have on Xbox one? Um, to uh, kind of besides close out? gears, it would be like Halo five. That's the reason I bought the Xbox because I'm a huge fan of the Halo franchise. Uh, Halo master chief collection came out and it was the first time I played through two. Mm-hmm. And like I played through Halo one on the 360, the 360, I had every single Halo game except Halo two because they were all playable. And then the Xbox One, I continued that. And I got like every single game. I think Reach is on there. ODST is on there. Every Halo game, Halo Wars is on there. Uh, Spartan Assault, which is an awful game, in my opinion. Not my, not at all what you expect Halo to be. But I have it on there because I love that franchise so much. Uh, so when uh, Master Chief Collection came out, played through all that with my little brother. Because again, Halo's the franchise I play with my little brother a lot. Yeah. Then when Halo 5 came out, we played through that. I think I played through the initial campaign solo first, and then I played it again with him later. Uh, after Halo, it's just pretty much most third-party games I would play on the Xbox. Like I, When DMC got remastered, I was like, oh my god, the best DMC game. Because, you know, fuck the first four. Yep. Like, oh, this is on Xbox One, and it was my favorite, so I replayed through that. Uh, as far as the Xbox One goes, almost all of my games are digital on there. I only own two physical Xbox One games. Uh, Final Fantasy Type-0 because of the Clarkson's Edition that uh-huh. came with the episode 15 uh, Final Fantasy 15 episode Deuce demo. Yep. And then the other game is Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is a Xbox game that came from Japan that's not out in America, but it was the only like Tetris game at the time because okay. Tetris Ultimate wasn't out and I love Tetris. And also, side note, fuck Ubisoft for making Tetris Ultimate and fucking it up completely. Yeah. That game is broken. Never yep. played Tetris Ultimate. If you want to play Tetris on Xbox, you import Puyo Puyo Tetris from Japan. That's, it's fascinating to even realize that there is a Japanese-exclusive Xbox game. There is? <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's probably the most mind-blowing thing I've heard in this entire conversation. And, like, I didn't know what Puyo Puyo was, but it's basically the same thing as Tetris, except little blob things that once you connect four or so, they disappear. Instead of, like, Tetris, it's lines with Puyo Puyo. You have to connect uh, four of the same color, and there's, like, five or six different colors. So playing Puyo Puyo Tetris on my Xbox One, the game is entirely in Japanese. So, like, there's a story mode with all these Japanese characters. It's like, oh, this looks beautiful, but I have no idea what's going on. But Mm -hmm. I understand how Tetris works and I'm learning how Puyo Puyo works. So it's like a mix of both of them. 
and it's a lot of fun. I had no idea what they're talking about. I don't know what any of the menu means, but it's fun. And it turns out the real point of the game of Puyo Puyo Tetris is to build sandcastles and just build up as tall as you can. It might be. I haven't finished it yet. (laughs) There's 190 levels. I'm only like 100 in. Uh, Cool. Uh, Well, so so wrapping up then, um, uh, like 3DS Vita, um, what kind of, what do you play out there? Uh, apart from just collecting every street pass you can. I need a double check to see if they added a new one. Because oh, fucking sure. Pokemon came out. God I'm damn it. Sure, I'm sure they have. God I'm sure damn it. I'm sure you've lost your little ribbon again. I just got it back too. Oh my God. It's okay. You've got PSX in a week. Who's bringing the 3DS to PSX? Oh, like a shit ton of people. No, they're all bringing their Vitas for Nears. Nope, nope. nope. They like they know that that doesn't do shit. People bring their 3DSs. <laughs> they won't be, you know, you won't see them playing it, you know, out in the open necessarily, but they'll be there. They'll be collecting the street passes. Yeah. So, besides the street passes, uh, again, all the Pokemon games that came out on the 3DS because po- Pokemon's just my favorite franchise. Period. Next would be the Fire Emblem games, Fire Emblem Awakening and Fates. Uh, not going to get too much into that because I got into it on the earlier ones. Uh, I started playing uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. Uh, initially, when that came out, I wanted to get the Clash's Edition. But I couldn't afford it at the time, so I just got the regular one. And like, that's the Kingdom Hearts game that made me want to go back and play a few of the other ones. Because before that, the only ones I played were... Recoded, which is god awful, and no one should ever play again because it adds nothing to the Kingdom Hearts story. It's all bullshit. Yeah. And then uh, 358 Days Over 2, which is the story about Roxas. It's like Roxas is the badass. I enjoy his character far more than any other character in the game. And while playing through that game, I thought Roxas was the main character of the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Turns out it's some loser kid named Sora. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was weird, but I'm like, okay, Sora it is. So I want to play those two, and then like I played uh, 3D Dream Drop Distance, played through Sora. It's like okay, this story is super interesting. So I went back uh, to play Birth by Sleep on the uh, PSP. I had a which doesn't have like any of those characters, right? Oh, it does not. That was that was uh, that was Christian's game. (laughs) Uh huh. I had had to borrow a PSP to play that game because I like how who the fuck owns a PSP of all systems. I mean, like, a hundred million people. <laughs> well, see, not for the PSP software that was out there, I can tell you that. Yep, it's all for emulation. That's, 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 that seems to be the, the going theme, yeah. I only played two games on the PSP. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep and Riviera the Promised Land. So okay. I did not ever really use PSP at all. But yeah, I went back to play Birth by Sleep. And that's when they, that's when they had the character Ventus, who looks exactly like Roxas in every way possible. And it's like, why does this kid look like Roxas? And not his name's not Roxas. I don't understand what's going on. You play through that game and you realize, oh, uh, Ventus is someone who has a broken heart that later goes into Sora. So when Sora becomes a nobody in Kingdom Hearts 1, that creates Roxas. And so Roxas looks like Sora. And because of the heart connection, that's why Vladis looks like Sora. And it's this whole complicated thing. And you go on through all the Kingdom Hearts games. I initially played the 1.5 HD on PS3. And I didn't get 2.5 because I didn't have time. But now those games are all coming to PS4. So I'm going to get all those games on PS4. It's going to be great to play through all those again. Mm-hmm. 
then uh, I was on the 3DS, probably Smash Bros. And I think, well, I forget what it's called. It's that one uh, Japanese game that was the cross between Capcom, Sega, and someone else. Project X Zone. I played through that game. That game is insane. Okay. I, I, I am unfamiliar it, with this game. So basically, it's this project game between Bandai Namco, Capcom, and Sega, where they take all their franchises and put them into a Fire Emblem-type game. So it's all strategy, RPG-like. However, like you encounter characters from like Tales of Vesperia from Bandai Namco, uh, Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter, and like all of these thousands of characters all in this one single game. And like the entire story for this game is like, oh, there's this weird interdimensional drip rift thing that's creating a problem in the universe and all the universes are colliding together and you need to stop this somehow. But like, as you play through the game, you start to realize that all the levels take forever. Like early on, I'm level, I'm on level five doing the quest with the Tales of the Vesperia characters. And I'm playing through that level. I beat it. And I realized I spent three hours on this one level. And it's not, it's not like it's a hard level or anything, like everything's super basic, but it just takes forever. To play through Project X Zone, you need to dedicate a shitload of time to that. Mm-hmm. And it gets annoying real quick how much time you have to put into this fucking game. But you did it? Uh, yeah, I did it. And then yeah. I got uh, I got Project X Zone 2 for free through some code someone gave me. And like, I... I begin that game and I stop because like I do not have time to do this again. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, just because we can't, you know, we can't have you on gaming history talking about um, games and not go over like Criminal Girls, which is what made you a name in the kind of funny community. Yep. So Criminal Girls, what got you into Criminal Girls, and like, how how did you decide that was going to be kind of like you were going to become an expert of that to help Greg? through his Let's Play. <laughs> okay, so that's actually the beginning of what got me into the Vita. Because I didn't buy a Vita. Uh, technically, I did buy a Vita when they first came out, but I sold it like immediately afterward. Because I was like, oh, there's no game on here that I want at the time. And like, I had this sort of like mindset where I won't buy a console or a handheld until, until I know there are five games I want on it. Okay. And Criminal Girls was the, quote, fifth game. So that's when I bought the Vita. And when I first bought it, the only game I had on it was uh, Persona 4 and uh, some other game. I don't even remember. I think it was like Borderlands that came with it because it was the slim one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I... I Borderlands 2, yep. Yeah, Borderlands 2. I played through Borderlands 2 because it doesn't run well. No. But like I got it at the beginning of that year. And then I just pretty much killed time until Criminal Girls 2 or Criminal Girls 1 came out. And like I initially bought this game just as a 100% joke because my friend told me like, uh, he imported the original PSP Japanese one because that game came out in Japan on PSP only. And he imported that. He was like, oh, this is this some super stupid, silly game. He made me play it. I'm like, okay, I'll buy it on the uh, PS Vita. Why not? And that's when, at the time, I was listening to Beyond and Colin and Greg mentioned, like, oh, there's this game called Criminal Girls Invite Only. And Colin 100% dismissed the game right away. He's like, nope, I'm not getting anywhere to do this. And yep. then Greg, as a joke, said, oh, he's going to stream it. I'm like, oh, well, if Greg Miller's going to play this game, I might as well play the game too. So I buy the uh, collector's edition on the NIS website. And, like, again, this game, 100% a joke. I was never, like, into it. I'm 
like before that, I was never into it. I didn't know who any of the characters was. I didn't know the story of Criminal Girls. It's like, oh, it's just a small, stupid uh, Japanese RPG. I can play through that in like weekend. It'll be fine. And I get the game a day before it uh, was supposed to release. Because like NAS shipped it out. That way I would get on release date. Then mm-hmm. they shipped it out early. I got it the day before. So I played that Monday. The game came out on Tuesday. I played it on a Monday. And I played through the first beginning part of the game. And like the whole story for this game is uh, you're in a coma. But uh, while you're in this coma, the spirits from hell bring you down. And you're not going to hell. But... Uh, they ask you, because you have a pure heart, to guide these seven delinquents up this tower to redeem themselves. All of these girls would have been sent to hell had they done something, but they all died right before they were about to do it. So they would have been in hell, but they died right before then. So uh, they're giving a second chance at life, but you have to redeem their souls. That way, when they eventually go back to life, they're not going to do the thing that would have sent them to hell. They're going to be good girls or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you are introduced to this random cast of like four or so girls at the beginning of the game because the other girls that you encounter ran away before that and you unlock them later. So these girls have to listen to you and there's this mechanic in the game called motivation where you had to mo- motivate the girls and to do this, uh, <laughs> you had to use the PS Vita's touchscreen to either slap them or whip them or whatever. And this is a stupid perverted Japanese video game, so it gets very sexual very quickly. Yep. But this whole mechanic of the game is literally 5% of it. You only have to do it a certain number of times. You could choose to do it more if you want to, but there's no purpose to it. It has no real value to the game whatsoever. But you do this to unlock certain attacks and whatnot initially, and then that's how you get the girls to listen to you. Yeah. And then as you play through this game, you redeem all the girls' souls or whatever. Anyway, I'm playing th- through this on Monday. I get through the first three or so hours of the game. Then when Greg streams it on Tuesday, Greg's, again, on Twitch. He's with Nick Scarpino, and he's just having a fun time. So he's skipping through all the uh, whole dialogue options for the game. Yeah. So when the game sort of starts, he has no idea where he's going or what's going on or what he has to do. So in the Twitch chat, uh, I just like quickly explain like oh you are here you need to go uh left straight up then right talk to this person and then uh they'll tell you where to go next and greg uh sees my comments and then like i explain to him what's going on as well as the people in the twitch chat like oh uh this is what's going on you're in hell these girls are going to go to hell they died before that blah 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 pretty much what i explained to you i explained yeah. that to a lot of people in the twitch chat explain it to greg he understands what's going on he plays through the game, and like I help him through the first hour or so of the game. Then uh, they end the stream, everyone goes home. Uh, later that night, Greg goes back online, and he starts streaming Apatheon, which is a uh, Metroidvania-type game that came out on the PS4. Yep. And then like he was playing through that, and he says he enjoys that game. However, he like he's really tired. He doesn't want to think so much. He wants to play something mindless again. So he's like, as a joke, he's like, okay, I'm going to go back to Criminal Girls. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to Criminal Girls, and, like, I'm watching the stream, like, oh, uh, he probably doesn't know where he's going anymore. So I was helping him again. I was explaining to everyone in the chat who missed the first stream, like, oh, this is what's going on. Yeah. These are who the characters are, blah, blah, blah. And, like, again, I'm helping Greg through the next hour or so of the game. Then the next day, uh, Greg's streaming on Colin Greg Live, and I'm in the chat. Greg mentions that, oh, Colin's not feeling well. So in the chat, I said, oh, Colin, help you feel better, blah, blah, blah. Just, like, this offhand comment saying, like, oh, get better soon. Greg sees this comment. He's like, yo, this Zyger kid 
this year when I streamed Criminal Girls at like two in the afternoon. And again, when I was streaming it at like 10 at night. And I know I saw him and Colin Greg Live that morning. This Zagger kid doesn't fucking sleep. And like everyone was complimenting me in the Twitch, like, oh, good job, good job, Zagger, good job, Zagger. And then like a few moments later, uh, I noticed that the Twitch chat was a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's weird. I type in the chat and then like I have a sword about my name. I'm like, oh shit. And like, I guess Greg had said, oh, he was going to make me a mod, but I just like didn't hear that right away. I didn't notice until like I went back and rewatched the log. I'm like, oh, Greg made me a mod in the Twitch chat. I'm like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you learned and you've, yeah. been doing, you've been doing a good job since. So. And Crimmer Girls is my first ever platinum on oh, the okay. entire PlayStation Network. And I got the Platinum on the day of uh, KFL 1. Because I couldn't go because I was under 21. Right, yes. But you're not anymore. Ha-ha. Not anymore. Just turned 21. Congratulations. Uh, now I need a birthday. time machine to go back to KFL 1. Yeah. I mean, th- that, one, that one's at least got a video out, so you can watch that one. I Ooh. just re- I just realized the time machine won't work. Because the date would still say uh, 2016. I mean, wait, huh? What? (laughs) If I went back in time to KFL 1 to go to that event and they ID me, the ID is still going to say 2016. Yeah, yeah. And it's 2014 then. I just realized the whole time machine thing won't work. Yeah, no. I mean, you would have to wait like five years to the point where they're not going to card you anymore. All right. And then you just go back, you know, just go back looking like a skeezy old dude. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, any other any any final closing thoughts on your gaming history then? Um, before we we kind of move on, we've certainly broken some records here. We're nearing the three hour mark already on Ooh. the show, so this is a long one. <laughs> yeah, bringing records all day long, as, as it was going to be. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, the only yeah. closing thing I want to say is like uh, I started this generation more on Xbox One because of Greg and the kind of funny community I've been playing more on PS4. Uh, I've played Diablo, Minecraft, uh, a lot of the multiplayer games, Division, uh, Rainbow Six, Destiny, Titanfall, Overwatch, a lot more on PS4. So now I'm sort of like a Xbox One and PS4 person. Mm-hmm. I prefer Xbox One because the controller is better. I enjoy that ecosystem more, but I am playing a lot more on PS4 than I thought it would be. Right, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, so so three hours in. Let's go ahead and uh, and hit up topic two. Your favorite game, Zyger. Hit me. Okay. So, in, if you listen to the entire three-hour thing that we just did, uh, I talk about Pokemon a lot. My favorite game I'm, is pretty much the entire Pokemon franchise. But to make it more specific, I'm going to say Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yep. That's a that's I would I would concur that that is probably the the best best option that you've got uh, in in parts for something we touched on in uh, in the in the last segment you know two hours ago or whenever yeah. um, in that it's it's got the the Johto region and you go back to Kanto in it so you've got basically two games in one on those on those ones pretty much the greatest thing about Harko and Soul Silver is that like it's a pretty much game made for fans of the series like pokemon yellow was the only game that pikachu followed you in and it's like everyone loves that mechanic and in heart and soul silver they've reintroduced that mechanic with every pokemon you can have mm-hmm. any pokemon you want first pokemon in your party follow you around and it's like 
oh my god, this is amazing. And then they pretty much like remade these second gen games like 100%. It looks beautiful. All the things are there. They added a whole bunch of new things that make the game even better. You get running shoes super early on because back in the first two gen games, running shoes aren't a thing. Yep, that's uh, that that's so painful, especially going back because they re-released the originals this year on the virtual yeah. store, and and like God, everybody, yeah. everybody went back and was playing those games. I was like, those are gonna be way slower than you remember, guys. One hundred percent. I'm still like I've been replaying Red Version. And I'm still like at the fifth gym because that game is just so slow. Because no running shoes. Yeah. As a kid, I didn't care because running shoes weren't a thing until third gen. But goddamn, going back is hard. Yeah, it's uh, the. It's one of those things that, like, um, I love something like uh, Final Fantasy VII this year or last year when they when they brought the PS4 port. They made it so you can play that game at, like, three times speed. I'm like, yes, more more that, games need to do that. That you is can, amazing. Like, you know you can just kind of grind through. You know it's, gonna, it's one of those games, if you're playing it on a second playthrough or whatever, you can just turn that on and just, like, race through those battles um, rather than have to trudge through, like, the the slow start of, of especially something like Pokemon, which is so like, if you played them, if you played one, you've played them all kind of game. Um, yeah. I haven't played um, uh, the, the sun and moon that just came out. I know you have, and we can certainly, we can kind of open this up to the whole Pokemon franchise and talk about kind of what's great about this game and compared to others. But yeah, um, that's, that's, that's why I've kind of fallen off the Pokemon train is cause I'm just like, I like there's way too many of them now. <laughs> And I, I'm, I feel like I know the, the, I, I know the beats, um, uh, kind of consistently, uh, across the board on those, but back in the gold and silver. And then even when they started redoing, like when they did fire red and, and, uh, yeah. green and then heart gold and soul silver, it was like, yes, this is like, go, uh, like you're taking me back to a simpler time. I don't need to worry about the 400 Pokemon that have come out since, um, this era. Uh, right now, I can just kind of focus on like the nostalgia uh, factor here. Um, so yeah, that's that's certainly um, some some highlights there. Uh, yeah, we we I mean again we touched a lot on on heart or uh, on uh, on normal gold and silver earlier in crystal. Um, but what are some other kind of standouts of of uh, of Pokemon in general or or heart gold, uh, soul silver for you? So uh, I'm gonna focus firstly on heart gold and soul silver. It was the second. DS iterations of Pokemon, because before that was Diamond Pearl Platinum. Yep. It was the first introduction to what Pokemon on DS was like. And it's like, those were fun games, but like, they were testing out new systems, new different mechanics and whatnot. It was like, them trying to learn what they can do with the DS. With Heart Gold and Soul Silver, it was pretty much like an improved version. The menus were better, like the introduction to the game was a lot better, because Maybe I'm biased because I played the original ones, but I think Heart Gold and Soul Silver start off way better than Diamond Pearl or Platinum did. Mm-hmm. No, and then, like, again, the whole nostalgic, nostalgic thing about the games, where going through, you remember everything that you did in the previous games, but now they've added new things. They've improved how things are, like the forest area in the games after you beat the second badge. In the original game, it was this simple labyrinth path thing they had to do in the remakes it's the same path but they added a whole bunch of new stuff there are twigs like the whole farfetch mechanic in the original game uh far the farfetch that you had to catch in that forest or bring it back to the trainer you had to go through this weird 
path that didn't really make any sense. But in this game, they added like twigs that you can step on that will alert their parpets to get it to run to a certain location. Uh, the whole headbutt mechanic in the original game, uh, you can headbutt trees and Pokemon or berries will come out. In this game, they improve that. It makes it easier for you to headbutt. You are able to like check what trees are headbuttable and which ones are not and what possible Pokemon can come out. They added this whole Pokemon Marathon thing, which is like a side mini game similar to what Contest used to be, where Pokemons also have these side stats like uh, Statima, Speed, whatever, and you can use those stats to play this fun mini game that you can compete with other Pokemon and you can connect to other players in the game and just you can go battle your friends in this weird Pokemon like Olympics thing that's going on off to the side. It also has the whole global trade center where you can trade people online around the world. You can put a Pokemon on there. Say you put a baby Cyndaquil and you want a baby Totodile. You can request that and then you can possibly get all the starters that way. The whole DS versions of Pokemon introduced a bunch of new things. They're like subtle introductions that at first glance, when you look at them, it's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But as you look back, it's like, oh, this actually changes pretty much everything. And just like the original Diamond Pro Platinum, it had a system where you can grab Pokemon from your GBA game and bring yep. them onto this game. It's like, okay, so all the Pokemon I caught in Sapphire, Emerald, and Ruby, I can bring into this game as well. And that was a lot of fun to do. Yep. There was there was a... So in uh, 2008, I, was, I spent a summer uh, working at the Santa Fe Opera, and I took all of my Pokemon games and my, my DS... Um, and I like I was going to try and like and do whatever I could to do the whole catch them all thing. And I had, so I had like I had my re fire red, my leaf green, my ruby, sapphire, emerald. Um, and I had all of the DS games up to that point, which I think was up through like black and white. Um, and I was like, I can I I feel like I can probably do it all right. I think I've got every generation that you would need in that. Um, uh, and so like I would I um i tried and then i just like it it became so overwhelming that i was like nope i can't like I, I i it's it's too much for me it's it's going to kill me but um but it was it it was certainly great that like because of the duel um if you had one of the ds's that could play the game boy advance games and the um uh, the ds games you could certainly attempt um yeah it, and and you could finally do that all with now heart uh heart gold and soul silver bringing the last of the games. original um, uh, Game Boy carts that couldn't carry over from uh, Game Boy to um, to GBA era, like you could finally do that then. Yeah, like you could pull from Leaf Green and Fire Red, but the uh, thing was Jota Pokemon weren't that big, so completing the Pokedex was harder until Hard Gold and Soul Silver, when yeah. you had more access to the Jota Pokemon. But like the last time I caught them all was in fourth gen and it was a lot of work to do but i eventually did catch all 493 pokemon in those gens and then that's when they introduced fifth gen black and white it's like okay this is a lot harder now and like unlike the other ds games black and white was different in that you couldn't uh bring pokemon from the third gen third gen games in you had to bring them in through the fourth gen games and it was through this complicated system where you had to go to a area in the game, request to take Pokemon from the original games, take the game out, 
put your DS game like uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, or Platinum, whatever, in, pick the Pokemon that you want to take out, pull the game back out, put your Black or White back in, and then catch them. And it, it was far more complicated than it needed to be. But yeah. the reason they had to do that was because they needed to separate them, uh, Black and White, from the other games. Because the way that Black and White set up, it's completely separate from them. It uses an entire different system. And it's this whole complicated thing where they just couldn't network it, right? To where you can use the GTS, the Global Trade System, with that game in conjunction with the 4Gen games. It just couldn't work. And because of the 4Gen generation, the Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Diamond Pearl Platinum, the Pokedex ends at 493. If they allowed a way to connect the games to black and white, uh, it would break the Pokedex of that game. So they, they can only pull data and not uh, send it. Right. That's why they had to do this whole complicated system and, and it was and, not fun. And that, yeah, no, they, they, I mean, they'd certainly dealt with that before in like, in even just red, um, red, blue and yellow into gold, silver yeah. and crystal where it was like, okay, well you can't, it, it was that you can't send something back to the other game. That didn't um, exist back then. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's always been one of those, like, if, if they could figure out a way to, and like in this day and age, they absolutely could with like internet patches and everything. Like yep. they could absolutely moving forward with sun and moon, or even like going back to X and Y, like you could future proof those games by patching them after the fact. Um, and so even though you can't catch old Pokemon in it, you could certainly make it. So at least it recognizes that there are old Pokemon in it, but that's, I mean, that, like that goes against the business model of Pokemon right there of like, well, no, we, we want people to always buy the new games. So you see, um, that's yeah. why they did sort of feature proof it in a sense, like with the whole Pokemon bank thing, as far as any of the DS games go, you can drop any Pokemon into the Pokemon bank and then pull it out from any other Pokemon game. Yeah. So right now I have, I pretty sure I have a bunch of Pokemon in the Pokemon bank that I haven't put in sun yet, but I could. Mm -hmm. So transferring Pokemon from one game to the other games is easier, but right now I don't think there's a way to get the Sun and Moon Pokemon into the XY or Alpha Sapphire Mega Omega Ruby games. I think right now the Pokemon Bank is going through a system where it's going to transition into Sun and Moon and you can no longer like send data back to the original games. You can only send them to the bank. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, I feel like it's always been, you can only, you can't, <laughs> you can't send something from a newer generation to an older generation. Yeah. Even, even like, so you couldn't send something from Alpha, uh, Alpha, Sapphire, Ruby, whatever, whichever one that is. You couldn't send that back to like X and Y, right? Because oh, that, they, those they ones never, they, you know, could you? Yeah, okay. for, for the 3DS ones, XY, Alpha, uh, Alpha, Sapphire, and Omega Ruby, those ones you could send back, no problem. Just like with Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, they could trade with Heart, Gold, and Soul, Silver because those games were made on the same uh, pretty much database and everything. So both Pokedexes ended at 493 for the okay. DS games, and then for the 3DS games, they both ended at 5, 7, no, 631, I think. Okay. And then Sun and Moon's ending at like 790-whatever. Okay, because yeah, uh, um, and I, I like I guess I'm yeah Alpha. Well, since since Ruby and Sapphire 
were already established by the time X Y came around. Um, but yeah, like X and Y obviously don't have up through whatever the newest Sun and Moon Pokemon are. Yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't be able to send something from Sun and Moon back to to X and Y because X and Y is going to be like, I, that looks like missing no to me. Is that missing no? It could uh, be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of those things that like has always been a barrier to for me um, of being like like yeah, it would be it would be great to take my Pokemon from like the the original red and blue or whatever and and try and like carry them forward but knowing the difficulties of all that um uh just it's like uh yeah it's not worth it so it's not something i'm gonna waste my time with um, well uh the ds versions of red blue and yellow you can actually send those pokemon to the pokemon bank yeah so that's really cool yeah that's yeah that's, that's, that's completely one way mm -hmm. and that's so i mean yeah so that i feel like that's Conceivably, you could get every Pokemon into Sun and Moon, but, but you're going to do a lot of hoops. You, exactly, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do that with the those for the red, blue, and uh, and yellow, and then you're going to have to do it for um, you. You like you would have to play heart, heart, um, like all the DS ones and transfer them up and then bring them in. Yeah, it just seems like way more convoluted than I think. Like right now, like, like I'm sure I'm sure somebody's out there doing it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right but now, yeah. you can get a Pokemon from your third gen game into Sun and Moon. Mm -hmm. That's how far back you can go. You yeah. can always go forward after third gen, but you can't go back. That's a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, like I, I, so good on them for being able for for figuring that out and 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 yeah, coming up with something like the Pokemon Bank that makes that easier to do than it was back in like back in those days where you had like link cables going from every device to every device or or whatnot but yeah it's 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 one of those like that's way more work than i have time to deal with um were you ever into the ev iv stuff uh no i was not like i i learned about the ev iv stuff around fourth gen but like it was complicated like i understood the basic idea if you battle a machop and you kill it you get two ivs towards uh, your attack stat and if you continue battling more machops as soon as you level up instead of like plus two or three, it would be like plus 16 attack. And the idea is if you wanted to boost certain stats and due to a Pokemon's nature, it will have an increased chance of boosting this stat where instead of this stat, you would have a weaker defense stat if you wanted to increase your speed or whatever. Like I understand the basic idea, but it's far too complicated for me to get into. I've never been a fan of it. And like, I know it's for competitive play, but I've never been into competitive play for Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I just want to play through the games, enjoy them, have fun, play through the story, trade with my friends. I've never cared too much about EVIV stuff. Yeah, that's that's where that's I, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat. It, like even even what you're talking about is well over like what I'm aware of on the system. Oh, by the way, I meant to I meant to bring this up earlier, but in honor of you being on the show, hey. I wore the. I wear the kind of funny Pokemon shirt. It's a great um, shirt. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I pulled it out of. I finally pulled it out of the packaging to to throw it on uh, before right before we started recording. Um, but yeah, like it, just knowing that the the whole EVIB thing out there and and the the insane lengths that people go to to do the breeding and stuff. Like I never even oh, got a yeah. shiny Pokemon in any of my plays. I like I like I was like that that was like the white whale for me growing up of like there's there's like a one in 200 and some odd chance of getting a shiny Pokemon. That'll be crazy. But Never everyone happened. has red Gyarados though. I don't, I don't believe I do. 
you never played the Saint-Gen games? The which ones? Like uh, gold, silver, crystal, heart gold, soul, silver. Because like I mean, in the game, I, the I game did. gives you a red shiny. Okay. <laughs> right I, I, don't, I don't recall it then. Um, uh, or, or like I don't recall like that being a, a big thing. Um, so yeah, but that was like... So all of that just to say like when we talk about Pokemon and jokingly like refer to it as like um, baby's first RPG. It's like, sure, but it's also like you can get really in the weeds if you want 100%. to. Like it's it's in there and and it's like in the same way that like a Final Fantasy RPG, like you could get really into the weeds and and your stats in a Final Fantasy. Um, but for the most part, if you just like upgrade to the newest equipment and do like the bare bones there, you're gonna be fine. But you could certainly like overpower yourself over over level yourself and figure out how to kind of manipulate those stats if you wanted to as well so like the the baby's first rpg kind of like dismissive tone of of the pokemon franchise is like i mean for 99 percent of the people who play it sure it very much 100%. is but but the fact that like you could go super crazy with it like that's that's where I'm like, yeah, it's really not though. It's not baby's first RPG. If you're if you're only playing it as baby's first RPG, that's that's maybe on you, not the game itself, where the game is allowing you all of those things to do. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm in the same boat. Like I just like I <laughs> I know that that culture exists, and I know that they're like one of the coolest things that I think we've gotten to see um, going to to PAX all year has been maybe like the Pokemon, like the PAX Pokemon League. Oh my god, um, I love that idea so and, much. And the fact that like yeah, they like they have like volunteers that are setting themselves up as gym leaders and you can challenge them and play Pokemon with them and get badges and little pins at at packs. Like I love that there's a community out there that does that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's certainly well beyond my time with uh with the series. I, like Sun and Moon, nothing's really um bringing me back to the series. I like I I have x and y and just just because i like the completionist in me was like nope i gotta pick up Rub uh, alpha ruby or whatever like whatever the alpha and omegas are um i have those as well but i never put them in this the system so i have every pokemon game released to date, every main series um you mentioned uh, mystery I, dungeon earlier I I, like say, i never i never I, got into the the spin-offs really um i played every single pokemon game that released in north america even all the ones that's impressive. Even like Pikachu's pinball or whatever. Yeah, Pikachu's pinball. I played Troze on the DS. Troze Battle. Uh, fucking Pokemon Rumble. Rumble U. Mystery Dungeon. Uh, I played the uh, free-to-play DS games like Shuffle. And there was a battle one for that one as well. Obviously, Pokemon Go was a big one this year. Pokemon Go. Pokemon Snap. Have you caught uh, your ditto yet, by the way, on, uh, on Pokemon Go? No, there's a ditto. What? Yeah, they they the ditto just got like patched into the game. It sounds like, and people have been people like I saw people tweeting about it last night. So ditto is in the game now, and you can catch a ditto. So uh, I don't know what your plans are for PSX, but we're gonna go ditto hunting. Uh, I mean, have fun with that. I I'm I will. There's a good chance I'll just finally have deleted the app by then. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we like. We have plenty of time. We'll be there the week, Zyger. So, I'm, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure we can, like, we can do something, and you can be playing with your ditto. <laughs> I will be playing with my ditto. The one thing that annoys me about Pokemon Go, though, is that my mom is a million times better at the game than I am. 
Yeah, it's uh, my sister, like, because she still plays it. Um, she's like well surpassed me, and I'm like, good for you, good for you, getting addicted to this dumb little game that like wore out its welcome for me months ago. Literally every single day, my mom will tell me when she's gone to a gym to battle it and drop up her Pokemon so she can get more coins so she can upgrade her bag. I'm like, holy shit. You, how many gyms do you go to? And like every now and then she would just like, she'll be driving. She'll notice there's a gym nearby. She'll like park her car on the side of the road just to battle this gym and everything. Like you are really dedicated to this game. She has more Pokemon than I do. She has more coins than I do. She's a higher level than I am. I did that a little bit at the beginning. Like I, yeah, I passed by, I, I passed by a couple gyms on my way home from uh, from work, and so I would like I had I had my route to and from work shifted, basically, so I could swing by and just kind of slide um, Pokestops as I was uh, like slowly driving because like there's a there's a park, and so yeah, don't don't Pokemon and drive, but I was totally Pokemon and driving. But I it was like I'm in a ten mile an hour like like dip zone where I just, I drive by the park and I, I can swipe like three, three Pokestops on my way in that little batch and just like replenish my Pokeballs for the day or whatever. I'm pretty sure um, everyone's doing then, the same thing. And then I would do, um, and then yeah, I would just kind of like, uh, if, if I was doing like a prolonged thing of like trying to catch Pokemon or trying to go to a gym or something, I definitely pulled over and stopped. But, um, but yeah, it was at, like, there were a couple of gyms on my way home that I would like, Oh, like I'll swing into this church parking lot, stop, try and do the gym thing, um, and then like drive, continue on the drive, and hope that by the time I got to the next gym, nobody else had like kicked me out of the last gym, which happened all the time back then. Yeah. Um, but now I imagine it is a much like I imagine things have settled down somewhat, and so you can get like yeah, I I lot. find I first um uh, like I first opened the app back up just a few days ago and was like. Like I stopped by a gym, um, by uh, like on my walk to lunch, basically, and uh, I was like, "Well, a two thousand CP Dragonite is like at the bottom rung of this gym, and all of my like Pokemon are like fourteen hundred at max." I'm like, "Well, I'm probably like uh, very underprepared for this, but but let's try it." And so yeah, it was just like, uh, um, like there are certainly people that continued on with that game, and I am not one of them. Yeah, but the last time I actively played it was probably when we were in Seattle for PAX West. Uh-huh. And it was really just me and Keely just going around catching things as we went to wherever we were walking to. Like when you walk to the uh, Space Needle thing, we played it on the way there. We played it on the way to the convention center every now and then. Yep. We were just casually checking to see if there's a Pokemon nearby. But like that was the last time I actively played Pokemon Go. Like every now and then I'll open the launch or I'll launch the app because my mom would be like, hey, there's a gym nearby. I need you to battle with me because we're on the same team. Team Valor, best team. Fuck you, Mystic. But, That's uh, fine. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, so... Well, I, I disagree, but I also think that the whole, like, Team Mystic best team is also stupid, even though I'm on Team Mystic. <laughs> nah, team Valor is the best team. Fuck you. And then, but, yeah. And, and then Team Insight, Instinct, whatever. Instinct, yeah. Them, them yellow ones. Uh, like the there was a running gag where I just kept saying the wrong thing and not realizing yeah, it, and that. nobody else realized it either. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um. So uh. So just real real quick. Um. Uh, I mean, we can certainly kind of continue on on Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um. But like, what are your thoughts on Sun and Moon? Or because you're playing Moon? No, I'm playing Sun. You're playing Sun. Kaylee's got Moon. Yep. 
Okay. What do you so? How, what are your thoughts on on Sun so far? So I'm not like that far into the game. I just made it to the third island, and to my knowledge, there are four islands, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just going based off what I played so far, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's very different than when the traditional Pokemon game, because like if you've played a main series Pokemon game, you know the basic. Oh, you get a starter Pokemon. Here's the map of the region. You go get eight badges. There's a bad organization that's trying to do something to the legendary Pokemon. Your job is to stop them once you encounter them. And it's like the basic story of you starting off as this kid who just moved to this town with her mom because apparently your dad doesn't exist in like almost all the games. Yep. You only get a, de- a dad in the third gen games, but like you're and, a and- new kid. What? And the dad's the a gym leader in that, yep. in that at that gym, right? Yeah, like the the first gym you encounter, but you're not like allowed to battle enough to to battle. Yeah, that's I like I I I've almost I'd almost forgotten that even. Yeah, he has a slacking that's super powerful. And it's annoying, but yeah, that the first time you ever get a dad, you have to battle him. But yeah, you're this new kid, and the basic story is you're a new kid, you're in this new town, you got to save the world, and then become the Pokemon League champion. But in Sun and Moon, you're again, you're the new kid. You don't have a dad. Your mom is sleeping with a Meowth, apparently. That's weird. But uh, it's, it's a thing. But okay. uh, you're on this island, and you meet the professor, and you meet some kid. They're like, oh, you guys should do the island trials together. And basically, the island trials are what are replacing the gyms. Yeah. Basic, the basic story for this game is like there are no gyms in this region. However, they're going to start building them up. But until then, they're just the traditional island challenges that they're eventually going to turn into gyms. But for what you're playing as in the story, you're doing the island trials with your kid friend. I think his name is Hal or something. I don't really pay attention much to him. He's not, in my opinion, he's not that likable. He's just very annoying. But you also have this girl character whose name is like Lenny. No, something with an L. I don't remember. You'll you see her every now and then, and she has this Pokemon with her. It's like this blue cloud thing, and you see her all the time. And she keeps telling you, "I'm not a Pokemon trainer, so I don't battle. I don't like battling." But Nebby, which is the nickname for this Pokemon, I don't know what the Pokemon's called because, like, they mentioned it like three or four times, but I just don't remember it. But it's nicknamed Nebby because that's what the girl calls them. It's like, oh, Nebby wants to go to the ancient ruins, so I'm going to take Nebby to the ancient ruins. I'm like, you are accident prone. You always get yourself into danger. You don't know directions well. You get lost everywhere you go. Every time you try to do something, you fail completely. Let me escort you there. I was, was going to say, so, so you see her as a kindred spirit. Okay. Pretty much. And like the entire time, every time you see her, she's like, oh, I'm going to go to the ruins. I'm going to go to this. And then like, uh, you go to where she's supposed to be. The, the professor's there is like, yo, I lost my assistant again. I have no idea where she is. And then you have to find her and she's always in danger. Like, oh, Nebby got out of the backpack because uh, she cares about Nebby. So she puts Nebby in this backpack all the time. And whenever Nebby's out of the backpack, she gets mad at Nebby. But Nebby's like a Pokemon. It doesn't give a shit. So it's off doing whatever the fuck it wants to do. And Nebby's in trouble. It gets attacked by Spearows. You have to like throw yourself to save Nebby through all of this. And then like, She's just around, and I'm pretty sure she's connected to the main bad guys in some way because you encounter one of the bad guys, Gideon, and it's, he looks pretty much just like a male version of her. So I'm assuming they're brother and sister. 
but yeah, my main thoughts on the game is if you played original Pokemon and you played this game, they're like very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've played through the Pokemon, you know the whole HM things like fly, cut, serve, yep. strength. In this game, they don't have HMs. Yep. All of those attacks still exist, but they're TMs. And uh, every time you go through a certain set of uh, trials, you get a little gear thing on your watch that lets you summon Pokemon. These Pokemon take the place for those HMs. For example, instead of teaching your Pokemon Surf so you can surf around the water or whatnot, you get a Lapras that will just take you wherever you want to go. Right. So you no longer need to have HMs on your team. You don't need to force a Pokemon to learn strength that you never want to use. You know, the, the HM slave mentality is completely removed because you have this gadget that will just summon Pokemon. If you want to fly, you just call Charizard. If you want to surf, you call Lapras. If you want to break boulders, you call Taurus. And as the game progresses, you get more and more of those. Like right now, the last one I unlocked was Charizard. So I can now fly back to past areas of the game that yeah. I visited. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the, I think, one of the strongest things that they've just needed to do for a long time. Right. But it also, it's one of those things where I'm like, that's going to make it even harder to try and like take any of the, like to, to retroactively bring other, like the other games forward or whatever, because you do, you are locked into HMs and, and stuff in those older games. So it's like, like if, if you bring a character with cut into this game, can you like change cut? Can you like overwrite cut because you don't really need it anymore? What's like, that's, I don't I, I'm certainly curious about that kind of, um, that kind of stuff or is it still like nope it's sorry they're there it's locked in for this so like i could be completely wrong i'm just speculating here but like with pokemon games the hms and teams are coded differently to where hms are moves that you cannot delete right through normal senses unless you go to a move deleter but uh, if, every... if cut is a tm in this game um you know in theory you could you could have a you could teach it a character cut in sun and moon and you could have a character from red come over with cut and does it still read it as a tm in sun and moon or does it read it as the hm that it was originally assigned as you see that's what i was going to continue on with like i think it's going to register it as an hm because of the way it's coded because in uh, previous games like let's say the third gen games there was an hm called dive dive wasn't a thing in fourth gen Right. So whenever you wanted to transfer Pokemon from your third gen games to fourth gen and it had an HM move, the game will tell you, hey, you cannot transfer this Pokemon because it has an HM. Uh, that's right, I remember that. Delete the HMs. So you have to take it to the move deleters to get rid of the HMs and then transfer them over. Same thing when you go from fourth gen to fifth gen. If a Pokemon had an HM, the game will tell you like, hey, this Pokemon has an HM. You got to get rid of it. Otherwise, it can't be transferred over. So yeah. you, you have to go to delete the HMs, transfer it over, same thing onto 6th gen. So I assume with this game, since they got rid of HMs completely, they Nintendo got tired of trying to fix this code. So now from here on out, it's going to be these PokePals that will do the HMs for you, while the normal attacks are just normal attacks. There are no, there's no longer HMs. That way they don't have to figure out this problem every single time. So this might be the last time where uh, transferring from sixth gen to seventh gen, you have to delete the HMs. Yeah, that's a that that certainly I'm sure would uh, would make their lives a little easier. Cool. Um, any uh, any kind of any other things you want to touch on with 
Pokemon in general or Heart Heart Gold Soul Silver in particular? Did you ever do with Heart Gold and Soul Silver? Did you do like the Poke Walker or whatever, the little walking? Yes, I actually have one of those I like, right over there. But like the Poke Walker thing was a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it. It was one of the first things that like made me go outside while I played Pokemon and walk around like my neighborhood and everything, because you just put a Pokemon in there and you walk around and the steps you can encounter more Pokemon, catch them, get yep. items, level it up, and like early on, uh, as you know in Pokemon you can only carry six Pokemon, so I would get a seventh Pokemon that I wanted to train up and just put it in the Pokewalker, and as I walked around I would train it as well because I couldn't train it along with the other six. Yep. So that was my way to have a quote seventh Pokemon. But yeah, the Pokey Walker was a neat feature. Too bad they only used it in Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yeah. Yep. But as far as Pokemon in general, uh, I think Pokemon's like the one franchise that like pushes Nintendo to do weird things. For example, with the Nintendo 64, it had that battery or not battery pack. It had that little back component where you can connect your Game Boy Color games to the 64. Mm-hmm. The only game that had any significance for that was Pokemon and, like, I think Wario. Because there was a Wario game on the 64 that connected to the Game Boy Color Wario. But, like, no one remembers that. Yeah. It's mostly meant for Pokemon. Yep. I mean, it's the same same with, like, the link cables and, and whatnot. Um, exactly. Or, like, the... I, like, I remember two games where you could, you could connect the Game Boy Advance to your GameCube. One of them was uh-huh. the Pokemon, and then the other was, uh, was like, the Zeldas. You could, uh, you could have... What, like you could or you could you'd be playing wind waker and you could have your game boy advance connected and it would be like tingles little map yep. or whatever on your game boy advance um so yeah it was it's like pokemon seemed to be the like the driving force for some of that kind of cross um innovation uh certainly over the years but yeah like it, like you said and like we've touched on before like it also only ever seemed to be like pokemon was the like, yeah, they like, experimented with other games, like you said, the whole Tingle thing, but eventually they just dropped it off since Pokemon was the only one that needed it. Yeah, it was it it very much it was one of those like Nintendo gimmicks that was a gimmick for Pokemon and only Pokemon. Uh it, which like that's why everybody I think has thought like, oh, the gamepad, you're gonna make a Pokemon Snap game with that, right? right? Like that's that seems to be the only reason to for the gamepad to exist, and then it, it has never the happened. On it. <laughs> and it's like, then why the hell was this a thing? <laughs> uh, oh, Nintendo. Yeah, like you said with the GameCube thing, it had that adapter. So in order to make more money off that, besides of Pokemon, they put the disc in so you can play any Game Boy Advance game on your television through that disc. Yeah, so that was neat. But again, that whole drive thing was made specifically for Pokemon, you can tell. And then they try to put it into other games like Wind Waker. Uh, there was like one other game that I remember used that, but it didn't use it well, and it always typically broke. So they just completely dropped support for that. I think I, maybe Crystal Chronicles, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles was another one. Maybe. I feel like that was a like that was a Final Fantasy game I had on the GameCube, and I just never really played it because it was much more of a like a multiplayer kind of yeah. game. Um, like I tried playing it as a single player. It was like, no, it's, you're not really going to do well if you're just playing this by yourself. So maybe that had some some cross functionality, but I don't remember. Possibly, I I think that uh, Legends of the Four Swords was also like that. Yeah. Where you could play with the GameCube controller, or you can play with your Game Boy Advance through this whole system thing that they had set up. Yeah. Yeah. That was the oh oh Nintendo. Yeah, and then we'll see what you're doing with the Switch. <laughs> yeah, and then for the Wii, 
they connected the DS Pokemons to the Wii Pokemon uh, Battle Revolution and the Pokemon Ranch games. And I'm pretty sure those were the only games ever to connect the DS to the Wii. Because uh, from my understanding, the team that developed the Wii and the team that developed the DS were two separate teams, never once connecting. And then like when the issue of Pokemon came up, they wanted the two teams to work together to make some way to do it. And it took a lot of work, a lot of coding, a lot of overnights, whatever, but they eventually got it to work for Battle Revolution and Ranch. And then they said never again. So they never did it with any other game. Yeah. And when they made the Wii U and the 3DS, they wanted to fix that issue where the two consoles can talk more to each other. But again, it sort of dropped the ball on that. The only game that does that is uh, Smash Bros. Yep. Like there's not even a 3D or a Wii U Pokemon that connects to the 3DS version of Pokemon. So Wii U dropped the ball on the whole connectivity of Pokemon. So that's why with the NX, they want this whole hybrid console. It's a mobile, it's a handheld, it's console. Like the reason I think that NX is going to work is because Nintendo wanted to have done that before with the Wii and then the Wii U, but they dropped the ball on it every single time. That's and so I mean that's that's where I, you say like they wanted to do it. I'm like if they wanted to do it, they could have done it. And they didn't, and so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the switch kind of plays out, and and if it is, like if, because if it ends up being like, yep, the switch is out now, so we're not doing anything on, the, you know, the Wii U's dead and the 3DS is dead, so all of our teams are going to work on the switch now. Um, it certainly means that like you're going to be getting more regular um, content on the switch, which is the I think the problem with that's like, what they need to do with Nintendo now is that. Like the Wii U just gets so few games, and the 3DS gets so few games. I mean, the 3DS gets way more um, because they've got you know a little bit more in the ways of development, but um, like because you don't have third-party support like bolstering everything, it would be like if you had only um, you know only PlayStation first-party games on the Vita and the PS4. Nobody else would be playing the PlayStation and the Vita. Well, already nobody's playing the Vita, but nobody would be playing the PS4 if we were only relying on the the first party games that always get delayed. Um, yeah. Uh, be, but because you know they have ample third party support, there's you never feel like there's nothing to play on the PlayStation, even though you're not playing PlayStation specific games necessarily. So, whereas Nintendo without that third party support, it's and like I know there have been. You know, Alex has written up some good things on this. Alex O'Neill has written up some some interesting, like, no, the problem with the Wii was not the lack of third-party support. Um, that's one of those places where he and I differ on it, but uh, but he's certainly kind of proposed some good arguments as to um, kind of why third-party support doesn't matter necessarily for Nintendo. And I certainly agree that third-party support will never be the focus of Nintendo these days. No. Um, it's good, but it's not. But yeah, the the if they're going to continue kind of blazing their own trail, they at least need to provide more content for that trail as they blaze it um, to keep people engaged in it. And I think that's where where maybe the switch will will hopefully find uh, find some footing. So yeah, um, awesome. Any any last thoughts, closing thoughts on on Pokemon? Charizard is the best Pokemon. Period. That's about okay. It. That's Charizard. Eh? It's, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a good. That is a that is a good. Why is Charizard the best? Um, it was technically my first. Well, not technically, but it's like it was the first starter that I really loved because, like I told you earlier, Pokemon Crystal was my first mainstream Pokemon game. So I got Typhlosion through that. But 
I love Charizard way more than Typhlosion in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And as a little kid, I thought Charizard was a dragon type. He's not a dragon type. He doesn't turn into a dragon until fifth gen. But uh, Charizard was always just the coolest looking one. And it's like, I can't understand why anyone would pick anything other than Charizard. There's Blastoise and Venusaur. Not many people pick Venusaur. Blastoise, he's badass and all. He's really cool. But Charizard is like a motherfucking almost dragon. Yep. No, I'm with I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I certainly did the thing where like I would get all of the starters by trading yep. with my sister and stuff. Um, but Charizard was always like the one that I would make my own um so that it would always obey me and even if even if the other ones were leveling up faster because of the the you know yeah, the the boost or whatever um like the charizard was always mine um or the charmander then charmeleon then charizard so i i can agree i can i can support that um also shiny charizard is black and that's super cool well suck it suck <laughs> it you and your shiny charizard um so cool. what's what's the worst pokemon uh jinx jinx yeah okay i, I was gonna go with jinx. like the set of keys one yo kefling is the homie okay no it's yes. a set of goddamn keys it's a fairy type it's a steel type yes it's a set of keys but have you ever lost your keys and wondered where they went kefling um, he's got your back he has your keys he will open the door for you it's great i mean if Sora ever came into the Pokemon universe for Kingdom Hearts, he's like, yo, I need to find the Kingdom key. He's going to go to Kefling out of all the Pokemon. Kefling's going to know what Sora's talking about. He's going to be the homie. They're going to hook up. They're going to be like, okay, we're going to go on this magical adventure. He's going to have a Kefling Keyblade. It's going to be great. All right. Well, when, when thanks to you and your, your adamant support of the keychain Pokemon, uh, we end up getting the belly lint pokemon because of how out of ideas they are gonna gonna chuck that one up i'm just gonna name that one zyger in any playthrough that i do okay when the belly lint pokemon comes out it's gonna be the best pokemon ever nope probably not no it's gonna be god awful it's gonna be that weird thing where it's like this pokemon smells funny weird gross yuck it will be a poison type pokemon yeah um cool uh i I can at least support you on the charizard thing i think i think jinx i i mean i guess i can see it i feel like jinx gets a bad rap just because of like some of the like outside of the game and well even in the game like uh, like the controversy surrounding jinx a little bit um i think uh she gets a she gets a she had she had a rough go of it in the early days um i was just I mean, never like, a fan of that pokemon it looked too human i mean like <laughs> oh, okay but mr mime is fine no mr mime no. is the creepy one to me he he is creepy he's got those hands though he's got the hands but jinx though is creepy as shit okay uh well then moving on to uh topic three uh, the getting to know you topic you want to talk about kind of drawing your animation your cartooning um so yeah like let's talk about how you got into how you got into drawing and animation because you do some you certainly do some some great work um one of my favorites uh and i'm certainly biased in this is the zyger out of 10 drawing um, yeah, that was fun yeah uh so yeah how did you get into into kind of animation and and cartooning and and drawing when did you start kind of just being so, like oh, i like drawing 
it's fun. As a kid growing up, my main thing was video games. But another thing about me growing up was uh, cartoons. Like I didn't necessarily like watching television. I didn't like watching like live action stuff, uh, Seinfeld or whatever other shows are back on during the early days of television. If it wasn't a cartoon, I didn't watch it. <laughs> the early days of television, back in the 1990s. Yes. Seinfeld so old. I don't know how old Seinfeld is. I just That was the first thing that came to mind. Like, that's a live-action show I've never watched before. There's Dr. House. He's a thing. Yep, that was that was certainly also a thing. I feel like that was a series Full House. in the 2000s. Full House was a thing. Full House was certainly older. Yeah, you're getting a little older there. I mean, so, you're yeah. still not reaching, like, I Love Lucy era or... Or the honeymooners, which you, I'm sure, don't even know was a thing. I I know I love Lucy because I love Lucy was on before The Simpsons, and I would have to sit like through five minutes of I love Lucy to get to The Simpsons. Okay. But uh, yeah, as a kid growing up, if it wasn't a cartoon, I wasn't going to watch it. And I think there was like there, w- there might have been like one exception that I don't even remember what it was at the time. But yeah, growing up, I always loved cartoons. And like when my dad would ask me what I want to be when I grow up, I say I would always answer mad scientist because I thought that was a cool job or whatever. Then I found out science is hard. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, I want to make cartoons for a living. That's what I want to do. And then my mom would say, can you draw? I'm like, of course I can. Then I would get a piece of paper and realize I can't draw for shit. Okay. So uh, growing up as a kid, I would watch cartoons. Like as a little kid, my favorite artist was uh, Butch Hartman, who did the Fairly Odd Parents on Nickelodeon. He also did Danny Phantom. And then, like, later in his career, he did another show on Nickelodeon called Tough Puppy. And, like, it's just ba- super basic cartoons. The animation's super simple. Uh, it's not complex at all. So, like, growing up, I would watch a lot of his cartoons, and I would draw, try to draw, like, him. And uh, in the early days of Nickelodeon, they had this segment like in between TV shows, like in between the commercials section and whatnot, where they would bring an artist who did a Nickelodeon cartoon and he would draw the main character in just with a Sharpie. Yep. So like every now and then they would have Butch Hartman on and he would draw Danny Phantom or Timmy Turner or any of the other characters that he has in his show. And like just watching him like in 30 seconds, draw his character, super simple and easy. It was like, as a little kid that like blew my mind. So I would watch those on YouTube. Like, like I told you, my mom didn't let me use the computer at much. So I would try to tell her, oh, it's for homework. I need to draw this, blah, blah, blah. So I would just rewatch those videos of Butch Hartman drawing Danny Phantom or Timmy Turner. And like, I would try to mimic him completely. And it never really worked well, but like I did it anyway. And as a kid uh, in class, I typically like, daydream not pay attention sketch in my notebook a lot and uh in i think it was fifth grade i met a girl named daniela who moved from uh north northern california and she's studying for like a summer or so there and she was an artist like she actually knew how to draw and whatnot so i watched her draw during like recess and everything i was just like talk to her like hey how do you make art how do I do this? Like I would point at her drawings and like, it's this amazing drawing of like a bunch of Disney cartoons and whatnot. I was like, how can I do this? She's like, oh, well just do it. I'm like, but how? Like I would try to mimic how she drew stuff and it just didn't work out. I'm like, how do you do this? But I can't do that. She's like, okay, we'll draw a line. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, just draw a straight line. 
And like, that was the first thing I learned to do, draw a straight line. First time I did it in front of her, it wasn't straight. It was like a little curve. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, step one, learn how to draw a straight line for once. <laughs> and then she like gave me a rule. She's like, here, start using this. And then like, uh, she taught me for like two or three weeks and I got a little better, but it wasn't until um, the beginning of high school in ninth grade when I took an art class. My teacher, Mr. Hicks, uh, he started the class and said, okay, what do you think your drawing level is? He gave you a grade scale from like one to 10. And he told you to draw a picture of Frankenstein. And then like, after you drew the picture, he, he would answer like two or three questions. And then the scale came up. It was like, okay, where do you think your drawing level is at on a scale from one to 10? And I wrote like 2.5. Cause like I knew how to, if I drew something and anyone looked at it, they would know what it was. Like if I drew a dog, people would look at it like, okay, that is a dog. It's an ugly dog, but they would know it's a dog. Like, okay, so I'm not awful, but I'm not at all great. So everyone turns their thing in and then he's like, okay, so this is what you think your level is at. At the end of this class, your level is going to go up by seven. Whatever you think it is, it's going to go up by seven. I'm like, okay, so on a scale from one to 10, if I think I'm at 2.5, I'm going to go from 2.5 to a 9.5. Like, that's kind of bullshit. That's no way it's going to happen. And he said, it's going to happen. So at the beginning of the class, uh, we did cartooning. He's like, oh, this is the one thing I love to do. So like the first things we would draw would be like Looney Tunes. And like he would demonstrate a way that we can just learn to draw off reference. Like we didn't draw off the top of our heads or memory or anything. We just based off reference at first. So he would show us a picture of a Looney Tunes character on a small sheet of paper. He's like, okay, your goal is to draw this character at the, by the end of class. And we're like, how the fuck are we going to do this? And we just had to like look at the character, sketch it, whatever, and it looked awful. Then the next day, he's like, okay, we're going to do the same thing, but this time this is how you're going to do it. He drew like a grid on top of the Looney Tunes character. And it's like one of those things that you would see in coloring books. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so in this box, you draw this. This box, you draw that. And like we spent like two or three weeks doing this with various cartoon characters, going from like simple Looney Tunes to like more complex characters, characters of shading, whatnot. And like I got better the more we did it. And like I think because it was in a class environment where I had to focus an hour or two of drawing, I got better over time. Then later in the year, we did more complex drawings. We did stuff with pastel painting. Uh, we did a three week segment on sculpting at the end of the year. But like that art class made me more comfortable with drawing. In general, that first semester that we did mostly just pencil based drawing. So late as high school went on, I continued to draw more in my notebook. And then in, uh, I think it was like the next year, I took a computer graphics and design class. My teacher was Mr. Watkins, and he's by far my favorite teacher in that entire school. So Mr. Watkins is teaching, uh, it's actually 11th grade, so not 10th grade. But yeah, anyway, he's teaching us uh, graphic design, and then he gives us all a notebook. And we all look at this notebook like, what do we need this for? It's this computer class. Like, every single week, you're going to, I'm going to give you a topic. It could be anything I want, and you're going to draw in one page of your notebook, and at the end of the week, you're going to turn it in, and you're going to get a grade on it. And, like, the first week, it was, like, school. It was, like, okay, so on the first page, week one, you had to draw pictures throughout the week of something that reminds you of school. And, like, every week, uh, he would give us a new topic. And if we didn't draw something, he would uh, discipline us to, be like, okay, you didn't draw, so you can't use the computer for the day. And you had to spend the rest of the time drawing. Like, every week, he could give us something new. 
And like the reason he did it was in order for you to get better at graphic design, you need to know how to just draw or think of think of complex whatever he wants you to draw and be able to put it on paper without having to look on the internet for reference images or anything. Right. So uh, he said, if we wanted to become better artists, we just had to continue to do it and want to do it. And like, as the school year progressed, uh, whenever something new came up on the board for us to draw for that week, uh, I actually started getting more into it. It's like, okay, I'm getting better at drawing. I'm getting tens on every single week. Uh, this week we're drawing this, whatever. Like, okay, I have a bit, few basic ideas of what I want to draw for it. And like, he has no rules for it. It's just draw whatever this word makes you think of. And then like halfway through the semester, uh, he would start giving us topics. Like uh, one of the topics was cars. And uh, it reminded me of a picture I saw of a car driving through a ceiling. I don't know why that was the first thing I thought of, but I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna draw that, but how do I draw that without making it look weird? So I turned that into a quote comic. So basically it's a comic of me and at the time my friend Eric, not my brother Eric, but a different friend named Eric, just okay. talking about going to a movie theater and uh, we needed to borrow his car. But he says uh, he can't use his car because he crashed it. And I said, well, how the fuck did you crash your car? And in the comic, we're walking outside and he points to the ceiling of his head he's like, that's how. And like, uh, Mr. Walkins said like, oh, this comic's actually really funny. You should do more of these. And then from that point on, every time you would draw a word up there, I would have, I put a challenge on myself like, okay, how do I put this into a comic? And that's when I started like making more funnier jokes. And uh, we did like 10 of those until the school semester ended. But yeah, uh, Mr. Walkins pretty much made me draw every week for like an assignment just like Mr. Hicks did and in turn that helped me with computer design when I would draw things on the computer or make something in Photoshop I would have easier ideas or things would come into my head that I wanted to do and see if I could try to do and uh, basically he made me better at thinking about drawing whereas Mr. Hicks made me better at drawing itself Mr. Walkins made me think about what I was drawing so those two classes helped me a whole lot. Yeah. And then, nice. yeah, so when it came to actually like drawing in graphic design, uh, I have a tablet that I use. It's like a Wacom tablet. No, yeah, Wacom bamboo tablet. And just drawing on that, it's complicated. It's not like drawing pencil on paper. It's very different. And like at first it was super jarring because I'm always used to drawing on paper and pencil. It just makes sense to me. But drawing on a tablet, it's different. You don't get the feel of the paper. You don't have the weight of the pencil. And you can't typically erase. Everything's a lot more smoother, I guess. But it doesn't feel natural. And uh, depending on the pen they use, each pen has different pressure levels. If you want a good pen that has or that feels more like a pencil, it would need to have like 1,224 uh, different levels of pressure, whereas the standard normal ones typically only come up like 200 something. So it, depending on the pen you use, it can help or not help how you draw. But uh, lately, my tablet has since not worked well. So for the drawing that I did for like the Zagreb 10, and the Pokemon drawings that I drew for uh, Kaylee and one that had you in it mm -hmm. and a few other ones, I've been using the uh, little trackpad on my laptop. And 
drawing on a trackpad on your laptop is super high, and I do not recommend that at all. Yeah, I hate just using the trackpad on my laptop just just in general. I, I think it sucks. I could not imagine trying to actually like draw something with it. Yeah, trying to draw a line on the trackpad, it's impossible. However, um, that's if you're using Photoshop. Uh, lately, I've been using more of Adobe Illustrator, which is a program that I learned to use from Mr. Watkins. Basically, it's similar to Photoshop. The main difference is that Photoshop uses pixels, uh, whereas Illustrator uses vectors. Basically, Illustrator is more math-based. So when you draw a line in Photoshop, it's just a bunch of random pixels in a certain order that you can sort of manipulate, but the manipulation tools are weak on that. With Illustrator, you can draw a line and it uses map to create the line. And that map, you can manipulate however way you want. So I can't draw a straight line to save my life in Photoshop. However, in Illustrator, I can draw a line and manipulate it how I want. So I would draw rough sketches on paper. I would transfer those paper designs into Photoshop, create like a basic template outline of what I want it to be. Then I'll plug that into Illustrator and redraw it there. So for the Zyger out of 10 drawing that I did for you, for example, uh, I drew that on a piece of paper just because I was bored and because I thought that whole thing was funny. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, Zyger out of 10. So I took a picture of that and sent it to like my email or something. So I had it on my laptop. I put that in Photoshop and just like did a rough drawing of it using the trackpad. And it looked okay because I was using reference on top of it. I was just drawing on top of that picture, but it didn't look great. So I put that into Illustrator and then redrew the lines and because you can do map it's pretty much using the pen tool you drop uh at one point of the line and the other point of the line and then you use the little tools to bend and shape the line however way you want mm -hmm. and then just do that throughout the entire drawing and you would just have a simple drawing and then uh you just add in colors where you want them to be nice. so for that Zagrad 10 drawing it took me like roughly an hour to do cool and then uh, other drawings I did, like the Pokemon ones, uh, the one drawing I did for Alex O'Neill, those would typically take longer to do because they're more complex. But that Zygar Ad 10 was just like a simple cartoon thing that yeah. I just did as a joke. But uh, that has since blown up, and now it's a big thing. And I love it. <laughs> we made a meme. Woo! We did make a meme. And then uh, Joey Noel, shout out to her, gave me a great idea to... Uh, take out the text in the little sign that says Zagara 10 and just give her like a blank canvas so she can write whatever she wants in it. Uh -huh. And like one of the things I sent to her as a joke is uh, send nudes. And like we were, we were talking yep. about Tinder and it was like, okay, so if I ever make a Tinder profile, I'm just going to have this as one of my images. Sidebar, I'm never going to make a Tinder because I, it's not for me. I don't like it. But uh <laughs> We, I made that image, and then uh, that's been circulating around between like a per, like our group of friends lately. This has a joke, but uh, yeah, Joey says she's going to start using the blank canvas one and just typing whatever text that she wants into it. I gave her the original file for it and everything. So she hasn't done it, anything with it yet, but like she has that, and like she's thinking uh, for PSX, I wanted to make pins and everything, and she said I should make one of those. Uh, pin except the text inside would be like happy 21st birthday or psx or something along yeah. those lines and i thought about doing it and i was originally going to do it but uh the company that would make the pins wouldn't get it to me in time for psx mm. so i put the money towards something else instead 
Well, maybe for maybe maybe for kind of funny live three. For kind of funny live three, there will be something. That is a fact. Okay. I, I haven't figured it out yet, but there's going to be something. And uh, as far as drawings go, I actually have a drawing that I'm working on now that I need to finish before PSX, and you're going to be involved in it. You don't know exactly what how exactly you will be involved, but you will be. I mean, you and, mentioned you mentioned such a drawing to me, like did like, I? Like six months ago, I feel like, yeah. Okay, so it's like probably, you, it's you probably the same thing. You definitely mentioned something going into PSX, um, and I'm sure I could, if I go through like our messages together, I'm sure I could find what it was about. But it's certainly, it is certainly like I have been forgot. I have forgotten about it because like right after that was when you like you posted the the image of or the the like the Pokemon image of me, you, and Kaylee with with our uh, assorted Pokemon or whatever. And I was like, is that what you're talking about? Um, but that was not what you were talking about at the, nah. at the time. Like I had it was, this. It was idea. a bigger, bigger version of that, if I recall correctly. It's in a sense, like it was originally, it was going to be this huge, big thing that I wanted to do, but I just don't have enough time to do it. So now it's going to be a little smaller thing. However, mm -hmm. it's still, in my opinion, more grander thing than that drawing that I did with uh, you, me, Kaylee, and a certain Pokemon that we would like. I gave one of us a starter, and then one Pokemon that we like from that generation. But uh, for this next drawing that I'm working on, uh, I had ideas for this for like six or so months. Like ever since KFL 2, I had this idea that I wanted to do to get it done before Christmas. And the idea would be to get it done before PSX and then uh, have people involved in the drawing sign like a message on the back. Yeah. It's going to be a gift for a friend. But yeah, uh, right now uh, I have a draft for it done that i finished like a month ago and i think i've only showed like two people that draft i can show it to you later actually okay. it's actually on my laptop so i have to show it to you tomorrow okay but it's this in my opinion it's really great and i can't wait to like get the main work for it done because like right now it's just a concept design that i had pulled up i'm going to start doing it a lot more uh in the coming days because i need to finish it before psx yeah. and time is running out there yeah well, no, I, I, I mean, if it's if if it's like what I'm starting to kind of like recall us talking about, um, then I think it's I think it'll be a very exciting project. So um, I look forward to to seeing what you've got uh, come come PSX in a in a like yeah we're like I'm I will be I like we will be in the hotel a week from now. <laughs> we will be hanging out uh, just so you what, and me those first couple days. What time are you getting there on Wednesday? Uh, I get in at like nine o'clock, I think. Uh, at night at night yeah i'm basically like i'm hopping on a plane like straight after work i think um yeah, so i think I've... it's like seven o'clock and then, so i think with the time difference now i think i'll be touching down around nine or like I'll, or t i'm touching down at eight maybe and getting to the hotel probably around nine we can that's that doesn't need to be covered in the show so we can we can touch base on that after we're done recording though but yes yeah, um, i was i was gonna say i won't be getting there till late but if you're not gonna be there till late it's gonna be great that it's gonna work it's gonna work out yeah. Yeah, we'll be fine. Um, so other other things on drawing, yeah, like I like my, I grew up. Um, so my mom, like I, I doodled uh, a lot and and have, like I remember very similar kind of art class stories, like you like you've touched on of like yeah draw like okay take your drawing and now just break it out into a grid and now focus on that little grid thing and that's and like and so yeah you can do that kind of stuff. My mom would do like she. Like she knew I loved The Simpsons, and she knew I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and Mario and and Legend of Zelda, like Nintendo stuff growing up. And she would actually do really cool stuff. Like she would basically 
um, like copy from a reference kind of and and like draw something out. And then we had like um, a bandsaw and she would like, she could like carve out like the drawing and then like, uh, so she could carve out the shape of the drawing. So like I had a Bart um, or a, a like a Michelangelo from the turtles um, in wood form uh, that she would then That's paint, cool. paint the appropriate color and, and whatnot. And like, she would, she turned it into a clock. Like I had, I had these like meticulously artistically crafted things that my mom did. And it was like, it's, it's something that just event, like she just stopped doing at some point, but like, I still have those memories and it like, it sparked in me kind of that kind of drawing and creativity. So I would, I would do sketches and doodles and stuff. And I, um, I had to do in like middle school, um, we had like a fake newspaper product or something project that we had to do. And I did a, um, I did a, a cartoon of like, I made my own Simpsons cartoon um, and, and drew it out and basically like used, you know, drawings and stuff as reference point and just kind of doodled out and was like, okay, here's Bart and Millhouse making a prank call to Mo in the tavern. And uh, it was, it was even like the, the joke was basically, um, is Juan there? Yeah, Juan Cerveza. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that like, it was a dumb, stupid little joke, but it was like, yeah, I, I had like a little six panel strip out of it. Um, uh, and, and yeah, like I, I, so I love, I love drawing as well and just kind of doodling, but I certainly don't, don't do it to the, to the extent that I think that, that you've, you've shown. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's something I, I always wish I could do better. And in the same way that like, yeah, you just, you got better by doing it just like I've been like, I've gotten better at writing by doing it. Um, it's just not something I prioritize to, to do. So yeah, that's, that's like, it's a fascinating thing. Um, how much, I mean, how much do you get to kind of draw and doodle and, and, and sketch and stuff? Is, like, is it something that you try, you try and find time for, or is it just kind of a, it more hobby ish than, than any kind of interest or like regular pursuit? Right now, it's more like a hobbyist thing where I will do it if I have time. And uh, for certain projects, like the one I plan to do for BSX, I will make the time to do it since I have an idea for when I, how I want to present it and whatnot. But otherwise, I would just mostly draw in my spare time, usually at school or when I'm helping out my dad at one of the stores that he has and it's a little slow, I'll get a, a paper and a pen and I'll just draw some random doodle. Like uh, a few weeks ago, it was like comic book day or Batman day or whatever. So I was reading Batman comics and like everyone knows Batman's the world's greatest detective or whatnot. And, like as a joke to one of my friends, I said, nah, Batman's not the greatest detective. Uh, the greatest detective ever is the uh, great detective Pikachu. Because that game's gonna come out sometime next year. It's like no, Pikachu's by far the greatest detective ever made. And like we made a joke, like oh, uh, Batman versus the great detective Pikachu. And I, like I drew a little cover of a comic book for this fake comic that we're never gonna end up doing. But like uh, I would just draw whatever like random thing pops into my head and see what I can do with it. Uh, most of the time when I'm drawing, it's usually at school when. Uh, the teachers telling us things that we need to pay attention to, and I'm not because you know I don't listen to teachers. Because because Zyger. Exactly. So I'll just doodle on like a piece of paper or whatever. Uh, most of the time, like growing up in high school, if there was an opportunity to draw for school, I would take it. 
it mostly applied to my Spanish class at, when we learned new vocabulary words. At the beginning of each section, uh, she would give us like 20 words and we would have to draw a picture for each word. But I took it a step further and I made uh, an entire scene because like each, all the words were related somehow like fruits, activities or whatnot. So on the back of a sheet of paper, I would just draw this entire scene with all of these things like hidden inside it, like where's Waldo thing. And like next to each object, I'll put the word in Spanish. And like my Spanish teacher at the time never saw anything like this before because people put in the minimum amount of work as they can. Just write the word five times, the definition, draw a little picture off to the side, be done with it. So when uh, she would ever see my vocab list for the week, she would just see all the words. And when I was like, where's your drawing? I'm like, oh, turn the page around. And she would see this. And my Spanish teacher is a type of teacher that likes to show off to the rest of the class. So uh, whenever we did the vocab list, we would see everyone's drawing in the class. So every week we would see all the kids' drawings in order and everything. And mine would always be like near the end. And like my teacher started like bragging and like telling all the other kids that they need to set their game up. Whenever my drawing came up, it's like, okay, now it's time for you all to be ashamed of yourselves. And then she would flip the page around. It's this big scene like at that time, I was big into drawing comics, so I would draw like comic characters and whatnot, just hanging around with all whatever activities, and like it's this big thing. And like she ends up giving them all back at like the following week or whatever, with the grid and whatnot. But she would always ask to keep mine. I'm like, okay, yeah, you can keep. It. I don't care. I'm just gonna throw it away anyway. And again, in Spanish, we would have like poster projects where I would draw big things on the posters, and then she would ask to keep it, whatnot. And then like the next school year, when I walk by that classroom like along the window you would see all the drawings i did throughout the last year and she just hangs them all up just to show them off because for whatever reason she's very proud of all that nice and like uh one one week we had a project where we had to make a poster for like uh advertising good activities that you can do and whatnot so i drew comics similar to the recipe comics that they used to do by luke mckay so i drew the Teeth characters because again i was big university doing all of these quote healthy activities and at the very end of this little poster is a little panel with Gus from Rooster Teeth playing Halo and Bernie unplugging it saying in Spanish you should be outside playing more not playing video games and then it's like oh this is just a little side joke thing but uh, that poster has been on the school window in her classroom since forever like since now she's taken down all the vocab ones but she keeps that one on there because it was the best one it's in color it's the one I spent the most time on and everything. But like, yeah, she would post all those drawings off. And then in any other class, when I'm given an opportunity to draw, I'll take it rather than writing an essay. Uh, one of my favorite projects was in history class. I had a god awful teacher, fucking Miss Hagen or something. I fucking hated her. She hated me. It was obvious. But one week uh, we had to write an essay on like uh, the World War II. And she was like, okay, you need to do a creative essay it's an essay that includes creative elements from other aspects of education such as drawings videos of whatever you want to do and i'm like can i just do a 15 page comic about world war ii and she's like if you wanted to do that instead of drawing a picture on your essay go ahead so she gave me permission to not do an essay but draw like a 15 page comic on world war ii and me being who i am i made it somewhat funny and like I would put in a joke whenever I can. And like that was the highest grade I ever got in her class. 
Nice. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's very cool. Did your like and how have your parents kind of like supported this over the years? Did they, you know, they ever since it seems like that's probably where you, where, like, you're not necessarily a like you don't focus in school and stuff necessarily, or it's that's that kind of like the standard school environment seems to kind of not um, uh, not interest you, not not perk anything uh, in your head versus like. Maybe if you like, if you had been in an art school or something where you were kind of able to do more of those kinds of things, did that did that did those kinds of conversations ever come up, or was it just kind of go to school, go to deal with school, and then you can do whatever you you know whatever you want later in life? So uh, during high school, my mom would notice that I'd be drawing a lot more, and she would she liked my drawing. She wanted me to improve and whatnot, and she would go to like stores and buy me special pens, like pens that have different fine points, like 1.1, 1.5, 1.7, so on. Like she would buy me special manga, uh, ma yeah, manga pens because I liked anime. And at that time I was also drawing along with cartoons, more anime type stuff. It's like here, these special pens will work for this and this. You can do shading a lot better. And uh, she was always supportive. She would buy me drawing notebooks and whatnot. She's like, oh, you really like this? well it's a lot less expensive than video games so here you go and like my mom was always supportive of things that i was into as long as it wasn't illegal so she would never want she would buy me a video game rather than let me go out on the streets and like get drugs or whatever like i was never into that sort of stuff yeah. never at all because she's always been like oh you like video games focus on video games don't do anything illegal don't get in trouble don't ever 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 again get brought home by a cop one time was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was this whole thing where she's like, yeah, as long as you're not doing anything illegal or anything that will be a disgrace to the family, she was supportive of. And like, okay, well, my drawing's just me having fun and whatnot. So during high school, she was supportive of that. And like around senior year, there was talks of like colleges and whatnot. She's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to get a design in, gra or not design, I want to get a degree in graphic design. Uh, mostly for uh, computer graphics design, like Photoshop, Illustrator, drawing comics and whatnot. And the uh, minor would be in 3D animation because during high school, I also took uh, 3D animation classes. So I've made scenes and models and whatnot in uh, Maya and stuff that I've rigged and other stuff. I can, I've made short animations of like a uh, TIE fighter from Star Wars dropping bombs on a landscape, uh, a little dog thing riding a scooter because why not? So I was like, uh, yeah, my, what I wanted to do was uh, Mr. Watkins was big with Disney and DreamWorks. And he has this program where he, uh, he took a few of the seniors that year to go to DreamWorks and Fullerton to talk about potential colleges and whatnot. So the college I wanted to go to was Fullerton. But at the mm -hmm. time I was like, I was still trying to figure things out of my life, what I wanted to do, whatnot. But that was where I was heading. So when it came to talks for colleges and whatnot, she was very supportive. Like, if you want to go to Fullerton to learn about animation, because that's what I wanted to do, go on ahead. And then, like, as uh, senior year went on, I looked more into animation, and it was a lot of work. And I had more fun making YouTube videos with my friends. So, like, I kind of want to do this whole YouTube thing instead. But she was also supportive of that. She helped me get a camera and whatnot. But, like, she knew that drawing meant a lot to me, but it was not something I might have wanted to pursue as a goal in my life. 
like she knew I liked it, but yeah, it wasn't like something I would want to do for the rest of my life. So by the time colleges went around, I said I would rather just go to community college for now. It's a lot cheaper. I pay five hundred a semester in total. I don't mm-hmm. pay the twenty thousand dollars that other kids have to pay because yep. of the. Uh, I guess the whoever was running the section of the California I live in passed this one bill that made my specific school far cheaper, even though it's the exact same classes as any other school in the state. It's far less cheaper for us to do it. So it's like, I might as well get as many classes as I can here done. And lately I've been doing them a lot slower. I've been taking my time because I've been focusing on going to events, traveling, making connections and whatnot, building a future outside of school. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right now I'm still just a normal community college student who just so happens to have an amazing internet life. Yeah, there you go. around doing stuff. Has, uh, have you given your, your love of, of like rooster teeth and, and, uh, and animation, have you thought about maybe trying to merge since animation is so big for them with, with stuff like Ruby and camp camp? Um, have you like, are, are, have you talked to Andy and been like, Hey, like Andy from rooster teeth, can you hook, have, can you hook me up? So before, uh, I knew kind of funny and Andy and everything. I wanted to work for Rooster Teeth, specifically Achievement Hunter and do video editing for them. So during senior year of high school, I taught myself video editing stuff. And like, I would go to my teacher, Mr. Watkins, since he was my favorite teacher in the entire school, like, hey, what do I need to do to learn video editing better? It could help with animation stuff. And he was like, okay, this is everything you need to know. You just go to these websites, talk to these teachers. They'll teach you what you need to know, blah, blah, blah. So during senior year, I learned more video production stuff. And during my, I think my first year of community college student or community college, that's when Kind of Funny started. That's when I started talking to uh, Maximum Cortez, AKA Andy, who is now from Recitive. However, when I started talking to Andy, he and I were both just fans. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember having conversations with Andy, like, one day I want to work for Rooster Teeth. One day I want to work for Team Hunter. And uh, we were like, okay, we're going to help each other out, blah, 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 whenever we can. And I was telling him, like, I wanted to move to Austin and study at UT in Austin so I can get into the uh, program there for uh, video production stuff. And uh, they do this whole local TV channel thing that they have. And a lot of those people work with Rooster Teeth a lot. So like, okay. I want to go to UT in Austin, go into this program so I can get in good with diversity people, and then maybe I can get hired through that. Then Andy's whole thing was uh, he worked for Richard Garriott, who does video game design, and uh, they make video games, and he wants to do animation work for Rooster Teeth. That's what, uh, at the time, that's what he was doing. And, like, he showed me this uh, short animation clip that he's worked on for Kind of Funny, which is now the Kind of Funny Gamescast intro. Mm-hmm. So before Andy was Andy from Rooster Teeth, he started working on that. And like, I saw the first few seconds and it got up to the point where um, I think it's make, Eric Holland with the Mega Man Buster. It goes, it starts off with Tim, then it goes on the Mega Man, then the animation stopped there because he wasn't being paid to work on this. It was just something he did in his spare time. Yeah. So yeah, uh, when I eventually did meet Andy for the first time, he was still Andy the fan, not Andy the uh, Andy from Rooster Teeth. So uh, I got to hang out with him, found out that he draws a lot better than I ever could. And like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to do the thing in Austin that I wanted to do. And I'm probably not going to get hired by Achievement Hunter. However, 
I still want to do video production work and I really like kind of funny. So that's my goal for right now. Not necessarily to do animation. Like mm-hmm. animation is like a fun side thing that I know somewhat how to do, but I've never been big into it. Like I've never made a huge animation thing that uh, I would show to the world or anything. I like video editing. I like helping backend stuff or productions. So my goal for right now is to not necessarily get hired as a personality or anything because I don't care about being in front of the camera or anything, but like I want to take care of backend stuff or kind of funny community events, video editing, uh, audio editing, more of the backend server stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, be, be a little bit, be, be Kevin support. More or less. And then uh, as time went on, I uh, got more familiar with the people at IGN. Now uh, I'm friends with Fran Marabella and Dustin McGeary. And uh, at one point, they were hiring uh, video editors for IGN. And Dustin makes a tweet. And I think it was like my friend, the future, who was also named Trevor, Trevor Sanders. Yeah. Uh, he says, oh, Zachary, you should do this. I'm like, oh, I would love to, but I don't have anything to show him. Then Dustin like tweets at me, posts like, send me your YouTube link and a resume right now. I'm like, oh, okay. And then like, uh, I ended up being busy that weekend, so I didn't get to email him the resume or whatnot. But like, they know who I am, and like, I had plans to do more video editing stuff this year that just sort of fell through. But mm-hmm. I want to pick them all back up next year and start doing my own video stuff. That way, I can show people that like, oh, I can edit a video, I can do all this stuff, and like, I may not have experienced years of uh, years of experience doing all this, but like, I know how to video edit it or video edit, I know how to do all of these things, what all these terms mean, I can get things done, whatnot, and I want to start doing that in the coming year. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and that's, I mean, doing it is is certainly, as, as you know, Greg will always say, doing it is basically, like, half the battle. Um, yeah. You know, you want it, like, I, I, I look at it, um, and I look at, like, all of the opportunities I've had, like, in my career career, um, so like outside of gaming, it, it's it's been like every every salary job I've had, I got in in part because of who I knew. Um, it was like my, my first job. It was a guy I had worked with at Sam's Club years ago. He was looking for somebody and, and we like we had just happened to catch up and he was like, hey, yeah, we're looking for for somebody to fill this job, you know, apply if you're interested. And so it was like the fact that I knew him was what got me in the door and the fact that I could do the job and, and was competent with it was what like gave me the, the opportunity and gave me the job. And it's been kind of that since I, like I then went to a theater company and, and it, like I knew people who worked there and interviewed me. Um, and so like my name, because they knew who I was, got me kind of in the door. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's like, it's, you've already done that, that, oftentimes like the really hard work um, where, you know, there, there are a ton of people out there who are writing as much as I am or editing as much as you might, or uh, like doing, doing the stuff, but the fact that like they're doing it maybe in a vacuum or, and, and aren't able to make it out and go and like get their face in front of somebody. um, Certainly um, like that there, that is absolutely a part of kind of making the networking um, of, of especially in, in like an industry like this, it is kind of getting out there, letting them know who you are and reminding them who you are and, and kind of being a constant presence, I guess a little bit, yeah. but then also being able to show and say, 
oh yeah, like sure, I'm like yes, you've seen me at like three or four events this year, and here's a year's worth of content that I've been putting together every day. So like I'm not just you know out here super fan. Like I'm also doing this in my spare time, and um, and yeah, like the the so the fact that like Destin and Fran and Kyle and and IGN people know you certainly absolutely like is is um like probably the the biggest hurdle to get over now you just need to actually like do the work and have and have something to show them um one of my friends will also say like um she'll like her her whole philosophy is like would they want to have a drink with you and i'm like yeah i think they would and she's like well then they're going to hire you at some point because they're you know they're going to like they you want to surround yourself with people that you enjoy being around um, so it's like, okay, well, now I just need to go out and have drinks with Marty and Andrew and, and whatnot. And that's like, that's literally what happened when, uh, like we were having drinks at PAX West when Andrew was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get you set up with, uh, with freelance. And I was like, awesome, cool. Yay. <laughs> but now I can have drinks. There you, and yeah, exactly. Now, now you can go out and have drinks and, and hang out with these people and, and they will, you know, they'll, they'll say eventually, Oh yeah, come and come and do some uh, some editing work, or or uh, I mean, especially if you're in the area. Like that's, I mean, that's certainly one of the the great things that Barrett had going for him. I'm sure, um, in in his uh, position now that he's uh, he's kind of there um, as as like seasonal overhire doing like video capture stuff. The fact that he was in San Francisco, like meant he could get that job that I I couldn't qualify for. <laughs> so yeah, it's certainly. Um, like I, I wish you the best in in uh, in making that happen, and just get out there and do it, and find find the time when you can to um, to to create that that skill set and and exercise it um, if that's what you're what you're looking to do. Yeah, like uh, as you were saying, the whole getting to know these people in the industry thing. I didn't realize I was doing that until probably PAX South when we had that IGN meetup, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't hit me that I was making these connections with people. Like I was just 100% doing it just for fun. The uh, art chase before that, PSX, and then like PAX South, I was just hanging out with friends. And then it didn't dawn on me until like shortly after PAX South, like, oh, those IGN guys actually kind of liked me. And like, I didn't think about it before, but like all the connections I have with Alfredo, Steimer, everyone are kind of funny. And then uh, through those people, I've met other people through IGN, like Kyle. I met Kyle through Alfredo and a bunch of other people. It's like, oh, I consider all these guys my friends, but I've never thought about it as making a connection, sort of speak. Mm-hmm. But now that I sort of have this connection, uh, I want to be able to like do something to prove that, like, hey, I'm not just some kid. Yeah, no, I mean, and the the like the fact that you're out there and you're like, you're you're in everybody's Twitch chat and you're you're moderating for Steimer and for Fran and and for all those people and for Alfredo. It's it's like you're you're proving to them already that you're valuable um, in that capacity. Um, so like, just show them that you like, and that's like that's something I look at and like when I see people like Megan Sullivan streaming or like vince going on and streaming i'm like i wish i had the time to like go and just hop in that stream and just chat with them and be and be like become better friends with them in that regard um as like through their twitch streams as opposed to the limited interactions we have on twitter or seeing them occasionally when when i go out for like a tour or something in the office like i would like that's that's certainly like you're not putting your face out there in front of them but like they know who zyger is 
when yeah. you're when you're kind of in in there and and, uh, and engaging um, at that level. And that's certainly something that just it for for like the generation that I am just isn't like that's that's not how I'm gonna make those connections. Um, I am gonna be more prone to like go out and do a face to face meeting and 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 visit with those people as opposed to um, you know hopping in a random Twitch chat when I'm like, because that always happens, like when I'm trying to catch up on gaming or to write something or to put together a video or something like that. So, um, so yeah, no, the fact that you like you have the the availability to to do that and you are kind of getting your name out there, even if it's the name of Zyger, um, uh, it's it's certainly a. I think it's more valuable than you might recognize. Yeah, like the whole what you were saying just now. That's how I met Greg through internet Twitch chat. Yeah. I've never talked to uh, him in person before. I've seen him in person before, but he was very tall and very shirtless, and I was too nervous to say hi. Yep, that's that's the Greg Miller. Yeah, and then when I did finally get to see him, he knew who I was, and like that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, yeah, like you, like you and like Amy, like you guys proved yourselves in the community as helpful people. So when he finally like got to meet you guys, that was an exciting moment for him because he realizes all that you guys are doing for, for them. Um, uh, and in a way that, uh, like he, he isn't able to reward and thank necessarily. Um, so like that excitement is what he can provide for you guys and and getting to see you and give you hugs and all that stuff, um, is, is certainly, um, like, what, I mean, that's that's one of the things I love about Greg in particular is is how um, effusive he is in trying to share his joy and his excitement and his understanding of the work that the mods do, the Twitch mods do, and the admins do. And I like I know he beats himself up on on not always being able to express it or being able to acknowledge it as as frequently as he'd like to. Um, but when you do get moments like that, like meeting you or like meeting Amy at at Kind of Funny Live too this year. Um, those are just like very beautiful moments to witness. When I met Greg, he was giving out mints after he saw me. He gave his 3DS and holding Greg's 3DS and he told me to get him street passes and whatnot. But I just think it was really weird that Greg gave me his 3DS even though he's never met me in person. Mm-hmm. And like I could walk out with his 3DS and he probably won't notice for a while. But that would have been like a really long con yeah. <laughs> of like all of the time and, and effort you put in just to get Greg's 3DS. Oh man, that's a, that's, that would be a bold strategy to, to try and, uh, to try and do that. Um, we've kind of, we've kind of veered away from, from cartooning and animation and stuff a little bit. Are there any kind of final thoughts uh, that you want to kind of hit on there or uh, before we dive into uh, Trophy Dogs? By the way, like we've already hit a record, I'm sure. I'm pretty like, I'm, like 99 percent certain this is this is already the longest show and we haven't even gotten to our our abundance of trove topics yet so congrats there zyger yeah um, record breaker yeah no absolutely i mean like it's great chatting with you and catching up we're, we're going to get the guinness uh record for longest podcast that's what that's what we're aiming for that's i mean i'm i like I, I'd, I'd have to check that. Like, I, I'll, I'll be curious to see what kind of, like, it's basically me and Irrational Passions at this point um, for the four-hour show. Uh, and, and yeah, we're, we're pushing four and a half already. So, um, 
yeah, any any final thoughts on on kind of cartooning animation? Um, it sounds like you're kind of looking to keep it more hobby focused than necessarily making a career out of it at this point. But um, yeah, anything yeah. else? Um, nothing else right now. Just like you said, mostly just hobby stuff. And right now, I mentioned earlier, I'm doing the drawing for PSX, and I hope to draw more next year. But most of next year, I'm going to be aiming towards video production stuff. Cool, makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. If, if if that's if that's where the if that's where the career opportunities lie, that's certainly like what I would uh, I would encourage you to kind of focus on if that's what you're looking for. And that's it, like, and I say that as somebody who, you know, I've I've stepped back from publishing writing every day because I recognize that that's not the I I need to be doing more with the video stuff to to kind of expand that skill set myself. So um, so yeah, I gotta walk the walk kind of. Um, yeah experience show show them you can do it and then they'll give you the opportunity cool all right well um here at uh at four and a half hours in let's dive into topic four trove topics um this is where uh the audience can kind of chime in be a be a part of the show by tweeting at me at snarky starkey or at the show at trove talk and use the hashtag trove topics we're mostly just keep an eye out for whenever I tweet that I'm doing this and then, you know, throw in some questions there. Um, up first, we have uh, Brandon Gann at GamesGann, who comes in with a, with a, a three-part thing right up front of uh, making up for missing last week with two questions. First, what is your game of the year as of now? And then um, second part of that is what's one game, what's the one game at PSX you want to play after seeing and visiting all your friends, of course? And then his third out of two tweets is uh, not a question, just wanted to wish both of you and all listening a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Brandon. Now a week late, uh, as of as of when this is when you're actually hearing this. Thanksgiving um, is tomorrow. It's Thanksgiving is tomorrow. It's it's today for for me. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's today for you in 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> by by the time we're done, it will be. I will be wishing you a happy Thanksgiving for real. Yeah. Um, as as we record this. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, so game of the year so far, and what PSX game are uh, are we looking forward to? Um, uh, for me, uh, I'll do a whole game of the year kind of wrap up uh, at the end of the year, and I know both of us are kind of maybe in talks with Alex to do Rational Passions game of the year stuff. Yay, exception! Yay, exceptions! Uh, well, I mean, I'm actually. No, not you. Me, I'm yeah. the exception. Yeah, you exception. So, uh, so I don't have I, I don't have like a, a game of the year locked in yet. Um, but I was looking at kind of the eighty plus games I've played this year so far, and I've got kind of like a short list of things like The Witness, Stardew Valley, Uncharted Four, of course. Um, I really enjoyed Headlander. Uh, it was a nice. fun, fun Adult Swim Metroidvania that came out this year, and Doom was a great shooter. Um, so those are kind of. Those are certainly on my on my short list right now, but then I, I like I will go through the full list of eighty and basically rank all of the stuff I've got out there. So how about you? What do you have as uh, as game of the year stuff right now? So I want like Pokemon Sun and Moon's definitely on the radar for game of the year, but I'm not done with it yet. So I'm not comfortable giving it my game of the year right now. I want to play through more of that. Uh, a game I anticipate will be on my game of the year list will be Final Fantasy XV, but that's not out yet, so I'm not going to give it to that. As mm -hmm. of right now, I think my game of the year would be Gears of War 4 because it was it was a game I played with my little brother because like I played all four Gears games before that on my own, 
But then when Gears of War 4 came, I played with my little brother and we just had fun going through that entire campaign together. And it was like the more most enjoyable experience I had all year in recent memory that I can think of. Uh, other than Gears of War 4, probably Overwatch I had a lot of fun with. Cool. And like those are the games that just popped in my head like right away when I think of game of the year. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are the games I would need to look at what I played this year. But like as of right now, the top three would be Pokemon, Overwatch, and uh, Gears of War Four. Cool, very cool. Um, and then uh, what's uh, what's a game at PSX you want to play? Okay, so I think it came out today, but they had like a list of 96 different games. Yep. That were playable at PSX. I haven't looked through like all of it. But I know Persona Five is on it, so I'm thinking yep. Persona Five. Yeah, that's that's on my on my list. Uh, yeah, the the yeah, because the the article says like 100 plus games at PSX, and then the list only has 96. And it's like, okay, like are you just saying there's 100 plus games, and some of them that are going to be there, you just aren't announcing? Um, Possibly, because it seems like a weird like I'm like this isn't 100 games here. Um, uh, and then like a lot of them on that list are games that are already out. Like a lot of it's yeah. PSVR stuff that they're just trying to continually keep uh, get get that in people's hands so they'll actually go out and, and buy PSVR I'm sure. But yeah, Persona 5's on on my list of things I'm interested in playing there. Um Ukulele, even though I never played yep. like the banjo games. Um I uh, like I, that too. Um and uh and and Greg talks about this and I've seen it at like various events and it's something that's certainly been on my radar since seeing it I think at last year's PSX is a game called Y2K Postmodern RPG. Um seems like kind of a spiritual successor to like the earthbound type of like um kind of pop culture rpg game um so yeah those are those are a few things that are on on my list of uh what i'm hoping to check out there at a uh, psx um do, 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 do. Yeah, for me it's just persona and ukulele cool um up next uh bart jacasa at bart jacasa j-a-k-a-s-a uh asks your thoughts on playstation all-stars and if a sequel will happen um i didn't play playstation all All stars too much i got like i have it and i have it i think on ps3 and vita um uh but i like i didn't yeah i didn't spend too much time with it especially because i'm like not a fighter person all that much and i'm not a like i'm not a multiplayer person either um i think they'll eventually do a sequel uh but they'll probably like I mean, especially like because now you'll get things like Knack in there and and uh, and, need, right? and Delson from uh, from Second Son and um, I don't know like Until Dawn creepy the girl guy from or Horizon. Like the girl from Horizon, I'm sure, will certainly be kind of in there and uh, like the the Order people. Like, I mean, there's there's certainly a new cast of characters that you could add to it and kind of flesh out that roster. I'm sure. Um, uh, it'll. I don't. Like I feel like it'll it'll be a much smaller thing when they do it because I think they over over not over promised but that like people expected more from it um, so yep. they would definitely try and keep it like a smaller like it would probably be like a like it's like it feels like the kind of thing they would like license out to an indie game studio to make and so maybe you'd see like an eight bit or a sixteen bit um, like PlayStation Network downloadable all-stars 2 where like everybody's just like they're demaking all of these characters but you're still getting them all into like a fighting game uh, i think that would be like one of the most interesting options that you could do with it how about you what do you think of of playstation all-stars uh so i mentioned that i bought a ps3 for the last of us 
the PS3 I bought was from Amazon and it came with PlayStation All-Stars and like some other collection of games that I never played because it wasn't PlayStation All-Stars. So I got the game free with my PS3 and the voucher was for a PS3 uh, version of the game and that gave me a Vita version. So I played it on both PS3 and Vita. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only ever heard about PlayStation All-Stars before I played it. So when I played it, I thought it would be similar to Smash. And I'm sure many people compared it to Smash. Yeah. I've seen hundreds of different things about people comparing it to Smash. And yeah, all the all the characters in PlayStation All-Stars also have their own games, Zyger. Yeah, it, it is just like Smash in that regard. It, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> and the big difference between uh, Smash and that game is that in my opinion, All-Stars doesn't do a great job of telling you where these characters are from. Like, there's this character, Spike. He looks like Yugi Moto from Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, I have no idea what game you're from. But mm-hmm. uh, he, was a, he was a fun character to use. But uh, the only character I ever cared about was Dante from DMC. <laughs> and, like, he was the only one I really, like, played and got good with. But as far as PlayStation All-Stars in general go, I wasn't that big a fan. Like, I played it. I had it. It was enjoyable. I still have it on my Vita. I haven't deleted it yet. And again, every now and then when I'm bored, I'll just, and I have my Vita on me, and I know I have like five to ten minutes, I'll just play a round or two of that. As far as a sequel will go, people are rumoring that it's going to come, there's going to be some PSX announcement. I don't think they're going to do it at PSX this year. Maybe next year. I think it's too soon. Yeah, like I, I certainly feel like it's, it, it does. It hasn't been gone far enough, gone long enough for like people to really be wanting it back. Um, but I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe they would. Like that. May, maybe that would be it. I mean, because a PSX is certainly the place you would announce that. Yeah. Um, like that's not that's not going to be an E3 announcement. That is something that you would save for a PSX, for like the diehard fans, the diehard PlayStation fans. Um, so yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, uh, Brandon uh, comes back in again at GamesGan with um, uh, what terrible movies are you going to watch that I've heard so much about um, uh, talking about the what PSX movie, what bad movies we'll be watching at PSX. Do you have anything on the radar? Have you already been talking with Frank about what you guys are going to make me suffer through? Okay, so I need to talk to both Frank and Kaylee about this because they are the ones who pick the movies mostly. Uh, I don't know if we have anything in, in mind. Uh, both Frank and Kelly aren't going to be there as long as we are. So mm. if it's going to be a movie night, I know uh, we have plans Saturday night that we can't talk about. Uh, possibly on Sunday before uh, Kelly flies out, we might watch a movie. We might not watch a movie. You might be safe this time around. We don't know yet. As of this recording, there are no plans for a cheap, uh, cheesy horror movie that's awful that we're going to watch together. But you know, we can, we we can make something work. Yeah, cool. Um, Angel Urbina at V Silent Angel asks, "Where does Zyger come from?" I've heard the story a handful of times, but for those that have not, go ahead and uh, and tell the Zyger story. So in middle school, I was in my uh, science class. It was like I think we we're studying biology, and we we're doing this whole thing with genes and learning uh, evolution and whatnot. So me and my friend Mario were like, "Yo." This is very boring. Let's just draw tigers. So we drew a tiger and uh, we gave it a green and black pattern and we give it like sharp razor claws like Wolverine. 
And it's basically like a scientifically engineered tiger that's badass, mega, awesome, whatnot. And we decided to name it X-Tiger. And shortly after we named it that, we realized X-Tiger was a stupid name. So we took the uh, tiger part out, put the X in, and changed the I to a Y. So it was Zyger. And like we thought we were being so original with this. Turns out, if you Google the word Zyger, it's actually a city in Germany. Hmm. So one of my goals in life is to go to Zyger and take over that town. I, I thought you were going to say, I, like, I own one, this town. I thought one of your goals was going to be to be the first thing that comes up when you Google Zyger. <laughs> I mean, I haven't Googled myself in a long time. I'm pretty sure if you Google Zyger now, I'm one of the top results. Probably not the top result because, you know, the city kind of more important than the person. But, like, my goal is to go to Zyger and own it. I'd be like, yo, this town is named after me now. That's just how it's going to work. I own everyone here. This is Germany. You guys don't really have an option in this. The last mean, four, four, one and two. It's okay. Like yeah, don't uh, like don't 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 go and be a dictator in Germany. That's that doesn't that doesn't pan out well historically speaking. Historically speaking, you're right. It hasn't panned out well, but it's okay because unlike the dictators of the past, I'm adorable. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Sean White at Real Sean White asks uh, favorite Thanksgiving dish and least favorite. Um, I'll, I'll uh, I can go first. Um, my favorite is we have a in in our family we have a, a like a special potato recipe we call Aunt Char's potatoes um, based on a recipe from my aunt Char, uh, and it's basically like diced potatoes with like sour cream and cream of onion uh, like. Or, uh, yeah, cream of onion soup, I think, or something like that. Um, lots of cheese. It's it's just delicious, like oven baked potatoes. Sounds good. Um, yeah, uh, and then least favorite is probably like, uh, oh, like um, my grandmother would always do like fruit salad or something like that, and I was like, uh. no, that's that's I don't know. That shouldn't be a salad. That's not a not for me. So yeah, that's that's what I got. Um, we already did my Thanksgiving in my family, so so I'm not actually doing anything tomorrow or today or whatever. You get uh, a day off. Yep, I got a day off. Yep, I got, I got holiday. I got four days off. Woohoo! How about you? Uh, for me, uh, it's sort of cheesy, but like my favorite thing of Thanksgiving is eating turkey, specifically white meat. I typically don't like dark meats of turkeys. Uh, it's just I know you can eat turkey any day of the year. But like Thanksgiving is the one time of the year that I actually care about eating turkey. Most mm -hmm. of the time, I won't just eat turkey. But yeah, uh, the way that my uh, grandmother, or yeah, my grandmother, and my aunt do it, I like. I don't know all the details about it because I'm never in the kitchen while they're preparing it. But I really like it. And then like uh, another dish that I really like is uh, every year, my mom would make a cheesecake, and like uh, I think it was like last year or the year before that she was teaching me how to do how to make the cheesecake like all the specific things that you needed to get and how to do it so i was originally going to make a cheesecake this year but uh the triple at home sort of prevented that from happening so probably next year i'll try that but yeah really like cheesecake cool uh up next amy gilroy uh at amy gills 89 queen of ireland asks daddy trevor what sage drinking advice would you give to zai now he's 21 um be careful like be careful uh like don't i mean especially coming up at psx like 
know your limits. And keep, when it, you... keep in mind, I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life. Not even rubbing it. I know. I know. So, so the I was saying for the people who are listening that oh, don't. Yes. Yes. Um, got it. Um, in the in a in the bigger picture, um, we will want to make sure that you are well fed and you have plenty of like food to sop up the alcohol um, when we when we're when we're getting you drunk at PSX. Gummy bears. Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> bears will really do the trick no we'll want we'll want more like carbohydrate based things that will sop up the alcohol um gummy bears will certainly sop up alcohol yes as as uh, as you could find in like a jello shot or something one of my favorite things that i've seen in the in the last year or so is uh we did a star wars trivia night um for for the theater that i used to work with and um uh they made jello shots with gummy bears in them and called them ewoks and carbonite that's and, uh, awesome. It was, it was it was pretty nice. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, we'll definitely want you well fed. Um, we'll definitely want to keep water on hand for you, um, and uh, try and prevent as much mixing of alcohols as possible, and kind of try and keep you more on like find something you like and keep you on that something you like as opposed to giving you like tequila and vodka and rum and beer because um, that mixing does not tend to go well with stomachs. Um, up next, uh, Jasmine Townsell, one of our roomies at, uh, at PSX at Snazasaurus asks, any fun plans for PSX? What should first timers expect? Um, so yeah, we got, we got, I mean, like we're doing, we're doing Disneyland, certainly kind of yeah. one of the, the, the plans that we're talking about on the uh, like I'll be going I went ahead and picked up a two-day pass um, so I'm gonna do Friday a little bit and then and then as well as Monday um, which nice. is like the the day that we've designated for um, for for like the kind of funny meetup kind of thing um, I'm also getting in there Thursday and I'm probably gonna go to the game awards Thursday night um, uh, so those are a couple of fun things and then just PSX in general um, Keynote's always at a very electrifying moment to be a part of, to be in that room when uh, when like big announcements are happening, or like last year when uh, when they showed off like gameplay of of the Final Fantasy VII remake well before anybody thought that was going to happen. Um, that was that surprising. Was, that was a surprising and exciting moment. They um, but it's that they should have ended with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. That's yeah. Par ending with Paragon was a was not the right call for that audience. No. Um, God no. Certainly. I mean, it certainly makes you wonder if like. I hope they learned this year. It, like, cause, cause, like the, like my my theory was, cause the Kojima announcement, the partnership came out a couple days later, of, uh, um, but like he couldn't. So my theory was that they wanted to make that announcement, and Konami just like wouldn't let him out of his contract in time to do it or something like that. Um, uh, and so yeah, my my guess is that like they were they were originally supposed to close with like a hey and you know you know him you love him he's working with playstation he's gonna do a new game for us with his new studio please welcome hideo kojima and like that would have like blown off the roof of of uh, everybody at at uh at psx but i imagine with all the stuff that had just happened with the game awards of like him not being allowed to yeah uh, attend that um i imagine that probably had to get scrapped pretty late in the in the planning process. That's my rumor, my theory. Um, I don't even know if it's a rumor, but that's like my theory as to what happened. 
Um, so yeah, as far as what what to expect, um, good good fun time. Uh, long lines, um, yep. unless you're like unless you only want to play like indie games, um, and even then, some of them will be still pretty long. Um, uh, I mean, there will be a lot of us there hanging out and having fun, so that'll be good good getting a chance to to see everybody. Um, and they they just announced today that they are actually doing panels outside of the the PSI Love You XOXO panel. Um, three of them are hidden. Three of them are, are unknown so far. Yeah, it'll be. I imagine, uh, as as Greg suggested, I imagine they will be kind of like games that get announced in the keynote leading right into it because it's like ten o'clock is the keynote and then twelve o'clock is the first um, uh, first of those panels. And so it's a new Patapon, right? Yeah, yeah, Patapon three or Pat four four or whatever. Pat Patapon PS four. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, so if it depends on what you're looking for, kind of out of the experience. If you want to play games, go play games, but expect to wait in line for them. If you're just going to hang out with all of us, um, we'll be there and we can hang out in lines with you. Um, and like, yeah, one of the things I loved about the first PSX that just has been kind of not as as high of a uh, of a priority for them in recent years or in, in the year since was is the panels because I loved kind of the the behind the scenes, getting to hear people talk about. The games they're working on or the games they did work on and what they loved about them like i i'm a fan of the inside of the industry like that um and they just don't do them as much as they did that first year um, but if you if you are as well then attending those panels i'm sure would be fun good time i'm sure the psi love you panel will be a hoot that's a hoot nanny yeah how about you what uh, what um uh, uh what what would you say first timers should expect okay uh so As you, you were a first timer last year. Yes. You play PSVR. I play PSVR. If you are going to PSX and you've never played PSVR, before you go to PSX, download the PlayStation Experience app. Yes. Because this app is going to be what gets you to try PSVR. Because the way that PlayStation has done it at PSX last year and all the events that they've done since then, GameStop Expo, PAXs, I don't know if they had that during the first PSX. But uh, basically, you have to sign up four times through this app. So if you want to play BSVR, you need to sign up through this app. And I'm assuming uh, other games will have to have signed up through this app as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they do make it um, for like the big, you know, um, for some of the big, bigger games. Um, but yeah, PSVR, that has, it's, that's a great point. Um, uh, they'll, they'll say, okay at such and such a time we're going to open up we're going to clear all of the all of the uh, all of the slots and that's like first come first serve so you don't have to you know it, it's great because if you you know you get a four o'clock slot you don't have to sit there and wait from two o'clock till four o'clock to get there you can just come back at four o'clock and uh, and and kind of hop in for your your uh, your appointment um but it is certainly a like first come first serve so you might not get anything um uh, but yeah, it's and, and it yeah. If you especially if you don't have the app to know exactly you need to do it, you're not gonna so, get in. So. so download the app if you want to do PSVR, and then pay attention to I believe their Twitter and the announcements on the app. That's when they'll announce when you can sign up and what time yeah. is still available. Um, also related to the app, um, I imagine they they'll do this again uh, this year. Last year they did like they would have like little scanning stations at a lot of the games, and you could go yeah. and basically scan your your badge i think at um uh at a station 
and it would like tie to your PlayStation Experience app um, account. And like uh, you could get avatars or themes or like like exclusive content for that. Like I got, a, a, I want to say a $15 PSN card for doing, for checking in at like a certain number of spots and doing a certain number of things. Yeah, I did the um, same thing. And, uh, and, and also if you get like, if you get super into the collecting of cards, um, like uh, do, do that early because they don't ever plan enough. And so like they ran out of cards last year at a lot yeah. of, a lot of the booths. So um, that's, if you certainly want to go down that route, you can, I don't have that much uh, like much desire for it, but it's fun. It's, it's a nice little like souvenir-y thing to, to take away. Uh, uh, another another okay. thing, real quick. If you want to go to any of the six panels, if the panel's at twelve o'clock, you show up at ten o'clock. Just show up early ahead of time if you really want to get to the panel, and then expect inside the convention center not to get great cell phone reception and yeah. bring water bottles. Yes. Yep. Good. Good calls. All good calls. Uh, Nikki Powell asks, and I like. I don't quite. Is I don't know if this is a thing between you guys. This is from KFL two. You were there. Was that? No. Okay. Wait. You weren't there. I was not there for this. Is this was this from your brunch while we were at Alcatraz? You guys it made was. these jokes. Quattro Porte, car or candy? Wispa, car or candy? Okay, so where this came from was uh, during our brunch, uh, before our brunch, we were waiting outside, and uh, Kaylee was texting our friend Gia Harris and to see when she, she would get here. Then Gia said, oh, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. I'm going to arrive in a... I forget what type of car it was, but she, Kaylee had said the name of the type of car. And I looked at her like, is that a candy or is that a car? And then he was like, why do you think it's a candy? I'm like, it sounds like the name of a candy. And then for like the 10 minutes we were waiting for Gia, everyone would play a little game where they would name something. It was supposed to be a car brand like Ford or something else. And I would have to guess if it's an actual car type or if it's a type of candy, like Mercedes, is that a car or candy? I'm like, it's a car? It's like, yeah, Mercedes is a car. I love the games we play with you. <laughs> like, like, like at, PAX, at PAX West, it was like, what does Zyger know? Yep. <laughs> Tom Cruise, what movies has Tom Cruise been in, Zyger? <laughs> so, so... I don't know. Yeah, there you go. So... Uh, even though it's one of them has been shown all week on kind of on Colin and Greg live. Okay. Top Gun. Um, yes. There you go. Um, ding, ding, ding. So uh, Quattro Porte car or candy. I know the answers. So that, that sounds like a car. That is a car. Yes. yes. Good job. And Wispa car or candy. That's a hard one. <laughs> It sounds like a candy. Is it a candy? Is that your final answer? I have a feeling it's car, but I'm gonna go with candy as final answer. It is candy, correct. Yes. You are you are good. All right, two out of two. Nikki will be proud. Um, I had to look both of those up. I was like, I don't like. What are we talking about here? Because yeah, I was not part of this inside joke apparently. Uh, so I was like, what? Like, what is a quattro porte and what is a whisper? Um, cool. Pixel Brave at Pixel Brave asks, uh, and and former guest Christian um, asks, uh, so many kind of funny best friends interact online. Who's the first kind of funny best friend you met in person at an event or con? Uh, do you want to go first? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, mine was, uh, I've talked about it before. Uh, a lot of times, uh, Sean Pitts at, uh, at first, the first kind of funny live. Um, uh, I was in town, uh, early for, for the event and, uh, and he also was in town early and, and met up with, uh, or was going to meet up with Jared Petty, um, for like just a, a nice little personalized tour of IGN. And, um, I tweeted at him or something about being jealous about, it, and he, he invited me to tag along and we went and hung out and, got kind of a yeah very like uh two-person tour with jared for on his on jared was very kind enough to do it on his lunch break so yeah sean was the the first one in the community i met um uh and then like the rest of that weekend i met people like alex and cameron and uh and nikki um so yeah uh but sean was was the first by about five hours <laughs> It's funny because it's the exact same answer I have. Yeah. Not exact same, but like the first person I met in the community is Sean Pitts. Yeah. And it was through RTX 2015 where uh, like a week or two before the event, uh, Sean's person that he was going to stay with canceled on him. So Sean didn't have a room, but he knew I was going to PESX. And like from my understanding was Sean didn't know anyone well enough who was going to RTX to ask them to stay. But he knew I, he knew me because we been Facebook admins for a while and he knows me from Twitch. He's like, hey, Sager, is it okay if I stay with you? So at like four in the morning, Sean finally gets in and like he's worried that I'll be asleep and that he'll have to sleep in the hallway. So he knocks on the door, I open the door. I see Sean for the first time ever. And it's like, oh, you're Sean Piss. You're someone I know and respect and everything. He's like, you're Zyger. You're a lot shorter than I thought you would be, but oh my God, you're Zyger. I actually know you. So uh, we talked a little bit, but it was like four or three in the morning. So it was super early. So we decided to just go to sleep and then talk more in the morning. But yeah, he was the first person I met and it was at an RTX. Then later we met up with a few other KFBFs. Later that day, we saw Louis Min cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And then mm -hmm. uh, through the course of the RTX, I met up with more people like Nathan Swisher, uh, who is coming up. Yep. A little bit. We also met Jared, who is amazing at Smash Bros. We mm -hmm. made uh, Nathan's friend Philip. We met. Uh, I apparently met my friend the future, uh, Trevor Sanders, that RTX, but I don't remember it. But I remember him coming to my room because I've seen a picture of him since then. I was like, "Oh, you were the last person to come into my room at like near midnight when we had sixteen people in there, and you nice. hung out for a little bit, but then you left." I didn't know he was the future at the time because I never talked to the future, but like I met so many people that that first RTX, but the first person was Sean mm -hmm. and we got Torchy's tacos. Cool. Um, uh, Christian at Pixel Brave also asks, what is worst game? Do you have a what worst, is game? worst game? What is worst game in, in red in true Jared pet pockets full of soup fashion? Okay, so this is a small indie game you probably never heard of called Uncharted 4. <laughs> Not nah, just kidding. <laughs> uh, if I if I really said Uncharted 4, a lot of people would be mad at me. I mean, that's what I would clip out and be like, hey, uh, Greg, go ahead and remove Zyger's admin and give it to me. <laughs> Damn, but no. Uh, as far as worst game, off the top of my head, I can't think of any game that I particularly hate so much because most of the time, if I don't enjoy a game, I just don't play it. Mm -hmm. But uh, a game that I know I did not enjoy at all was probably like one of the 
games I played on my Xbox 360 to get the 1,000 gamer score because it's those childish easy games. I've played a lot of like Bolt, awful game. Terminator Salvation, awful game. Uh, Fight Club Round 3, whatever. Didn't enjoy that game at all. But like they weren't particularly bad. I just didn't enjoy them. Mm-hmm. As far as worst game I ever played, it's going to be among those games. I would probably give it to Alien Colonial Marines. Like, uh, I, I mean, that one is notoriously uh, uh, bad. Yeah, that game crashed on me a lot, and it was disappointing because I really love the Alien franchise. And like that game, like it wasn't necessarily bad in the story sense, but like just playing through it, it wasn't fun. It was an okay 1,000 gamer score, but I'm pretty sure some of the achievements were broken. Like, I stopped playing halfway through it because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about this earlier, and I was like, I like I'm I know, especially back in like in my in my younger days, I played a ton of shit games on like PC and and like shovelware games on on like Super Nintendo or or n64 or something like really bad games that i've just like forgotten because they were bad um so in recent memory though like games that have been bad and i've been angry about it um my i I went through and i also looked at like my because i the last couple years i've done like best of and worst of um lists and so two years ago my worst game of the year was uh assassin's creed unity oh yeah Um, and i went on a huge tirade and it like i'm not even talking just about like the the face glitches or whatever that like you know get get posted all up and up and down reddit um where like the faces disappeared and all you see are the eyes and the lips no it was like i just i did not have fun with that game all of the stupid shit that they like tried to integrate into it um the story was boring as all hell the characters were crap the controls have always been a pain in the ass in assassin's creed um and it was like i i Play, I, the only reason I played through that game was out of hate and spite. Um, I was like, "Fuck this game," but I'm gonna finish it. And then I'm like, I like I came very close to just breaking the disc myself after I was done with it because I, I had such a bad time with that game. Um, and it like uh, in in that in that write up that year I wrote like, um, well, like Black Flag tricked me into thinking the series was good, so I tried it, <laughs> and so I. True, I and I went back and like I and I talk about this on on the episode with Nathan last week. Um, so I, I uh, like I played Black Threat Flag and then I went and tried through the whole rest of the series and got up to Assassin's Creed Three and was like couldn't get past the prologue section of that game because it was just boring and dull. But even that wasn't like aggressively making me angry in the way that Unity did. And so I wrote like Black Flag tricked me into thinking the series was good. Unity confirmed that it's not. And I'm not going to come back to this series. So, like, when Syndicate came out um, last year, didn't touch it. Um, I'm unlikely to pick out, pick up Osiris or whatever, the Egyptian one that's rumored and likely a real thing based on, yeah. like, the fact that they're saying it's a real thing in Watch Dogs 2. Um, uh, I like, I, I, so that's, that's, that was my worst game of 2014. My worst game of 2015 was the episode Duskai demo. Um, really? For Final yeah, I, I, that, that is, I mean, and I, like I've said this a lot too in the, in the past, that's not what I want out of a Final Fantasy game. Um, the, the hour that I spent with it at PAX is better than, than that. So I'm, I'm 
I'm more hopeful than I have been in years that I will have a good time with Final Fantasy 15. Um, but yeah, the the episode Dusk Eye demo it was just like I like it's boring. I don't like these characters. I don't like the performances. I don't like um, the combat system. I just did not like the demo. It was it was very pretty and nothing else um, in in that demo for me. So uh, so yeah, I, like I I counted that as my my worst of 2015. Um, and the fact that I bought Final Fantasy Type Zero for that demo um, didn't help matters at all. <laughs> Type Zero was a good game, though. I never touched Type Zero, though. I like I didn't. I, got I did never play it. Gamers for on that game. It's fantastic. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's and I, like again, I'm sure I've played worse games, but those are the ones that come to mind for me now. I have a new answer. Okay. Tetris Ultimate. Fuck you, Ubisoft. Make a good Tetris game. It's there not hard. EA yeah, did it. EA made several good Tetris games. Ubisoft, stop fucking it up. There you go. Here, here. Um, Alex O'Neill at Alfighter27, a friend of the show, former guest, asks, what led him to being so nice on the internet? Most boys are bad, but he's a good internet boy. You see, I'm a good internet boy, Trevor, regardless I mean, of what you may think. I mean, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes? No, I'm, all, I'm good all the time, okay? Except when I'm not, but we don't count those, okay? Okay. But, uh... So- yeah. What, uh, what, like, uh, I mean, you, you are, you are a genuinely nice, uh, little dude, um, a little naive at times. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes I'm like, I feel like you should, I feel like that should be common sense by now, but overall, like none of that comes from like a place of like malice or anything. You're just a night, you are a nice kid. So, uh, so good on your folks there if, if they had a hand in that, but what do you, what do you kind of see as like, why are you nice? <laughs> Uh, I would probably have to blame it on my parents. They raised me to be somewhat nice. Most of the time, uh, the way my parents would raise me, it would be like, okay, if someone's bothering you, just leave them alone. If uh, they always said the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated, blah, blah, blah. And like, my mom was always supportive of things I wanted to do. So if I wanted to play video games draw and stay home all day she was okay with that she wasn't ever like mean to me and whenever we did act out yes she would yell at us uh she may or may not hit us at times uh we may or may not be disciplined a lot but like she always knew what was best in a sense so she never let us like go out onto the streets in san Bernardino and do whatever we wanted because hey san Bernardino is an awful place you shouldn't live there a lot of people do live there and, like, I've met people who are in San Bernardino, and they're okay, well, for the most part. But, like, she knew, like, if she wanted to have good kids, we she would have to be more stern with us. So, like, whenever it came to interacting with other people, I was always super shy and whatnot. But, like, my mom always said, treat people how you want to be treated. So, it's like, okay, I don't want this person to hate me, so I'll just be nice to them. And, like... cool. Oh, she at the beginning of the whole internet saga thing. She also made, convinced me that anyone on the internet can find out who I am and that they will kill me if I wasn't nice. <laughs> and as a little kid, it's like, okay, you're God in you. Yeah. So in a sense, it's like, okay, so early internet, ne- never say your name. That was a big thing. You never yes. say your name on the internet. And you be nice. Otherwise, the people on the internet will do bad things to your computer and then you. Hmm. She also said um, never click on anything that pops up. That's, that's where my dad uses it. 
that's probably <laughs> that's probably a good call. Um, uh, yeah, and it did. We were talking earlier. Um, you mentioned uh, that like back before Greg went on the gauntlet, you were like IGN, like fuck those people. They they um, hate Pokemon but love Call of Duty. What the hell? It's the same game every year. How did you? I mean. So it seems like you could have gone down that rabbit hole of being like shitty internet commenter, but you've come out on the other side of not being that. So was there, was there like, a, were you ever that kind of um, like nasty commenter person or did you just kind of, uh, kind of bypass that altogether? No, commenting on stuff was too much work and I didn't want to deal with it because to comment on IG and you have to make an IGN account and you have to do all this stuff, so verify your email, it's too much work. And mm -hmm. like, I was never a fan of reading other people's comments. So it's like, why well, make a comment? I'm not going to care about this in like a week. And like, like I mentioned earlier, I would have those thoughts like, oh, wow, IGN, you suck. How dare you review Pokemon as a seven when it's clearly a nine at best? And you rate Call of Duty amazing, even though it's the same thing. Like I would have those thoughts every now and then, but most of the time I just like got over. It's like, oh, it's just a dumb joke. Who cares? Mm -hmm. uh, IGN, you you know more about video games than I do. And while I disagree with Pokemon being the same thing every year, you guys do your thing. I'll do my thing. I enjoy what I enjoy. You enjoy what you enjoy. I don't care that much. I'm not going to cause a problem because in the end, just being an internet troll doesn't get you anything. It's just boring and takes too much work. There you go. Good, good life lessons. Um, uh, Christian returns at Pixel Brave with uh, any places you wish you could travel to or dream destinations. Um, do you have any any lined up? Uh, I want to go to the UK at some point next year. Probably, uh, I'm talking to a few people to see if I can swing EGX. Probably not. It's probably not going to happen, considering like what's going on around that time. But like, hey, if it could happen, and I might try to go for it. If it doesn't happen, no big deal. But like, I want to go to the UK. Uh, I also want to go to Japan at some point, not to live, just to visit, just head up all the places I see in video games and anime, just because you know why not? Yeah, very but, cool. Yeah, not not. I'm not that big into traveling. Otherwise, unless it's for an event. Hmm. Um, uh, my, my go-to answers tend to be, um, one is, uh, like the place that I would retire to if I had millions of dollars would be Ireland. Um, go hang out with Amy. Uh, cause I, uh, I got to go there when I graduated high school. Uh, we were in, we went to Europe for three weeks and Ireland was like one of the first stops on our, on our little tour. Nice. And, um, and growing up in Arizona, uh, I, the, the joke I always say is like, I saw more green in like my first day in Ireland than I did my entire childhood. <laughs> um, or, or like I saw more green, there's more green in Ireland there and there is brown in Arizona. Um, so yeah, that's, I would, I would love to, to go to Ireland. Um, but as, as in terms of like a place that I've never been before, um, Italy is certainly like the, the culture and, and history of like Rome. I would love to, uh, to explore and, and visit at some point. They had the leaning tower of pizza. That, it, well, that's in Pisa, yeah, and so in Italy, but not not necessarily Rome. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, like basically not trying to live through through the not trying to experience that through shitty Assassin's Creed games would be my would be my goal there. Um, uh, Nathan Swisher, the guest uh, 
last week as you're watching this or listening to it uh, at OCR underscore Melkor on Twitter asks, Zyger, why did you try and lie when I easily beat you in Smash 1v1, Robin's only final destination? I he, tell, did. He, tells, he tells his side of the story on the episode that, that I actually like made go live while we were recording this. So, uh, so he tells his side of the story because you asked last week about, uh, about playing as Robin in Smash. So go ahead okay, and tell your so, side of the story, Zyger. I don't remember my side of the story, typically. I'm pretty sure he's talking about when we played Smash on Extra Life for Kind of Funny uh, during their Extra Life last year. No, he was referring to uh, to RTX. Oh, to RTX then? Yeah. Okay, so at RTX, uh, Nathan, uh, we played Smash Bros. He came up to our, my hotel room. We played Smash a lot. And, like, he's never played Robin before. And I tell him, like, oh, Robin's a really cool character. He's from the new Fire Emblem game. He's really cool. And, like, Nathan's going through the character options or the colors or whatnot and notice that there's a girl option. I'm like, oh, yeah, in Fire Emblem Awakening, you could choose to be either a boy or a girl. And the character's name is Robin, but in the Fire Emblem games, you can name the character whatever you want. So he's like, oh, well, okay, I'll play as... Uh, he chooses female Robin, but, like, pink hair Robin. Yep. And, like, me personally, I like... To, I prefer to use most of the default colors in schemes. I don't like mixing it up a lot. And on the rare occasion I do, it makes sense. Like, red dress Rosalina or shirtless Shulk. But, like... Yeah, of when course. He... Those make perfect sense. Yeah, okay, Rosalina has the red dress because it's the blood of her victims, and Shirtless Sulk takes off his clothes though he's faster. It, it it all makes sense. It's just, it's Smash Bros. logic. You wouldn't understand because you're just a Smash Bros. pleb. But anyway, yeah. Nathan picks the uh, pink-themed Robin, uh, female Robin, and, like, I picked the normal Robin, and we were playing a game of Smash, and, like, he's getting used to the character, learning what all the uh, B options do, like, standard B does the electric thing, you can hold and charge it, to make it powerful, you can do side B, which is uh, L fire, up B does L wind, down B does Nosferatu. And like he's basically learning how to use this character while I'm currently using the character. Since I've already practiced with that character, I know what I'm doing. And it's me, Nathan, our friend Jared, and I think Sean or Lewis who are just playing random Smash battles. And like it became a running gag that I was like, oh, uh, someone would ask, okay, who's Robin? And I'm like, oh, I'm normal Robin, and he's the loser pink hair Robin. And then he would continue, like, no, Pinky Robin's the best Robin. And at some point, we're like, yo, 1v1 right now. Even though we technically didn't do a 1v1, uh, the way I remember it is, we had the smashing of eight people, and it would just be me and him in the stream with, like, six other people, but we would only go for each other. I don't remember us doing, like, an official 1v1. We might have on the DS version, but I don't think he had his DS on him. I could, I could be misremembering that, but mm-hmm. I just remember fighting against him and I may have fallen off the platform a few more times than he has but the thing is uh, he's forgetting the fact that my adorableness adds a plus three life onto my thing nope. so that's how not, I would not a thing it is not a, thing. a real thing nope. yeah, home rules <laughs> <laughs> home rules so technically if you want to go by the official Smash Bros. thing, he may have survived longer than I have in this eight-player Smash, where we are one v winning against each other while competing against other six people. I think like Andy was the Pika bitch because he was Pikachu. He was a damn B. Fuck him. Uh, Sean was Little Mac. Uh, Louis Machacha was Mario. Jared was Zelda. And of course, I was Robin. He was Robin because at that time he was my main, sort of. It was him. 
Rosalina, and Shirtless Shulk. So we're playing through all these characters and whatnot. And it's just this rivalry that me and Nathan had about pink-haired Robin and normal Robin. And obviously normal Robin's the best Robin because you don't see a pink-haired Robin amiibo out there, okay? Normal Robin I mean, has an amiibo. I mean, you could probably actually find a custom one, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, a custom one. But not one officially, like, by Nintendo. It doesn't have the Nintendo seal of approval. If you got so, a you're saying, one. so you're saying uh, custom ones are, are shit and don't count for anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... <laughs> I was going to say, because as someone who has a custom amiibo, that sounds like something you wouldn't want to be saying. I'm Mr. saying Mr. that Normal Robin is amiibo. better than... Uh, pink hair Robin and that's all that matters and if Nintendo is listening to this yo I have an amiibo design right here that we can get into production like right now <laughs> nice well yes uh, the Nathan in, in his episode uh, mentioned that he did beat you as pink haired Robin um, he your, might have fallen your, less times your, your tweet left the last week was basically like Yo, normal Robin is best Robin, or something like that. More or and, less. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, he kind of told the story from his side of things, and I used pink-haired Robin as the thumbnail for that episode today. <laughs> so so there you go. Haha, it's just to spite you. <laughs> a a thumbnail joke that like is really deep in the weeds of the t of the conversation that is really just for you and Nathan. Um, also, before you invited me on, I realized that I was like like me myself. I'm in like four of your thumbnails. Oh, yeah. I'm very proud about that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even on the show yet, and I'm already on four of the thumbnails. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, uh, next up, Fiona McKinnon at Zeranix asks, if you could be placed into a game world, which one would it be? All right, I have my answer ready to go if you want me to go to first. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, mine, is, mine is always Pokemon. Exactly, mine is also Pokemon, 100%. <laughs> it's you like, just... any, any other one, I'm going to die, so exactly. nope. Exactly. <laughs> um, Pokemon, yeah. anyone could be a trainer. It works. <laughs> yep, yep, there you go. Um, yeah, there's no reason to not want Pokemon to be your answer there. Uh, unless you're, like, a real fun sponge, as uh, I am often uh, attributed. Uh, the Reverend Cameron Abbott at Unsexiest Comedy, uh, also a former guest, asks, um, how do you manage so many mod jobs and still have time for Criminal Girls, and which of the mod jobs is your favorite? Oh, is he asking which mod job is the favorite or which criminal girl is the favorite? I mean, I would have guessed which mod job, but if you ha if you want to answer both, like which which mod job and which of the criminal girls is your favorite, go okay, for it. Before I answer this question, did Cameron really become a reverend? Is that a thing? Cameron? Yeah, Cameron and I are both are both uh, re uh, reverends. Um, like, like it's I, a, I, I know you did it. I didn't yeah. know he did it as well. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, he, uh, I want to say he performed a ceremony for one of his friends. Um, I performed mine for my sister. Like I'm pretty sure we're both like through the same like universal life church. It's basically like an internet church where you just go and, and sign up and based on your your state's like legislation and stuff, you might need to go through a couple extra loopholes. But here in Arizona, it was just like, nope, sign up and and you're good to go. And just then you sign the the documentation and, uh, and I'm yep, I'm so I'm a reverend. Cameron's a reverend. Um, Jared John, who's done stuff over with. Uh, um, with irrational passions, I know he's a reverend as well. Um, all, like all of us through the same same group. Yo, um, I want to be a reverend. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, like Nikki's got uh, Jared doing her her ceremony, but I think like I'm I might be her backup. 
um, but we haven't like like it, we've joked about it in passing. But I think she's also possibly serious if like Jared couldn't make it for some reason. Um, but she also is just looking for like a very simple, quick like five ten minutes and you're done, and then it's on to the party kind of okay, thing. Okay, so what you're saying is I should be Nikki's backup. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't think that will happen. <laughs> I'll make it happen. Um, so yeah, so who's your favorite mod job and who's your favorite criminal girl? Criminal girl. Uh, for modding, it would be kind of funny, even though it's a, really crazy in there. We get a bunch of viewers on that channel, and the chat goes faster than any other channel. Uh, a lot of people have a problem with that chat because it goes by too fast and they can't read it. Yeah. I know a lot of my friends always say like, "Oh, I like watching the show, but I just turn the chat off or move it off to the side." because they just can't keep up with it. But like me, like having to read every comment or every line uh, since I became a mod, when Greg made me a mod, uh, I got used to reading things fast. So like I can keep up with the chat, no problem. And I also have uh, a plugin called BTTV, which I can enter certain words or phrases that will highlight things in red. So if someone says a certain word that I know in context will probably get them banned or deleted or whatever it will show up in red mm -hmm. so it's like okay this comment will stand out out of all the rest and if it's a bad comment like i suspect it to be i can just ban that person right away yeah and then uh as far as criminal girl goes i'm going i believe her name is ren i don't know her last name because it's all japanese but uh she was the uh taller one in the virtual criminal girls game uh she was going to go to hell because she was going to kill a stalker of hers. But uh, her whole thing is, uh, as a little girl, she was mostly by her uncle. And since then, she's hated men. And she's always felt awkward around men. And like, when you first in are introduced to her in the game, she tells you that she hates you because you're a dude. And as you progress through the game, it's very clear that she's not a fan of you. She doesn't like you. But like, as you continue to get to know her, she starts opening up and then she tells you all these things. And then you find out, oh, she was going to go to hell because she was going to kill a stalker first because she didn't want to interact with him because she was afraid of him. And then she figures out like, oh, she can get over her fears of men and whatnot. And then she opens up a lot more. And like, she's always been this type of rebel girl character. So when she starts opening up, she's like, she starts being nicer to you. She doesn't hate you. She ends up falling in love with you because in the game all the girls end up falling in love with you it's very weird but yeah she's by far my favorite character cool uh and then last question comes from buddy at buddy watson 12 what's your favorite amiibo yo desire amiibo made by maxim cortez at rtx 2015 yeah um, he modeled it then our friend wesley bray who is a facebook admin uh, got it 3d printed and painted hold it up again uh, uh uh, and, and talk a little bit because you're uh, you froze when you held it up the last time. No, oh, okay. So yeah, this uh, at RTX during the Colin Greg live panel, uh, Greg made an offhand joke that uh, I should come by his hotel room to take pictures so he can make an amiibo of me, and I had to be naked for all of these pictures. And I thought that was really weird, but I'm like, okay, Greg, whatever you say, you're the boss. During the RTX uh, meetup at EC Tiger, uh, he took a few pictures of me. And on Congreg Live the next uh, week, he said, hey, I got these pictures of Zyger. If anyone can make an amiibo, that would be amazing. Maximum Cortez, being who he is, uh, used uh, some application, I believe it was Maya, which is a 
program I'm familiar with as well. But he made this little sculpture of me based on those pictures. At that RTX meetup, I had the black shirt and a yellow shirt with a little dog on it. Uh, they took his dog on there, obviously. But uh, he 3D modeled it, and then he sent it to our friend Wesley Bray, who works in the UK. He I don't know what exactly he does, but he is a 3D printer at his job. So he 3D printed it. He made five of these. He broke one, kept one for himself, and then painted the other two. He gave me three of them, the normal one here, the silver one, and the gold one here. And they're supposed to replicate the Mario Amiibos, where there's a normal one, the silver one, and the gold one. Yep. I love that you like you knew this was coming, so you had them all like at ha on hand. You see, originally, my answer was going to be the Rosalina Amiibo, because Rosalina is best character out of everyone in Smash. I was like, kind of like my Amiibo a little more than hers. Even though hers isn't doesn't come in in the blood of her enemies red, right? No, it so does not. Clearly, clearly, your logic there, um, not not uh, not uh, on point. See, logic only applies when you want to apply it, and I only apply it the way. This is I the problem it. with America right now, Zyger. Stop it. You're 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 not wrong. Okay. This is the problem with America. However, <laughs> you don't understand, Trevor. Nathan cannot be right. You just cannot be right. Normal, white-haired Robin, better than pink-haired Robin. Nathan, 1v1 me is Smash. Let's go, bro. Let's do this. We're gonna, I don't, he's not going to uh, PSX. No. Maybe no, probably, KFL. Probably won't see him again until KFL3, yeah. KFL3, we're going to have a 1v1 Smash Bros. off, Nathan. I challenge you. It's going to be Robin versus Robin. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress up as Robin from Batman. <laughs> okay, that's creepy. That's that I remind oh. me to remind me to not schedule rooms or book rooms that for that one. Um, as far as my favorite amiibo, uh, uh, it's the and I did I didn't bother grabbing it, but it's the um, like the classic eight bit Mario um, that I like. I, I appreciate the pixel Mario there. The one with the brown pants or the blue pants? I don't know whichever one wasn't the like Mario Maker exclusive, like the one okay. I could actually go and buy from a store. <laughs> okay, that's, I think that's brown pants. Sure. And then the one with the blue pants is the one that came with the game. Okay. Um, yeah. Which whichever one I have, the normal, uh, and then I I will also I'm also keen to pick up the uh, the same uh, like the eight bit link that uh, is is just coming oh, out. Oh yeah. Out. Um, that that's uh, like I I love, you know, old old nostalgic gamer in me. Um, like has has an affinity for those, and I'm not much in the rest of the amiibo scene. I fell down the Lego Dimensions well, which I also see yours in the in the background yeah, there. I, I'm starting to fall down that well. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's 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 my favorite amiibo, and uh, and that's it for questions for for trove topics. Um, at at five and a half hours, this definitely made the longest episode. New record. <laughs> Congratulations, Iger. New record. Is that that's a. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering a Smash Bros. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yay! Um, so yeah, so uh, for a uh, to to go ahead and wrap things up, Zyger, go ahead and for one last time, tell people where they can find you, um, and what you what you're doing, who you're at, where you where where to find you on the tweets, and if you're doing anything else. Okay, so literally all social media. My name is Zyger one three three seven. That's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever 
social media you use, I'm probably on it with that name. I may not use that. I mostly use Twitter and Instagram. If you want to add me anywhere else, it's Zyger1337. Uh, I'm mostly on Facebook. I'm also a lot on Twitch. You can see me watching various Twitch channels, like kind of funny games, software to plays. My friend Alexi Ray, who streams on the Massacre Rampage, and like dozens of other Twitch channels. IGN, Fred Marbella, Dustin Laguerre, uh, they all have Twitch channels I go to a lot. Uh, you'll find me mostly uh, on Twitter or at events and whatnot. Uh, I mostly do stuff for Kind of Funny, so if you're in the Kind of Funny community, uh, I do stuff for them a lot. You probably see me uh, mentioned by Greg every now and then. Uh, other than that, I'm going to start doing my own like video series. Not, not serious, but like my own type of videos, hopefully sometime next year. Because I have a different ideas I want to do, and I just haven't had time to do it yet. But yeah, I'll be around. Very cool. Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, I'm Trevor Starkey, at Snarky Starkey on Twitter. You can follow the show at Trove Talk. Uh, you can, uh, what else? You can go see whatever I've been writing recently um, at trevortrove.com. So, this week, as we're recording it, uh, we're in the middle of Shooter Week, uh, so all of that will be up and posted by the by the time you're actually watching this. Um, also, if you're watching this like as it goes live on Thursday, or if you're watching the full episode Friday, I'm sure I'll be trying to do some coverage from PlayStation uh, Experience, uh, do some kind of um, to try and do some of my like daily event recaps that I've kind of done at PAXs and PSXs and kind of funny lives in the past talking about just kind of the experience of being there so people can live vicariously through me. So keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's, that's good. That's, that's the show. Thank you, Zyger for, uh, for joining me for the longest episode. Um, yeah. uh, it's been great, great, great catching up. Happy Thanksgiving formally, uh, Happy Thanksgiving. To, to you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, until next time, uh, from here at the Trove, treasure your friends. <laughs>